Friday, May the 28th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have no time to waste today, none whatsoever, because we are going to get into NBA with Eric, go through all of the current playoff series, discuss everything happening in each one of them. Uh, we're going to hit on the stable dual schedule like always. We're also going to let you know about a pretty cool DRF sale going on this weekend. Pimlico, pick five. There's a big carryover, $115,000 in that carryover pool into the Friday card. So we're going to go over that card. And we got the man who calls the races over at Pimlico to join us. Dave Rodman helping us out with that pick five. Then for Friday, Belmont best bets, Churchill best bets, Santa Anita best bets. There are a couple stakes races at Penn National. So we go over those, although it's supposed to be a little rainy. So we'll, we'll check in on those and Then we get to Saturday, best bets from Belmont. Churchill has an incredible card. I think there's seven stakes races on the card. We basically run through most of that card, give you thoughts on all the races, uh, all the stakes, and a couple of the races earlier on the card, and a few that we think are not really worth betting, but a lot that are Santa Anita for Saturday. So Saturday, Belmont, Churchill, and Santa Anita. Then Sunday, Canterbury. So we uh, they're out. We give you some thoughts on their pick five. And then Monday. Yep, Monday racing. Already past performance is out for Lone Star and Canterbury. So by the time I'm recording this, I was able to get those ones done too. We're going to give you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday racing. And then we close it out with Wrestling with Chad Cooper, where we go over everything happening in WWE with SmackDown, Raw. We get to NXT. We talk about the Ultimate Warrior documentary. Uh, from on A and E, and then we talk about AEW. We preview the big pay per view coming up this weekend. Yeah, that's all on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas. So go right now and check out the website Better Than Dot Vegas. You're you'll see um, a bunch of different sports across the top. You'll see uh, videos. Posted as you scroll down throughout the uh, the website, and these are videos you'll see one probably five to six days of the week for me, where I'll be giving out some of my daily plays for baseball, for basketball, sometimes some horse racing stuff here and there. When we get into football season, you'll get more of them. But what's nice is that I'm able to give you out plays daily there. And if you look, there are a bunch of different handicappers that give out all sorts of plays for all different sports, and everything's free. You can get information before you make your wagers. You can just check out what everyone else thinks. Maybe if you're playing fantasy or you want to put in a, a few uh, bets here and there. And it, maybe it, you don't have any money. If you click on the weekly showdown on the side and you read through the contest rules, totally free every week to get involved. All you have to do is post a, a couple videos with your picks and everything will be tabulated for you. And they keep the standings right there. You'll see the the standings for the weekly showdown. I finished third last week, and two hundred fifty bucks to the winner every week. Maybe a week you're in between paychecks, or you had a bad week last week, but you still want to have some action. You still want to handicap some games. Handicap them. Put up a video. Check out all the details to get involved in the contest. Better than dot Vegas every single day before you make your wagers. You have to go check out. Better than dot Vegas. So we, uh, you know, wanted to just quickly mention that there's a a big game coming up. Yes, uh, 
to be more accurate, it would be a, a big match coming up. I, I played soccer my entire life. I uh, just haven't been one that is big into watching the European soccer uh, uh, football. I love it during World Cup time. And, you know, I used to go and get, you know, into a lot of MLS games. I coached soccer for quite a bit, but we got the Champions League final coming up this weekend. Just wanted to mention it on Saturday, and we have a couple powerhouse teams who have really sort of turned their franchises around, and teams that put a bunch of money into their clubs at all levels, from the academy level at the very, very bottom, the youth levels, to bringing in and outbidding and just having to, in some cases, overpay big stars to come to play for them. To bringing in the best coaches and trainers and instructors. And so it's kind of shows you that it's not easy. It's not just simple. But these are two teams now uh, in Man City and Chelsea. Uh, Man City is is currently, from a betting standpoint, they are your favorite around minus 115. Chelsea is a plus 340, 350-ish. And uh, the draw is plus 240, 250-ish in that range, depending on the some of the different sites I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking at. This game will go on Saturday, and we will see two of uh, the major powerhouses right now. And... We'll maybe talk a little bit more about European soccer coming up. I have some some friends and some good guests I think we can bring on. But uh, honestly, with everything we have on the show today, I didn't really even have an opportunity to bring on any more guests than the ones that we had because we have so much stuff we want to get to that I uh, wanted to quickly discuss that. And uh, I'm sure something that a lot of people will be paying attention to coming up this weekend on Saturday. Uh, coming up on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day. Moving forward now are the NBA playoffs, and uh, we had three more games on Thursday night. So I actually recorded a conversation with Eric early in the day on Thursday before any of the Thursday games had been played. We did talk a little bit about those series in general, and then we got more specific with the games that are coming up on Friday and Saturday and those other series, but we hit all eight series there. I wanted to first talk about the three Thursday night games, and then following that, we talk all about those series a little more for about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, if you want to skip that part and then hear about the uh, Knicks, Hawks, uh, Nets, uh, Celtics, Clippers, Mavs, and which is the other? And uh, Philly, Washington, and Utah, Memphis. So those five we'll talk about from about 25 minutes in our conversation on. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about the Thursday games where we had first up. The Milwaukee Bucks get another really dominant victory. 113-84 over Miami. And Miami only scored 14 points in the first quarter, and the game was over. It it was over. They shot 38% from the field. They shot 28% from three. And that was that. I mean, honestly, you you know, you look up and down. Milwaukee didn't even play incredible. They, They played fine. Miami's just been really struggling. You know, Dragic played good for a couple games. It was 3 for 14. They've just been getting very little from Hero. He was only 1 for 5 from 3. And they just, yeah, they don't look really at all like that Miami team from last year. That game 1 was one that just is going to, they're going to wish that they uh, 
they could have pulled that one out because now they're in trouble. They're down 3 nothing, and uh, Milwaukee is in excellent shape. We'll see if they can sweep or we'll see if we get what the they call the gentleman sweep, the, uh, the 4-1. Their big win for the Lakers. And I think for the first time, we saw LeBron actually look like he had a little bit of a burst in the second half of, of tonight's game. In, you know, the first half again, he was a little tentative, and the Lakers were playing hard, and they were playing good defense, but again, they were just missing shots. KCP struggled, and then he got hurt, so we got to check on him and uh, and see um, what he'll be like after a few games, but he was 0 for 2 from 3. You, you had Schroeder, who missed a couple threes early, and then Kuzma, two for eight from three, but he hit those two late, and he really struggled early shooting the ball. Kuzma played great defensively. He actually had a plus-minus of plus 14. He had 10 rebounds and three assists in 24 minutes. He just couldn't score. He hasn't been able to score. Hopefully, seeing the ball go in the basket a few times is just going to help him. But this was another uh, Anthony Davis game. 34 points, 11 rebounds, uh, a steal and a block. He was 12 of 14 from the free throw line, 11 from 22 overall. LeBron was able to turn it on in spurts when he needed. He finished with 21 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, and a steal. But between the two of them, they turned the ball over a hell of a lot. Uh, AD had 5 turnovers, LeBron had 7. Schroeder bouncing back in a massive way after the the struggle in Game 1. Schroeder with 20 points, he was 7 of 8 from the free throw line, 4 assists, and he helps just... Slow things down or speed things up, whatever need be. He's starting to really figure it out. Um, in, on his good games, he does really understand the flow of the game, the speed of the game, what he has to do when he has to attack. Some good minutes from Mark Saul. Some good minutes from Wes Matthews. He hit a couple threes. Caruso with his uh his normal. So the Lakers pulling it out. It's just you know we're not seeing Chris Paul as being healthy. You know he was a minus twenty in this game tonight. He only had seven points. Uh, he had six assists, and he, it, you know, it wouldn't be crazy for him to have this kind of a game where he has, like, you know, ten, twelve points, six assists, five rebounds, and he still impacts the game. But he's just not. Uh, he's not able to, to you know, even attempt a three or any sort of deep shots whatsoever. He's he's becoming very a lot easier to guard. I don't say very easy, but easier to guard, and he's just not giving you Chris Paul. And tonight they made it difficult on Booker, who was only 6 of 19 overall. It's really been Aiton again, who's just incredible. 22 points, 11 rebounds, a steal and a couple blocks. He was 11 of 15 overall. And the, the problem is he played 41 minutes. When he has to come out of the game for a little bit, they tried to get Kaminsky in for a few minutes. They just don't have any other size. Crowder got into some foul trouble. And so they had to get a different big in there. We saw some some more uh, Craig minutes too. So Phoenix, for them, it obviously really impacts them and hurts them with no Chris Paul. They shot a lot better from three tonight. But the Lakers, uh, they, the second and third quarter when the Lakers turned their defense on, uh, Phoenix scored 12 points in the second quarter, only 23 in the third. Lakers ended up going up by 20 and then relaxed and sort of turned it all off. Phoenix came back late, made things very close. I think it ended up being uh, five late in the game, and the final score, 109-195, as the Lakers uh, were able to flip that switch again. A little scary when they try to do that all the time, but a, a comfortable win tonight when you only shoot 
7 for 28 from 3 as a team, and only 44% from the field. Lakers now up two games to one, and the final game on Thursday night was Nuggets Blazers, and this was this was the Austin Rivers game. I mean, every game is the is the Jokic game. He was uh, jokering it up like always: thirty six points, eleven rebounds, and five assists. Twelve of twenty four, four of seven from three, eight of eight from the free throw line. But they were twenty for 38 as a team from three. And that was honestly the difference in the game. You look at a lot of the other like team statistics and they're pretty evenly matched for the most part. The percentages weren't that much that different shooting wise, 46 to 45. Um, free throw percentages were similar, same exact rebounds, offensive rebounds 14 to 12, 20 to 24 assists, steals six to four. Blocks four apiece. Denver even had twice as many turnovers, fourteen to seven. Both fast break points four, nine four. Portland had fifty four in the paint, but that was because Denver had twenty threes, five from Austin Rivers, four from the Joker, Nicola, four, uh, no, excuse me, three from Michael Porter Jr. So you had. Nine players make a three on Denver. Five players with multiple threes, and three had at least three. That's a good night from behind the arc for Denver. I mean, even uh, another Lilliard game where he was 15 of 31 from the field. He was 5 of 16 from three, 37 points. Still wasn't enough because of, of how well they shot from three. You know, Denver's 20 for 38 from three, and... Portland goes 14 of 45. And that that that's the difference in a game that the the Nuggets win by 5. Nuggets go up two games now to one. So before we get into the conversation with Eric, let's just take one more look at the way all of the series are set up. We are now Milwaukee up 3 games to nothing. They will play going for the sweep on Saturday morning. We get the Lakers up two games to one on the Suns. Game four of that one will be Sunday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time. Then we get Denver, Portland. Denver's up two games to one there. And game four of that one will be on Saturday afternoon. So that's so weird with the scheduling, right? Milwaukee and Denver will have their fourth game. They're going to play, you know, game fours. Before Philly, Washington, and Utah, Memphis even play their game threes. So we could have a Milwaukee-Miami series done before Utah-Memphis gets even to the game three. Just weird on the scheduling. But another Saturday that we'll have uh, four games on the slate. And another Sunday that we'll look to have four games on the slate. Up next, it's Eric Going through all of these series. First up, we we hit the ones that I, I just talked a little bit about. So we go through Milwaukee, Miami, Phoenix, Lakers, Denver, Portland. And then we get into the ones upcoming for Friday, Saturday. So enjoy our conversation. We spend uh, about an hour or so going over everything NBA here on That's What G Said with Eric. Well, games into the NBA playoffs now. And joining me to discuss each and every series, everything that's been happening. Uh, he is this out 
uh, all year long talking NBA. Eric Etoff two one sports. Eric, man, I gotta say, uh, the the playoffs have been really good. Generally, the round of some of the playoffs or like the first days or first games can be blowouts. A lot of times, we've had some really good series so far. We've had some great games, a lot more than we normally do have, which is great to see after how the regular season ended. Yeah, yeah, a lot of blowouts, a lot of COVID issues, players sitting out, uh, playoff time now, that is not the case. So Eric and I are recording this a little earlier than we normally do. Uh, we normally will record on Thursday night. We're recording on Thursday in the in the day before the Thursday games have have played. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Thursday games um, and those series in general, and then we'll get into the ones that are going to be uh, coming up on Friday and on Saturday. So coming up uh, tonight on uh, on Thursday, we've got Milwaukee, Miami, uh, a series that uh, Milwaukee had the opportunity to do what the Clippers did. They could have tanked and ended up playing somebody else, not having to play Milwaukee in this series. Instead, they won that game. They had a really tough overtime game in game one. And they got a big shot from Middleton And then they just beat The crap out of Miami In game two And this is this is it This is Miami's whole season One game tonight on Thursday uh, If they go down 3-0 there's no shot If they if they win They still have an outside chance But I think we've seen through a couple games um, And in particular game two That this is a team uh, Milwaukee team that's just a better team Than they were last year they're built completely different. I mean, I don't mean to throw shade on Eric Bledsoe, but getting rid of Bledsoe and adding Holiday totally, yeah. totally has changed the dimension of the team. I mean, that first game, they played about as bad as they could. They were 5 of 31 from three-point land. Giannis was and, missing free throws. They oh, called the they called the free throw violation on him. And and, you could see he was getting got in his head, and he was, like, you know, thinking about it, you know? And speaking of that, I mean – if I'm Karan Butler and I'm a former NBA player and my job is counting to 10 on the sidelines, I'm looking for a new job this offseason. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. really? Like, you're a former NBA all-star and that's what you're doing? And can we name another two-time NBA MVP that's been called for that? LeBron steps over the line he every single time. Never I mean, called. he does it Never every, called. Every, and everybody does it. Everybody takes so much. To, I can't believe they called that. And or without like giving him a warning or letting him know that was uh, that yeah, was, was push and like really everyone was. talks up this Miami culture. I mean, like this series for me. I mean, you have Ariza who's like like hitting Giannis in the nuts and like doing a push up off of him. You, you know, Drodich leg sweeping Chris Middleton in the second game. Dirty. I mean, Miami's just been a bunch of thugs this game, but dirty players, man. Yeah. Um, they're they're not as good either. Like when Ariza is a is a solid veteran and someone that's good to have. But I he, I think he played thirty eight minutes in game one. Like when you need that from him because you're not getting as much from guys like Hero. Um, you know I think that like that's a little too much to ask. They just they but just the don't. Big thing for me is it seems like Bam's scared to shoot. I mean he, you watch them play like they're like laying off of him like oh my him to shoot and anything. He's line. just like he's just scared to do anything. Free throw if he line doesn't get engaged, yeah. If he doesn't get engaged, they're done. They are done, done at all. And yeah, I mean, that's the, the big thing. And then you factor in Hero. Hero can't hit anything. And just remember, like, they wouldn't trade Tyler Hero for James Harden. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he can't make a jump shot. Not he's not being as good as he was in the in the bubble. And it kind of shows that whole bubble thing 
has been kind of a fluke. I mean, Miami's up against it. I mean, I, I mean, we're recording this before. I bet them for the first half in the game. I mean, I think they come out. I think they actually win this game. I think this is the one game they're going to win. But like you said, they're definitely up against it tonight. If they yeah, lose, it's over. It just feels like Milwaukee, uh, it, yeah, they, they look like a legitimate championship contender this year. Um, and they're starting game? to feel Go it ahead. out. They're putting, I'm sorry, they're no, putting, no. they didn't do it the first game. They started doing it more the second game. They're putting Middleton, Holiday, and Giannis all three on the same side than putting two shooters on the opposite side. And when you do that, I mean, they looked really good in that first in that first quarter. They were almost up by 30 points. Like, when can you when can you say that that's ever happened in a playoff game? I mean, it's crazy. They played really looked really well. The second Thursday game is going to be Phoenix against the Lakers. Uh, the Lakers were able to salvage a split on the road. And obviously a major talking point in this series now is the health of, of Chris Paul, who got banged up in game one, and he has not been healthy at all through either of these games. I think the same can be said for uh, LeBron, who hasn't really looked all that great um, in either. He hit some big shots, but as far as the things that you think about LeBron, you don't really think about him and his turnaround jumpers. You think about the explosiveness and with LeBron and just being that bull. Um, he hasn't really been that version of himself. I, I You know... Obviously we're recording this Thursday And it's Chris Paul I think he's gonna I would be shocked if there is a game that he doesn't at least Try to play you know And then we'll see what happens in the game If he's physically able to but um, That's really what it comes down to This would be a good series I think If Chris Paul is healthy I think if he's not healthy It really really hurts the the Suns chances Because they, they just don't seem like I don't think they have enough firepower and coming back to LA now, they they got to make sure they salvage a split here, um, or, or else they're going to probably be in some trouble. Now, all that being said, Lakers have not played well. Uh, they they have not played well, period, like as a team. So, you know, we keep expecting them to at some point, but sometimes you'd go to flip the switch and and you just can't flip it. I mean, the I'll be honest, if Paul's not hurt, I really think the Lakers are down 0-2. Because oh, I I, com- I completely I think the the way that the game game two went when late in the game Phoenix comes back and then the last five minutes it was LeBron and AD and Phoenix only had Booker and even Booker like the Lakers are still really good defensively so they're gonna ma- they made it really hard on Booker especially with no Paul there. And, you know, campaign can have a nice game and stuff, but when things get tight the last few minutes and it's LeBron and AD versus Booker, you're going to lean towards the team that's got the stars there. And and that's just the stars that play a little bit better. So I, as a Laker fan, I agree with you. They did not play a winning game in either of those two games. And so I, I kind of feel pretty happy that they were able to salvage that game to win and come home. And, and I just kind of like, I think the one thing that we all say with role players is that like role players are generally better at home. God, KCP and Kuzma and Wes Matthews, they can't be any worse than they've been yeah. shooting wise on the road. Like they have done nothing shooting the ball a little bit better on defense last game, but um yeah, it's 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 going to be health. I think with a lot with so a lot of these series and this one in particular, it, it it is a bummer for a guy like Chris Paul who's always had these injuries come playoff time. You have another great year. And then and we watch the way these two teams match up. They don't they don't match up with as well as Aiton's been playing. Like like a lot of us thought that oh it was going to be really easy for them. If Chris Paul was healthy, 
This would be a super winnable series They would have caught this Lakers team Struggling at the right time They would just need A Herculean effort from Booker the next four games Or so if, if they were able to Win you know three more games Without Chris Paul or with the very Very banged up Chris Paul And the thing with Paul is he's small And him not being able to do that crossover Off the um off the pick, the, the because they do a high pick crossover drive, leans into you, initiates contact. That's that's what Paul's been doing for years, but he can't do that anymore just because of his shoulders so banged up. That totally is neglating that. Can't move. shoot over anyone. So yeah. he, he every his whole thing is just deteriorated, which creates more pressure on Booker than Booker starts pressing. What made it great this year for the Suns, Booker didn't have to press. Booker could just like get his when he needed to. Now it's back to the old Phoenix days when Booker was pressing, trying to do too much, and that's when they're getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, they're because predi- they get predictable. They're yeah, easy to defend. Yeah, not enough movement. It's just stuff's very stagnant on offense. Um, dude, Magic Drummond had a double double. I, mean, I know. He looked really. He looked really good. He did. That was um, the best game he's played for them so far. His energy was good, um, and he he didn't try to do too many things. And the few times where he did kind of make a move and drive, um, it was like he he had made a good play, so it was like he kind of had earned his opportunity to go get one, you know. So this was I've given him a, a lot of crap, and I and still I do think most of the time for this team, Gasol or AD fit. at the five is yeah. a better fit. You know, you yeah. go AD at the five, and then you can just go small with KCP, Caruso, Wes. You know Kuzma whatever other um, You know floor stretchers you want and then you got LeBron in in the mix too but this was Gotta give credit where credit is due Him and and Schroeder They were were huge They were excellent in the first half They kept the Lakers afloat In a game where man I was Getting nervous watching that game Eric because At one point At at close to halftime when the Lakers Were only up 6 they had taken 15 more shots Than the Suns and they were only up by six points And it's kind of scary because I was like There were just a lot of missed threes That you, you're not going to get those back You know You, you want to you be up by like ten or so And so I was I knew Phoenix was going to come make that run And they did And then unfortunately they, they just didn't have enough firepower late But um, I know one topic we, You and I were going back and forth on uh, a little bit was, uh, was Anthony Davis And and he's just such a polarizing uh, uh I guess player in general Because he has So much raw ability So much skill But uh, mentally He is kind of fragile he, he, he kind of, you know, good game, bad game Sometimes from him um, and, and so he's one of those guys That I think can become frustrating um, To watch because you want more from him You were saying you thought AD is a little overrated So let's, uh, let's kind of start This with, where do you think Like if you were going to rank AD how good do you think he is? Like you saying top five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Like where do you stack him up in the league? And, and like where do you or so like give us that that like where do you think he is? Where do you think people think he is? Like where should he be? I think people have him as a top five player, top ten player, and I don't have him that high. And this definitely is, not this is, this is the reason why though, because if you look at his body of work throughout his whole career, okay, you take LeBron out of the picture, okay, he's won five playoff games. I mean, that, that's my argument. If you're supposed to be this top player, you're supposed to make people 
around you better. You look at what Chris Paul has done and like the quote unquote Chris Chris Brown. Chris Paul effect, sorry. And he makes people <laughs> That's a different effect. Makes, That's a different yeah, effect. <laughs> he makes people better. He makes everyone better and he lifts teams up. Anthony Davis had Drew Holiday, who you and I both think is vastly underrated and a good number two to be running with. And he wins five game, five playoff games. If Giannis doesn't win five playoff games this year, I mean that's I mean they're probably revamping the whole team. And then you look at the one year he had success, that was the year Boogie and Rondo were there to take pressure off of him. And the offense was ran, excuse me, initiated a lot more through Boogie. I mean, my thing is, like, I really don't think you can win a title if Davis is the alpha on the team. As, I, as a, a wingman like he is now with the Lakers, I think he's in a great role where LeBron completely- can keep the heat and the focus and everything. I completely agree with that actually Um, I do think I think the conversation with him is so weird right Because um, like Example for a season Like this season I don't think he would I think if you if you flip flop him And Embiid or him And Jokic I don't and, and let's say that Anthony Davis is healthy right He obviously got hurt 100% Anthony Davis yeah, yeah But let's yeah. say 100% Anthony Davis healthy throughout the year I don't think those teams Are as good as they were this year I don't think they finish as, as good as they did. I don't think they are they're probably playoff teams still, maybe a few slots down lower, but we maybe we don't like he doesn't carry them to as many wins. On the flip side of that, I do think that it, like for what he does for the last 5 minutes of one game, if you were going to tell me, okay, the game is tied. There's 5 minutes left right now. It's AD or like Jokic or AD or Embiid, I would probably still want him in that specific situation because of what he does defensively and and like how much he can win games on that end, how many blocks and, and reach out. Then he comes the other way and he can stretch the floor and he could do both. If you're talking about a guy that you need to count on every single night to carry you, and, and I don't even know if it's like a, a health thing with him. Because I think prior to this year He had this like injury prone um, Rep which was I actually thought was a little unfair I really went and looked it all up when he came to the Lakers And I think a lot of the times They were just sitting him out games That were more important when he was in, in, And if it was a game that mattered he would have played Which he did last year and even again right now In the playoffs he's playing But I agree with you He could I don't think he could be Your one Unless you're of unless it was a 1A 1A, right? Like there had to be another guard player who was a wing or a guard that could initiate everything, could also be a star. He needs a complete other running mate. I he can't be a Dirk or a what LeBron's done or what some of the all-time greats can do, can carry you. I don't even think he could do what Jokic does and carry a team. But I do think his skill set is still so damn good in the last few minutes of a game. He's as good as anyone. That just is, is kind of what makes him frustrating. Because you exactly, want that like, all game. You, you look at him, and he's the only he, – you could have him guard Dame. He won't yep. stop Dame, but he's tall enough and athletic enough it's not a to like throw, him off his, yeah, to mm-hmm. throw him off his game. And then you look what you can do offensively, and, I mean, he can score – from three, he can back you down. He can hit an open jump shot. It's just skill-wise, he's great. I just don't think he has that, you know what I mean, that pit bull personality that the true number one has. I agree. And I think last year in the playoffs, 
the the one thing for him is that and and as a fan, um, we the Lakers were lucky this year to be even in this position because the problem is on most teams. If Anthony Davis gets hurt like he did this year, that team's not in the playoffs. You know, they're probably not. They're probably not there, especially if it's like an Anthony Davis led team. So they're lucky to be in this spot to where now he's able to. Sort of be pretty healthy and have the kind of game That he had on Tuesday night where he shot 20 free throws And he just kind of completely like Just changed the complexion of the game because nobody could Guard him and, and they just had to foul him over And over and over so um, it, I We just wonder like In the middle of the season When it's like a random Wednesday night at Minnesota or something Like okay you know You don't get up for that game that's fine But how like you, you're telling me you didn't get up for game one of the playoffs against Phoenix? Like, how did you let Aiden do that to you in game one? Um, I love that you come back, and maybe he needed to get really punched, and maybe he'll he'll be awesome for the whole rest of the playoffs. Um, and his playoff numbers overall are incredible. And when you look at what he did last year, hell, um, after the first couple of games of the finals, it was like a legitimate debate: was it going to be him that was the finals MVP? But I, I agree with you. Um, I love Anthony Davis. I'm glad he's a Laker. I'm glad we made the trade. I hope he's a Laker for the rest of his life. But but if if LeBron's not on this team and if um next year and it was just Anthony Davis and like Schroeder, for example, like they would need more. You know, I mean they'd they'd obviously be able to have they they fill in where LeBron was, they'd bring in others, but they would need like AD needs somebody that's better than than the level of a Schroeder to be your other guy Like you were saying He needs somebody that's probably even better Than the level of Drew Holiday Who is really really good already You know I yeah. think um, But then yeah. you look at the LeBron effect Like you look at like He had Love And and uh, Kyrie He And like he took those guys high I mean granted like to a good level Granted Love wasn't athletic enough to be on the In the court that much during the Gordon, Golden State series but you look at what he did with Kyrie, then Kyrie wants to get away with him. I mean, has Kyrie really done anything? You know what I mean? Like the Boston team was better without him. This I'm year, told you this can't year. really. Yeah. And this year, it's like, you know, eh, you know, if he's not there, that team's still in the same position with Harden mm-hmm. and um, and KD. Yeah. And then you look at Love. I mean, Love's like going on podcasts saying he wants to play in Portland. Then goes out and he's a negative forty-two against the Trailblazers. How I don't even know even know that's possible. I just think LeBron like has this thing where he can just take Joe Smo or whoever and just elevate him to a level like he just they're just not capable of without him. And I think like he's making AD as crazy as it sounds better than he actually is. Yeah, I think LeBron is elevating AD, and I think AD has to be um, needs to play with a very specific. Running mate too, somebody who is sort of LeBron like, and there's no other LeBrons in that they're a player that are, that are um, unself like an unselfish star, a star yeah. that is is okay with scoring and facilitating. Like a uh, example, like AD would be good with Harden, you know, like he would fit really yeah. well with him. They they would play really well off each other. He would be like awesome there too. He needs somebody like he needs another top ten player for sure with him. And I think if you have that. He would, you know, it's funny was when you told me this, and I think you were like, "Oh, Gino's probably going to be mad that I'm talking like that." I think AD's overrated, but it's funny because I don't know about like overrated. Probably is a if you think he's top five, then I would agree with you because I think he is more like a in the ten to fifteen range 
Yeah, and, that's what that's where I have him. And yeah. and as like the best number two, like the yeah. best B. If you are looking at anyone to slot with uh, with another top ten to fifteen ball handling type. AD would be the best because of what he does on both sides of the court and how versatile he is. You can have him play the four, you can have him play the five. Like we said, he can do things that Embiid and Jokic can't do on the defensive end, but he can do a lot of what they can do offensively or still pretty close, like not as as far of a drop from what those guys can, but he I don't think he can be the guy. I think we're even going to see this a little bit of a struggle some of the reasons why you and I um worried about Denver and and Philly, you know, or or as far as making it deep into the playoffs this year, because they don't have that perimeter guy right now that can help them initiate. Yeah, you got to have that guy. I mean, you got to have that wing that can drive and run the offense through. And when people run twos at him, hit an open guy. And unfortunately, AD is not that guy. No, no. And so you know that that's the key. Who who can you pair him with? If you can conti- if you can find someone nice to pair him with uh, moving forward, then. You know, I think he'll always be in that top ten to fifteen range, and then he'll have a year or two, um, like he did a few years ago, where he his numbers go through the roof, and when he's really healthy, and man, when he starts looking good, and he has like a a little stretch of five minutes where he's like, you know, he goes in and out, and he has that little off balance game, and then he, you know, he gets fouled a couple times, and he hits a three, and then he blocks a couple. Last night he had a, or the other night he had, I think, eight assists, which you know he did a really good job of reading and 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 finding the double, but. Like you, um, when LeBron looks just like a little bit less than LeBron, you know, not not immortal, just like we're talking about. When LeBron looks more like what right now, what you could compare to a Drew Holiday, and it sounds bad even doing that, but like that level of player, Anthony Davis, even having a great game, isn't enough to completely carry you past the Phoenix team, right? Like, no, not at all. Yeah, they need it. They needed. That's why I feel if Paul's healthy, you guys are down two zero going into tonight. Yep, and I think I expect one of these games the Lakers are going to just shoot lights out because they've they've shot really poor from three, and they're not a great three point shooting team throughout the year. I think they're in like the twentieth uh, in the league range, but like bad bad would be like thirty three percent or so. They've shot like thirty and in the twenties in two games, and KCP and Kuzma in particular looked really bad. I have an I have a feeling that those guys make some shots. We're gonna get like a. Four or five threes from KCP coming up We'll get a 15 or 20 point game from Kuzma coming up um, They'll feel a little more comfortable at home And I, I think it you know, it probably goes six, I'd say And and it'll all depend on 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 Paul um, I thought it was probably like a, a five or six And before we move on to the next series We have to, at the very least, give a little more love to Aiton Because damn, he has been Awesome as good as they could possibly Have imagined in two games on Both sides of the court he's made it really Hard on AD he has been Incredible on offense he's been in the Right spot like making the right Moves um, floating To where the defense is not and I didn't think I thought he would be a weak link for Them in this series and someone that AD Would be able to pick on and he has Been like one of the better players On the court both nights I mean last when they played last, he had 22 and 10. Game one, 21 and 16. He's running the floor. He's getting out on the fast break. I mean, he looks, he looks really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I heard on the radio today, don't be hating on, on Aiken. And that's, like, you can't be. I mean, like, he's playing great. phenomenal right. basketball right now. He is. And it's, he just... it's good to see that he's taking that next step. I mean, 
it's and there's always going to be that oh you should have took Luca. But you know if this is what you're getting from Aiken, I mean that's that's a great running mate. How about for him and Trey, right? Yeah, him and Trey both. They both yeah. look good right now. Like you, you look around and you go, you know what? The, those guys are going to always be kind of like crapped on for the not Luca stuff. But they both uh, been helping their. They're team. looking good, and I mean like yeah. at the end of the day, if they make it far, make it to a final, win a title, before Luca does, it's going to be considered a success drafting because them instead of Luca. They filled their need, yep. you know. And they were able to bring someone like Chris Paul in um, To help Aiden learn Expedite that process Win or lose this series for the Suns Like this is so good for Booker And so good for Aiden Moving forward Getting these reps Especially without Chris Paul Where they're like having to carry a big big load And um, really impressed with the way that they're coached And I think it goes to show you like the Lakers did this last year where they would lose the first game of a series and then they did it against uh, against uh, Portland and they did it against Houston and then they went on and rattled off four wins in a row. This Laker team is not as healthy. They're not as cohesive. They haven't played together as much. It's very unlikely they're going to be able to at any point like flip a switch and rattle off wins like that. I think I do still think this Laker team has a shot Especially like looking around the West And not looking at anyone that Seems that terrifying to me But I don't think this will be um, If they get to the finals or And if they win it all I think this will be a much more difficult road for them Of winning a game, losing a game Winning two, losing one Losing two, winning one or two You know, I don't Like they don't um, They don't have that kind of um, Dominance from LeBron right now Um, it, It really feels like so uh, Thursday night, big night with game uh, three of that series at heading back to LA. Can you believe this is the first Laker playoff game at Staples Center since 2013? First time LeBron's playing in front of the, a playoff game in front of the home crowd too. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, I don't know what your capacity is at, but it's going to be. I think this is like 7,500 ish, around 10,000, yeah. which it's is gonna, it's going to sound like 35,000. Oh, it will. How loud it will. And be. Staples yeah. is a, is a small place too, so that it's going to be a. It's going to be great uh, Really fun Thursday night Phoenix-Laker game And then Denver-Portland uh, A lot of people thought this was going to be one of the more interesting series This feels like a back and forth Where you know you get You get Dame who has Eight threes in the first half But they still get crushed By Denver And, and Jokic who was just unbelievable MPJ was much better In game two um, th- These games are just a blast to watch like, the, the Blazers are so much fun to watch In the playoffs because of what Dame does And then and then CJ And Jokic has become appointment viewing So uh, Game 3 coming up with these two teams I mean I expect this to be a 6 or 7 Back and forth Well last time I was on I told you guys when Whoever gets down in the first game Take the series price The series price of the, the first game was Nuggets plus 220 so I locked that in so now I'm waiting to see when I can get the Blazers at plus money. Yep. Lock it in. My money's done. Yep. Um, we are winners. These, these series are all about chess chess moves and chess pieces. First game one, um, there is no doubling your, uh, no doubling Joker. Excuse me. They were letting them play him straight up. So there was no cutting. He couldn't hit anybody. And those other guys just weren't able to make I think he only had that. one assist. In that yeah, game. that that was in a nutshell. That was the first chess piece. Um, this, in game two, the big chess piece was you said it. Dame hit eight threes, but then the adjustment was what you put Aaron Gordon on him. Now you have a bigger guy on him who's quick enough to stay in front of him, not drive past him. 
and it forces everyone else. So now what is Portland going to do as their next chess piece? And mm-hmm. these are what I love these series because everything just gets more and more creative because you see these guys so much. It's this game to me is going to be more like what's the next move? Like what's going to happen to get game going to get CJ going? You know, what's the next piece that's going to happen? Let's get to Friday games. Um, so Atlanta and the Knicks, we've got the uh, MSG villain, Trey Young. He hits the big shot in game one. Then in game two, the Knicks are able to uh, bounce back and get the win. They tie the series up one game apiece. Game three will be in Atlanta on Friday night. And he, he got to be honest, he's my boy. But Julius has been terrible. Julius Randle in two games, they're lucky to be 1-1 with him playing so poorly through two when he was... Such a, I mean, the major piece all year long. The guy they ran everything through. Uh, Derek Rose has stepped up, and his leadership and his experience has really helped them. And so, I mean, I, another one where it sort of felt like it was going to be a back and forth kind of series. The Knicks came back with a big win. I think you, uh, I think you had them on uh, on Wednesday night minus the two there. So, game three, we got to feel like if you get a good Julius game, that's going to bode really well for you. Well, the first of all, I got two things to say about three things. Number one, this was the first sporting event I watched game one where I felt we're out of the COVID era with the fans and everything. But I will say this. So great. Trey young, man. If you are here, yeah. But if you are over 30 years old and you are screaming as a fan, F you to a 21 year old kid, you're, you're pretty much a loser in my book. I I mean, that's like taking it a little bit too far. And then if you're the loser that spit on him, I mean, come on, really? Between that and what happened with Russ with the popcorn? I mean, that is oh, just my gosh. So, just, just, you're just a fool. And, like, you know, that's something, like, the people that do these, that do this stuff, are the softest guys in the world. They're the guys, you know what I mean? They're, they they won't do anything to they anybody would run. else. If you keep but their see, face, they would go yeah, running. Yeah, they see, like, the, they, they figure nothing will happen to them. So, I mean, props to the Knicks and the 76ers. For kicking those guys out and banning them indefinitely, so I'll give those props. But guys, that's just such loser behavior, and you know it just shows you what type of person those guys were. Um, to me, like the big thing with Julius, like you're saying, and he started doing it toward the tail end of the third quarter, and in the fourth quarter, he was finally driving, being aggressive, and going to the rim. The first game and a half, everything was from the outside, and he wasn't just. It's like he was just kind of there and just kind of being cool and going up with it. He mm-hmm. wasn't looking to put down his shoulder and drive and everything. And that pass he had at the end of the game where he drove and scooped it around to Gibson for the dunk, that's what he's been doing all year. And that's what he finally started doing in the fourth quarter. So you hit the nail on the head. Are we going to get – which Randall are we going to get? Are we going to get the Randall in the second half or the Randall for the first game and a half? That's what the series comes down to. Um Tibbs made a great adjustment. He started blitzing um, Young at the pick and rolls and forcing him to go left because he loves to go right so much. So that was the big, huge adjustment. And why is Trey Young, who's only 21 years old, playing 35 minutes and old man Derrick Rose playing 39? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing, Nate McMillan? And I think McMillan also has to change his sub patterns. You, The one thing that stuck out is there's too much times excuse me, too many times when Bogey and Young were both on the bench. You need to at least have one of those guys out there so that way you have somebody to get a bucket when you need it. 
And I felt that the Hawks offense got in trouble last night when you saw the Trey Young pulling up with those long jump shots. Granted, he made one toward the end of the second half. But in the first game, when they were really fluid and they had that great run in the fourth quarter, everything was inside the three-point line with him going and initiating contact, going to the three-throw line. You didn't see that. You saw way too many deep jump shots from him. So I think that's kind of the key. Like, how does McMillan change his sub patterns? And will Young play inside the arc and go to the rim more instead of settling for those settling for those deep threes? And Charles Barkley made a great comment um, halftime of the first game. He said, this team started clicking when Trey Young realized he wasn't Steph Curry. And that's when he started playing like Curry, I felt, in, in the second quarter of that game, trying for those deep three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's much better when he can... Heck, do what Ja Morant's been doing, right? Like what we saw Ja been doing, get into the paint just like that. Um, on Friday, the second game is Brooklyn-Boston. It, it felt like Boston had an opportunity to win game one. It really did because of the way that Brooklyn shot so poorly. They had not played together yet. Boston had a little bit of advantage early on. But they just got a, they had a bad game from Tatum. In order to win one game in this series, Tatum's going to have to score 40-plus points. And and really be a difficult matchup, and he has not been at all. And it's not surprising, but it it really did feel like that game one was their opportunity to, if they were going to try to steal one, they had the chance. And uh, Tatum was bad, Kemba was really bad, and it's just been a a disappointing year and bad energy for the Celtics team most of the season. I mean, I was wa- watching game two; they did this cut shot to Steven. He looked so old and tired. Like, I really, this team, I mean, I've never seen a team that had so many assets and then Ainge just holds on to the assets and he doesn't really do anything and convert them into anything. Granted, all become like number 20 picks in the first round, guys that you can't even really get off your bench. Yeah. And they're just buried there. I mean, you look at, they got that kid who is great at Tennessee Williams. Like, he's like rotational player at best. Um, I think um, Robert Williams, the tall guy from Texas A&M, I think he's a great starting center. I think that was a great pick, but Mm -hmm. just not flipping anything, doing anything with all those picks. And you're not going to win a game in the playoffs as Mark. I love Marcus Smart, but you're not going to win a game if he's your leading scorer. They looked like a G League team in game two. Um, And the thing that the Nets are going to be really good at is you're going to be focusing so much energy at – Harden, Irving, Durant, Joe Harris, who's arguably the best three-point shooter in the game now since Clay's hurt, he's going to be getting nothing but wide-open looks. You know what I mean? So they just don't have enough firepower. No. Defensively, they have nothing. I mean, I, I I, will probably bet them in the first half to cover and maybe, like, win the game. But, I mean, if they're going to win a game, it's going to be – it's going to be this, um, this game, game three. three. Yeah. Um, And now – like a quick question, you did you hear Irving's comments after the second game about the city of Boston being racist and uh, and some of the things that were said? Yeah, he did. I mean, so, and then you see what happened. It's like I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. And I mean, there has been rumors about the city of Boston and how their fans treat opposing athletes too. So I don't, I don't really know. I've never been to Boston sporting event. I've never been yeah. to Boston since I was a kid. So that it's not it's it's not something that. Um, for as much as people want to give Kyrie crap about stuff, you and I will, and, and we have, it's not something that's that's been I don't think was made up. You know, that's definitely something that has has been said before uh, about Boston. So 
We'll see what the fans reaction is going to be like to Kyrie when well, he comes I mean, in. The thing with the Nets though is I really think for them to be able to beat 76ers, Bucks, Lakers, whoever, whoever, I think they need we need to see them in that two minute clutch time and see how is it gonna look. Who they, has the they ball? need that Who's would be great for them it? in game three down the I stretch. Think, I think they need that because Right now, they're like I said, they're playing a G League team. I don't mean to be disrespectful to Celtics. No, it's true. That's what you guys have right now. You have a G League team. It's true. And they need to see uh, get to beat the Bucks, to beat the Sixers. Like I said, they need to experience that so that way they know what to do, and that way Nash knows what to do because he's never been in this situation before. I believe uh, Jeff Green is banged up for Brooklyn, which and that's know, big. That's big. Say, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you think about it. They're not deep, and he was one of their more versatile players that's been playing really good defense, and he can help them and give them some different options. So if, let's say, they get through these series quickly, and uh, you know you have to start that second-round series against Milwaukee with one of one less piece, that's not a great spot. You know, It's not a great spot to be in. So, um, and this, that's a strain, planner's fasciitis. What I right? heard on the radio driving today was that, 10 days and reevaluated. That doesn't go away. It doesn't mean overnight. he's back in 10 days. Yeah, that that's a serious that injury can can linger. So and I mean then, that's a serious thing and everything I've heard is he's kind of the glue even though they have Durant, Harden and Kyrie, I'm hearing he's the glue that's kind of holding everyone together and accountable. So now let's so, say he's not there um and he t- plays a lot of minutes. So now what ends up happening is uh, Durant, who probably has to play four or five more minutes than they would want him to play right now. Harden probably has to play a few more minutes than they would want. Blake Griffin probably has to play a few more minutes than, than they would want. Who Blake has been very good, so I got to give him some credit. He's been except defense. when he got crossed over last night. He, I mean, he got he crossed looked... over. <laughs> yeah, he did, like... but he's been really he's been really solid for them. But now if those guys are all having to play a little more than what their body might want, it are we going to have one of them break down? Next round or the yeah. round after Because know? that's the whole thing like You guys have to remember like the quicker You get someone out the more Time you have to relax and Recoup and I mean that's what The Nets need to be doing they need to be hey Four game sweep hope he And Bucks go, go six or seven We can recuperate And we can spend more time together to get All the kinks ironed out because they What is it eight games now ten Games so I mean they're still kind of Figuring everything out the Nets one team who is really figuring everything out right now, and they better figure it out soon, Eric. A team that you picked against last year, you had uh, the big upset in the playoffs when Denver beat them. This Clippers team has lost five straight playoff games dating back to last year because remember, they were up three games to one. They lost those three games in a row to Denver, and now they've lost the first two games to the Clippers, or they've lost the first two games to the Mavericks. And yes, Dallas has shot really, really well And yes, in game one The Clippers did not shoot well I think Kawhi and Paul George combined Were 3 for 14 from 3 Marcus Morris was 0 for 6 um, they, they shot really poorly For a team that shot great All throughout the year So well, you can give them the mulligan for game one But game two They come back Kawhi's got 30 in the first half Paul George has an awesome game The two of them together Combine for 70 And you still lose They can't stop Luka 
And they can't stop the other pieces They can't stop him from making a play Whether it be scoring Or finding Drawing a double team And finding someone that's wide open They are going on the road now After losing two games at home And their entire season And perhaps The future of their, Their organization With Kawhi, with Paul George Who knows it's all going to come down to this one game on Friday night. I mean, it is crazy. I mean, like, what you're seeing from the Clippers is seeing a couple of things. Number one, you, me and you have many playoff coaching victories as Tyrone Lude has without yeah. LeBron James. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, he's kind of getting exposed, though. You know what I mean? Like, everything I heard after great game one was like, oh, he's so great in in-game adjustments. He'll adjust. I mean, like, game two, like... I, how do you have that little fight? You know what I mean? Like that, I, I I just think he's kind of being exposed. Number two, Kawhi's legacy is taking a huge hit here for yep. a while. Everyone's talked about what a great two-way player he is, how he has the same motor as Kobe, Michael, and LeBron back in this heyday. And like those guys would check the best player on the court and then go back and give it their all. I'm Where is this Clippers defense? Remember when they came, put together Leonard's a couple years on, ago? He, he's not even on Luke. He's not even guarding Luca. I know. You know what I mean? Like, which is just like, what is going on? He, it's like he cares more about offense. Now, granted, like, credit where credit is due. Game one and game two have obviously been, we're going to blitz Luca. We're going to force the other guys to make jump shots. And they have. Tim Hardaway's played great. Um, Smith. Brunson has played great. I yep. mean, they're getting all these guys playing great. And if, they're going to be hitting 17 or 18 three-pointers. You're really going to be up against it. It's going to be interesting to see, like, what Lou's going to be doing with his rotation and everything. Like, I personally feel like you're not going to be winning if Abaka. I mean, he played five minutes in game two. And he's, like, he's, got, he's, got, he's hurt still, too. It feels like, you know, he, he missed all those. It was such a weird injury from him. They kept saying all throughout the year, oh, he's just day-to-day. He's just day-to-day. And then all of a sudden, it's like 15, 20 games later. Like, where's Ibaka? It was like, what? And he, he, didn't, he doesn't look good. Zubots, who's had a really good year, he did not look very good. He, he was getting attacked. And, I mean. That, too, hasn't Luke, looked good either. Luke Kennard hasn't played a second. Yeah. They paid $64 million for that guy, I believe. And, yeah. and you paid another. You paid Morris, who Morris was one of the best three point shooters in the league this year. But this was always one of the gripes about Morris, which is funny. And like I've always said in the last year and a half, Marcus Morris is better than Markeith Morris as a player one on one. But I'd rather have Markeith Morris. Always, yeah. like he he just is way more accepting of his role. He doesn't yeah. think he's the best player on the court. And and he's not a guy that wants to take the game winner or thinks he deserves to. He he and but when you need him to go like offensively, he can and he can help you out. And he started games for the Lakers, but they, last year in the finals. But you compare him to his brother, and it's like um, I think a lot of people were expecting Marcus to just be this incredible shooter all throughout the playoffs. And who knows? Maybe he has a great Friday and the Clippers turn it around. But like mentally, is this team strong enough to like look at each other in the locker room and say? Okay, let's go do this. When, but this is why he made the Rondo trade. This is where mm-hmm. the leadership, the experience, come him in. and Ibaka, he, both, yeah, Ibaka too. And he, you know, and he speaks up and he's like, "Look, this is what we're going to do. We need to lock down." But it's important to remember when we're talking about this. You look, Mavericks were a better road team. 
Mavericks didn't play that well this year at home. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like, does that trend continue? Texas is full-blown open now. That so crowd sure will be crazy. The crowd will be rocking. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be – like, I thought the Clippers could, could win it, but you see – what's the word I'm looking for? It's just the lack of um, – Urgency? Uh, urge, exactly. There's no urgency at all. There's mm-hmm. no, like, hey, we need to stop here. Hey, we need a bucket here. Nothing at all. Or where's, like – this great defender that I've been hearing about for years and years, Kawhi saying, Hey, you know what? I'm taking Luca. And Paul George, you're supposed to have all these switchy defense. Remember, it was supposed to be those guys and Patrick Beverly, who's an incredible defender. Luca has been clowning him. Oh, Bever- it's been it's been embarrassing. It, it, it is. It's He's, been you're too small for me. <laughs> he just tells and him. You have to remember like hypothetically, let's say like my buddy thinks Kawhi is going to the Knicks a hundred percent. So hypothetically, let's say Kawhi leaves Knicks wherever. Now you got Paul George. I mean that team, and they draft how many? They have no draft picks. Everything's going to OKC. Wouldn't like, you? You hit it on the head. Shea like their franchise and, yeah, and all those picks instead. <laughs> their their franchise like could be in dire straits if they lose this game three. And speaking of Gallinari, what the hell is up with that hair? The, like the, he's got the, the hawk. The, oh my oh my god, dude! Oh like, my well, god! What are you doing, man? I, what I, are you that doing? Was one of the last people I ever expected to to have that look, to have that hawk. Oh my! But oh man, this is a uh, huge night for the Clippers, in in, in particular too, because you know, like, had the Lakers lost the other night, you'd still you'd you'd be nervous. I'd be nervous. You'd still have a chance to give them the benefit of the doubt because they won it all last year and because they're going home. You know, they lost their two games on the road. If the Lakers were to come home and win their two, tied 2 2, now you just got to win one on the road. The Clippers lost their home games and now they got to go play in a packed Texas, uh, you know, stadium who they're going to be going crazy. Luca is feeling it. You let all of these, we talked about the flip, you know, for the Lakers too. You let all these road players get off Or these role players get off on the road Now they're going to go home Comfortable Hardaway Jr. Who's more a little more than a role player And then Finney Smith Like you said Brunson These guys are feeling it right now They're stroking it Now they get to go sleep in their own bed And, and be more comfortable with their family Up to nothing Man, this is. But I mean dude. like It just seems like What was it After the Raptors won it Everyone is Kawhi, like, is he in the same category as LeBron, LeBron, excuse me, LeBron, Kobe, and Michael? No, he's not. You know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm. getting so exposed right now yes. for what what oh he God. is. He That's... was protected in San Antonio, um, and he was protected in Toronto. You and, know, and so the, and we can't. Every year, there's a team or two that gets hurt, and they maybe the the NBA championship would be different. But that year was pretty. In the finals, the best players for the Warriors were not there, and I don't think Toronto would have been able to beat a fully healthy Warriors team. And then who knows what the conversation about Kawhi is? You know, like yeah. he, him winning that that year and what he did, bringing them back to against uh, was it Milwaukee and and the big shot against Philly, like that that made his legacy, Kawhi. Yeah. Um, and now it's just crumbling right in front of our eyes. Like, you know is. what I mean? Like, it shows how fast stuff can just, just change on the dime. Like so, you said, too, 
the the places he was, he was protected on the court and really off the court because San Antonio, you come into this infrastructure with Popovich, with Duncan, with Ginobili, with Parker, and you're just a guy. You're not even supposed to really be that much, you know. And then you you're able to blossom into this guy under the radar with no pressure on you. Then you go to Toronto, and it's funny. There was sort of no pressure on him then because he goes to Toronto after he hadn't played for a year and nobody really knew what they were getting with him. And Toronto was just kind of taking a shot. A lot of people just thought he was going to leave and go somewhere else anyways. But um, he he gets to go to Toronto where you've got Masai Ujiri, who's a great leader, and Kyle Lowry, who's a great leader, you know, and he got to be himself again there and just kind of be quiet and not have to worry about. You know, critique or have to hear from the media, and then all of a sudden you move, and you're the guy in that summer. And who knows what he did, or if he was ever going to come to the Lakers, or if he was going to go anywhere else. But you, you, you manipulate the league a little bit. We're all on Fourth of July waiting. What's Kawhi going to do? I remember we were having a Fourth of July party at my house with a bunch of my friends and family. We're all wa- refreshing our phones, like waiting, and he, he didn't care. And then they make the trade for Paul George You do all that stuff It's different now when it's all on you And you don't got other people to go hide behind And this is his team You know what I mean This is like He's like I want George here I'm going to sign him You know what I mean So this is something he's constructed So yeah I mean it's going to be a big hit And like you said I mean if he leaves The Clippers are the Timberwolves Back to Being the the stepchild to the Lakers instead of being like almost at that same level for a season or two. Mm-hmm. We get to the final two series. They are both the uh, the one eight matchups. First, uh, let's hit Philly and Washington. The next time these two teams play, it'll be Game Three on Saturday evening. So, you know, we we talked a little bit about the the popcorn incident, the fan pouring it on on Westbrook's head. Nothing really surprising me all that much in here I mean Washington's been fighting They're doing everything they can Philly's more talented But I do think we look at this series And and realize like Philly is not Some incredible number one seed They have plenty of flaws here Game one Ben Simmons was awful I think he was 0 for 6 from the free throw line In in game one It's just terrible Um, If he's so stagnant on the offensive end You know they can become a, A very easy team late in games To defend because if Simmons doesn't really want to get aggressive And you know that uh, Curry and Danny Green Can't really do anything with, Can't do much with the ball They're kind of just your spot up shooters And you, you you know you can focus in on Embiid Now it comes down to Tobias Harris having to make a play Which he did you know in game one And he's looked good so far But there's nothing that I've seen through these two games With Philly that makes me really think Any differently of Philly Yeah because I mean this is it. Washington, this is how the series is going. Washington, because they shoot so, so many two-pointers, they're one of the few teams that don't rely on the three-pointer. They're not going to be doubling Embiid to leave a, a shooter open. So now you got Embiid going against Lynn one-on-one, and that's just something Lynn can't stop him. You know what I mean? So Brooks is going to definitely have to change, throw a little bit more double teams and force the 76ers to actually make some three-pointers before he goes playing Lynn straight up. Um and Beal and Westbrook obviously aren't 100%. So they just don't have enough firepower to even hang with them right now. Yeah. I mean, granted, yeah. I know they, they covered for the first the game. but first they got game. Just, yeah. 
they got the, demolished like yesterday. And I mean, Ben Simmons was their leading scorer, and Bede only played 20 some odd minutes. That's what the Sixers want because they don't want to exert those guys too much. Because with what I've seen from Atlanta and New York and what I've seen from Philadelphia, that series is going to go six games. Yep. So Philly wants to rest and beat as much as they can. Because if you look at, and I didn't mean, I should have mentioned this. I really think the key to the Hawks is Capella. Cape- Capella is great. And Capella can check and beat. So that's just, they want to rest and beat as much as they can. Um, and I mean, like Birkins finally hit a three pointer. I was going to shoot you a text message. They finally hit a <laughs> shot. <laughs> But they just don't have enough enough firepower at all. No, with, no. Especially with Beal not being 100%. No, this is probably one of the more least intriguing uh, series of, of uh, the first round. And, uh, it, you know, Washington's only, only outside chance would be if they can steal this game three. They, they go back home. Uh, maybe, you know, Westbrook can get, be pumped up. But, like I said, they're banged up a little bit. And with, when their stars are banged up, they're just not deep enough to, to get like a even a B plus level game from one of those guys and win. They need A from uh, Westbrook, A from Beal in order to beat any and any then, good team. Yeah. And then they need like B plus from everybody else. Like, yeah. I mean, they're just too, they just don't have enough. Mm-hmm. enough they, unfortunately. There. Yeah. yeah no fire, enough. not enough firepower there. Um, I will say, man, the Memphis Grizzlies, they're playing some good ball right now. Even last night, they lost game two. But they were down, and I got, you know, I got pretty pissed off because I, 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 like, watching that game as, and like, someone who, I'm not a fan of Memphis or anything. I had Memphis to cover, um, in that game, but it, I, just watching from a basketball standpoint, it was like every time Memphis would would have like play really good defense or make like a, a run, they'd go on an 8-0 little spurt. The, the rest would just bail the Jazz out with some crappy call and like some just like giving them giving them just a gift couple free throws, another three point, uh, you know, a foul shooting three. So I have just been I've been so impressed with Memphis after what think about what they've had to do in the last week and a half. They had that game where against the Warriors they could have locked in the the eight spot and. They struggled down the stretch. Brooks fouled out. Jaw missed all those threes. They were leaving him wide open. He missed free throws down the stretch. Then they dropped down to nine. They have to beat the Spurs. Then they have to come back and beat the Warriors again. They do that. And then they really beat up the Jazz game one. It got close late. But Jaw and really Dylan Brooks, like this fool is making a name for himself. He is jumping up like the like the list of what we were talking best players in the league and stuff where where people had him slotted before this this last couple weeks and where he's slotted in people's minds now like this dude is good on both ends and he can like get to any spot he wants on the court this this is a much more interesting series than i think a lot of people were expecting when memphis beat golden state i mean the fact that this memphis team and this is going to speak to the coaching the players and everybody they were down by what 20 at halftime last night yep and there was a point in the second half, and I had I got it early. I had the Jazz minus eight and a half. They cut it down to two, and I started sweating my bed a little. Bit. Melton missed the three yeah. in the corner. They would have put yeah. him up by one, and they would have yeah. gone up, I, and then that flipped the whole game back. That, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that to me right there, the fact they made that run because a lot of the teams are going to just oh, you know what, guys, we got our one game. We've been on a long road trip. Let's just sandbag it, and we'll just get ready for game three. But the fact they competed. That tells me all I need to know, and they're yep. just getting more and more experience. 
Um, Dylan Brooks, you talk about there's certain types of people in this world where people need to be self-motivated or people need someone in their face. Like you saw LeBron get in KCP's face. Hey, man, you need to shoot the shot. You need to do this. Dylan Brooks ain't that dude, man. No, like, man. He's, he's, dude, roll the ball on the court. Let's go play. He's just done. He don't give a flying F. He, no, dude. You know what I mean? He, you're Curry, you're Mitchell, whoever. He will get in your effing face. And he, he's cool, man. I love watching him right now. He he's got the mid range. He'll hit the three. He'll play defense on you. He and he he'll foul you. And then what ends up happening too with a guy like him? He sort of gets the reputation of being a fouler. So he probably gets called for a couple more fouls than than he should. But he plays basketball exactly how basketball should be played. And he's always guarding the tough the toughest player. He wants him. He yeah, wants him. He, he's checking him. And I mean, he was that type of player. Like at. Oregon. I thought he would be a good mm-hmm. rotational player in the NBA. I what the hell wasn't expecting. He's a starter. The defense. Me neither. He's a, the defense. He's a starter. Is where I I'm shocked. I can't believe he's this good defensively. Um, but he cares. That's why, right? Like he cares. Both. He's a guy that like in a pickup game. He feels like he feels like he's got that like Kobe MJ chip in him. Even though he's not that good. You know what I mean? He's not going to be that kind of a player ever. But he's got that like. He'll fight you over the game of dice that you're playing, you know? Like, but he's competitive, he, he, and perception yep. is reality. If you step on the court or whatever you're doing in life and you expect to win, that's like a mindset, and that's him right there. Mm-hmm. And then you factor in Morant. I mean, he set the record for play for points scored by a Grizz in a playoff game last night with, with uh, what do you have, 47, 49 I or think whatever? The, it was the second most ever only behind George Mikan for a player playing in his first two uh, two playoff games for the most points ever scored. Yeah, he had 47, four, 47, four and seven last night. I mean, he's playing great. He's taking steps up. And then we have to remember, Jackson, he's still coming back from injury. He's coming yeah. back from a serious knee injury. This team... Is going places. Winslow's still hurt. He's not even played. I mean, they there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Memphis Grizzly fan. And something else, Mitchell left the game yesterday. He went back to the locker room. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean, we saw in game one the difference when you have Mitchell on the court versus Mitchell not on the court. Great. And, and he only you, played that, like 20 some minutes. You knew he was going to be pumped up, right? Mitchell with everything that had happened. See, I, I was worried that he was going to be too pumped up and that he was going to be a little bit like off. He did like his shooting was incredible. I mean, he was, he was spot on, but now at, like you said, maybe he's a little sore now after that game, after the emotion wears off a little bit and it's today and you know, you're kind of in between days. Are you going to soar up a little bit? And are you going to be able to have that same oomph on the road in game three? You know, and, and like if you maybe you miss your first shot or two, are you going to dig down and be able to pull? So I wonder what we're going to get. Then all the stuff with with him in the locker room with the teammates, right? And his play, like we don't know how many of the guys like him or not, or if they actually think they're better without him or they feel better playing that way. He, he got into it with the organization about him not playing. So yeah, there was, some- and that was really weird to me. Like everything was like saying he was going to play. And so weird. I've, I talked to some people, I guess like he was rehabbing and doing everything with his people and not the jazz's people mm-hmm. and the jazz's help, the jazz's trainers, whatever. Medical personnel didn't feel he was ready, and Mitchell's people felt like he was ready. 
and so the Jazz personnel elected him not to play game one. I get that's the story I was told. So already you're creating that little headbutting right there. So it's going to be interesting. The trickle-down effect also, and this is something crazy. This was the trip to Memphis when the plane had the problems and Mitchell just decided Mitchell doesn't oh, want to fly anymore. That's a great what point. What happens, like, you know what I mean? Like, what happens if there's, like, a little turbulence and takeoff? That's off? a great You know point. what I mean? Like, wow. like, he starts flipping out. Like, there's, like, we got to remember that, too. There's, yeah. like, so... I mean, I know right now the line's at five. I mean, I'm just sitting tight. I'm definitely going to be on the Grizzlies' first half game and probably money line because, I mean, this team playing in the grindhouse, this is their first game since that Spurs game. And that's a tough little place to play. I went to one playoff game there. I mean, that's a tough place to play. That place gets loud as F. So, I mean, I, I'm i definitely looking forward to this game. What is it, Saturday night? Yep. And I, in just a week and a half or so, I was so disappointed with Jaw. And and it's it's not fair to have been if that's would have been the case after that that first Warriors game when they lost with the chance to have the eight seat the eight spot I was disappointed because Brooks got them all the way back late in that game he fouled out and he put them in a spot and Jaw just needed to make a couple plays down the stretch and he, he looked like he, he looked like you know he was like struggling he was and then since then he has just been like. Oh, you know what? I learned. I grow. I grew. Boom. Here I am. He makes all the big plays. He gets to. I think he's going to make every shot right now. You know, like when he gets in the lane there, it's like, oh, that floater's going in. Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, that's the thing. Like, the more players are in experiences like he was in with the um, with the game that you're referencing, um, the Warriors game um, that last Sunday. where It was like pressure. the de facto play yeah, game, basically, yeah. you know. The more they get that experience, the more they grow. Um, I was back when they made the Derrick Rose trade, um, Emmanuel Quickly. My guy was arguing that, oh, this is going to derail Quickly's development. I'm like, dude, like, if the Knicks make the playoffs because of Derrick Rose, that's going to help Quickly's development more than them going 18 and whatever and miss and being the being the 10th seed in the in the East. So, like, being in those games does more for young players than anyone can imagine. And that's what's happening right now with Morant. Morant's taking leaps and bounds. I made the Chris Paul analogy, how he's making everyone better. Hell, he may even end up being better than Chris Paul because he's a little more taller, a little bit more physical, and he can get to the rim and finish better. Yeah, I mean, think about that team, too. They're the youngest team in the playoffs this year. Morant, Brooks, Jackson, Bain. Uh, Melton as guys that are going to be piece, Young pieces moving forward It's like a couple guys off the bench there uh, Allen has has good moments Where he comes in and he can get you a bucket or two And he plays hard That's what, you know, even guys like that Like Allen and, um, and Melton Are guys that most people don't know who they are Or they're not like, you know, star NBA players But w- you know what they do? They play hard Every night, every night Melton went to hey. USC, he plays hard Allen He's a jackass. He's a dick. He'll do some cheap stuff to you, but that dude plays hard. But Brooks, he's a guy that can make a three-pointer. He's a guy like you need with the Morant, with the Brooks. You put him in the corner. You can't help off of him. No. Because he's going to be able to knock down the three. Like, And he just needs – I mean, granted, he's like, what, 18, 20-minute player a game at most? But that's it. That's all you need from him. Xavier Tillman, my boy from State, dude, that guy is a animal. That's a big shot. Yep. And he can extend the floor. He's getting more and more experience because this is his de facto rookie year still. So, I mean, you're going to add him now in the mix next year. Jackson getting better. 
I mean, this team right now is transcending up. You just add one more piece there. I mean, I don't mean to jump the gun, but I mean, this could be a team that could, in a couple of years, like be challenging for a title. They're and not hopefully even. Hopefully, they get over the hump. Because Clark that doesn't even play, and Winslow doesn't even play. Like, they've got a couple rem- guys that are good players. They would be like rotation players from other places. They're, they're really well built. They just need. They the, just need the, to get over the hump because mm-hmm. the team with Randolph. Gasol, Conley, uh, Tony Allen. That team was assembled great. They just never were able to get over that hump. You know what I mean? And they were built great, and they built another. They're building another team. I hopefully they'll be able to get over the hump because I really like what I'm seeing from the Grizz. The Grizz have uh, been fun to watch, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun watching the NBA playoffs coming up over this Memorial Day weekend. Um, man. Uh, some fun series and a lot better than you normally get for this first round. Uh, before we let you go, Eric, um, uh, we kind of got through most of the series. What uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Uh, we got uh, NASCAR's big race this weekend, right? Yeah, big race, Charlotte. Uh, me and my boy Brandon are going to be previewing that. Going to dive into that on Saturday at the podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about that. Um, I haven't really. I'm in the middle of the move, guys, so I haven't really. Done all the prep work I should have done Probably talking a little NBA playoffs And um, yeah That's that's basically what the podcast is going to be about I'm going to make Arlington, I'm out here in Chicago I'll be there on Saturday Nice. One, one last round I mean, Oh yeah And if oh, you guys yeah. are in the Chicagoland area I made the fumble of the year Because me and my buddies were talking about Do we go to Arlington or do we go up to the Bucks game We made a decision to go to Arlington and, <laughs> but the thing was, we didn't because we usually just get general admission and just pony up at the sports bar in there. That's what we usually do. But none of us were thinking about COVID and everything. So we get all the way there, have capacity, tickets online, go online. Arlington sold out, and we could have gone oh, up to the bus oh game to see Middleton. Middleton yeah. with the game winner. So it was just, <laughs> it was just a big fumble for me and. Uh, for me, uh, my buddy Dan, my buddy Nick over the weekend, but uh, hopefully you don't make the same mistake. So We'll, we'll, we'll hold on to the ball this weekend, <laughs> and uh, I hope everything goes well for you in that moving process, and uh, let's let's have a fun weekend. This is a good one coming up with a lot of really cool sports. There's a UEFA uh, final, Champions League, lots of good racing this weekend, baseball. NHL continue, playoffs, on. too. NHL playoffs have been great, so uh, thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to chatting with you next week, and uh, Hell, we'll be in a couple of these series. We'll already be on to round two. I'm looking forward to it. Playoffs have been great. Hopefully it continues. Make sure to give Eric a follow on social media there, uh, ETOF21Sports on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, make sure to give that podcast a subscribe there as he uh, does a great job covering everything uh, as as in-depth and with as much respect as you hear him uh, when he comes on with us each and every week. So thanks, Eric. Have a good one. Don't go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more here on That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. 
past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com big thank you to eric helping us out talking nba and uh just to talk a little bit more about drf drf.com is having a massive memorial day sale this weekend so if you ever use drf for your past performances you know do you go to drf.com and purchase them there is a 20 percent off sale for classic pps and you can you can buy a big like quarterly subscription like 20 of them 30 of them 60 of them so that way months down the line they're already there, and you've paid less right now than you normally would. Twenty percent off DRF Classic, and it, for me, it's Formulator. I, I'm the big. I, I love Formulator. That's what I use every every day for everything I'm looking at. All the stuff we're going to talk about coming up, all Formulator for me. Twenty percent off, fifty percent off the DRF picks, single card, monthly, ten card. Twenty percent off Clocker reports. Twenty five percent off betting strategies, all through. Monday, May 31st, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. So you still have a couple days. If you know you're going to be using these next week, two weeks down the line, go go stock up on some right now. Just save yourself a few bucks. And whenever you want to handicap some races, you already have, boom, you just go click and, and your past performances will be right there for you. Big Memorial Day sale this weekend. DRF.com. Before we get into the handicapping, we got to talk to you about the stable duel contest. So um, this is late Thursday, early Friday, and the Friday contest. I, I mean, I'm just looking down and how lengthy the 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 menu for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is. Friday, the Gulfstream, 
$7 contest. Monmouth has three. There's a free ride. There's an opener. That's a $25 game. And then there's a $250 game. That's a double up. Penn National. I told you they have a stakes card. We're going to talk about some of those in a minute. A $250 game. And then they have a $25 stakes action game. Lone Star has the Memorial Day Series $10 game. They've got a $50 triple up. Santa Anita has two games. A $100 double up and a $12 game. Then on Saturday, Golfstream. Two different options, one for $25, one for $250. Monmouth has a $5 and a $50. Pimlico has a free ride. Santa Anita has a $100 and a $1,000 winner-take-all. Lone Star has a $10 game and a $250 game. And then on Sunday, you've got Golfstream with a $25 and a $500. Monmouth with a $5 game. The Lone Star Memorial Series continues on the winner of each of those uh, Lone Star games gets the free entry into the uh, May 31st game on Monday there's a Lone Star triple up and then there are two Santa Anita options think about how many different tracks Stable Duel now has and how many different games and how many different uh, contests with different entry fees and it is just incredible how much they have grown and grown and grown so big shout out to Stable Duel with all those contests coming up this weekend. If you have any questions ever about those daily contests, how to build your lineup, what exactly you're doing, any particular tips, just let me know. Very happy to help you out. We're going to try to give you some tips and try to help you out with that Friday Pimlico Pick 5. Next, Dave Rodman, track announcer from Pimlico, joins me. We go through the sequence race by race, so get your past performances out. We're talking about Pimlico for Friday, May the 28th. We're going to go from race number 5 on, and Dave joins me. Uh, Keep in mind, you want to look at the weather. While you're doing your uh, handicapping before you're putting in your wagers, because these races it could be really rainy, could be taken off the grass. So we kind of give you some thoughts on on both if they some of the races stay on and if they uh, if they were to come off. Dave Rodman joins to talk Pimlico Pick Five here on That's What G Said. Another big horse racing weekend approaches, and this weekend there is a big Pick Five carryover over at. Pimlico on Friday it was a, a carryover that's up over $100,000 now So with the, all the time off throughout the week People have had plenty of time to handicap This pool is going to get very, very big So I uh, had reach out to try to get some help To help us uh, preview and, and discuss this pick five sequence And who better than the man who's going to be calling the races A man whose voice you hear many times over there at Over at Laurel And that is Dave Rodman Dave, how you doing? Great, Gino. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. So first time we've had Dave on, but a very familiar voice to many out there. And um, it, we're just coming off of, you know, probably the bu- the busiest time of the year for you and a lot of folks around uh, the area. How are how's everything coming off the uh, the preakness and uh, what looked like a very successful week a couple weeks ago? A lot of money pouring into the pools there. Yeah, a record-setting handle in the Preakness on Preakness Day. Black-Eyed Susan Day was huge as well. Um, this is the first time in a while that I can remember that we've had perfect weather days on both Black-Eyed Susan Day and Preakness Day. Usually one of the two days we get yeah. some kind of rain, but I mean, I mean, just picture perfect weather in the, in the 70s and uh, sunny skies on, on both days and uh, Friday, jam-packed feels on Black-Eyed Susan Day. Some really solid performances, including Army Wife in the Black-Eyed Susan. And, of course, uh, Preakness Day as well. I mean, the, the racing was just solid, and the fans responded uh, by wagering a record $112 million. 
So uh, before we get into this specific sequence, uh, tell us a little bit about you. For some of the folks out there who may only know uh, you as the the man who calls the races mm-hmm. over there, I, I'm always curious when I uh, have people on them. You know, horse racing is a little unique. It's a little different. I'm, I'm I'm always interested how people get into horse racing. So give us a little bit of your background and uh, and how you got started mm-hmm. in racing and calling the races. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like most people who are, get, are into racing at a young age, I was taken to the track by my father, mm-hmm. who loved to play on the weekends, especially not a big better, but, you know, someone would take me to the track just for the fun of it and for the leisure. So he got my interest up in handicapping and in horse racing in general. And uh, out of high school, um, I wanted to be a disc jockey. So <laughs> I was a DJ for a number <laughs> of years and uh and so did that. And uh, a few years into that, um, I've heard of an opening at the little local summer track there in New Orleans, Jefferson Downs, which doesn't exist anymore. But it was like the bread and butter track. It was the summer track. Fairgrounds was the winter track. So I tried my hand at that and they gave me the job. And that's how it all started in 1981. So kind of from racing as a fan into radio and then melding back to the the speaking part and talking part of life into and a little bit of acting too, I guess, into always into had the voice, calling, right? In in calling <laughs> races, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that that's great. We really appreciate you uh, carving out a few minutes of your week to hang out with us here on that's what G said. So for everyone uh, out there, we are recording this early on Thursday, like Thursday morning afternoon. And so for those of you who are playing the Friday Pick Five, just keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. We're about a day out uh, from when the sequence takes place. And you let me know a few days ago already, Dave, um, that the weather uh, could very, very much be rainy and some of these races could be taken off the turf. As we talk right now, what does it look like over there? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the chance of rain by three o'clock, two o'clock tomorrow afternoon looks to be 60 to 70 percent. And we're supposed to once it starts to rain, we're supposed to get probably an inch total. I'm guessing that. We'll be off the turf tomorrow, but that's strictly a guess. But yeah. in that pick five, you know, you have a bookend, the fifth and the last uh, schedule for the turf. The good news is I, I like some horses in the races in the middle of the dirt races. So mm-hmm. you can maybe narrow it down there and then kind of play your game plan turf or dirt and maybe adjust your dirt picks off the turf in the fifth and the ninth, depending on scratches, because, you know, I can pick a horse on paper. Uh, thinking it's going to be on the dirt, but when the pace scenario changes with scratches, that may you know change the way the race is going to be run. Right? Yeah, we're projecting who's going to be in the race. Right? We don't even really know. Some stay in, one or two who look around yeah. and say, "Okay, maybe I'll take a shot." You know that yeah. that you probably wouldn't think so. Absolutely, it's good to mention um, just in case. And, and and as Dave mentioned, those you know the the first and the last, and hopefully those middle parts won't have uh, as many defections. Even if the, uh, the if it is a uh, wet and rainy over there, and these races do come off, and and in the grass races, we have a uh, you know some horses that. Look like they may have been well meant and and meant for races that would be taken off of the grass anyway. So um, I, I don't think they would necessarily be fields that would be completely decimated. Um, so big big money, a lot of eyes going to be on this card, and in particular, you and I are going to go through the pick five. But you also just mentioned that there's a a big carryover in the pick six jackpot, which starts one race before this in the fourth. Yes, yeah, seven hundred eight thousand eight fifty eight. It's a rainbow jackpot bet. Um, and, uh, it, of course, Preakness Day, no one hit the uh, the Rainbow Pick 6, which always leads to a big carryover. And it's been pretty elusive uh, for 
fans since then. I think we may have had a single ticket winner had it not been for a disqualification a few days ago. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, that's the way. There were a little bit of racing, bad racing luck for whoever held that ticket. And the second, third leg, there was a DQ and a, and a tough, tough sequence there. So 708,000 plus in the rainbow and 115,000 in the pick five. And that's 12% takeout, too. Ooh, that is uh, going to be a nice pool and a lot of money for us to uh, to take a shot this weekend on Friday. So let's get right into it. For those of you following along and you've got the past performances out, we're looking at Pimlico for May the 28th, and we're looking at race number five, and it starts with a $16,000 non-two. Uh, they are scheduled for five furlongs on the turf. Now, keep in mind, this could come off the turf, but let's discuss it sort of as, a, as if it was on the grass um, if this field were to stay pretty close to intact, um, it looks on paper at, at least like there would be a couple that are really quick. You have Cindy's Prayer, who is coming out of some strong races over at Fairgrounds Remington and has a lot of speed. Uh, even even horse like Miss Haiti with some pace. You've got pace from uh, horses towards the outside too, looking for Candy and Rain Secret. You, you'd have to imagine it shouldn't be too far out of it. So, um, it, it, on paper, uh, um, as it looks right now, this thing uh, could have a pretty quick early pace. Yeah, and it, it it sure does if it's on the turf. Let's start with the uh, nine to five favorite here, the Cal Lynch one. First time Cal Lynch, eighty-two thousand dollar Constitution filly who switched barns from the fairgrounds over the winter from Joey Foster. To Cal Lynch. So this horse was a private purchase, privately sold, uh, a lot of early speed, um, but in for 16. You know, it's not like they're trying to protect her mm-hmm. after purchasing her privately. So that gives me a question mark right there. So if you're looking to try to beat her, and she certainly does have good grass form, um, I, I might I might go for a long shot, turf or dirt, honestly, Gino in here. Yeah. And that is Suzette Starr who's placed a couple of times on the turf and third couple of times on the turf, but never one on the grass. But she's out of a barn that, well, when they win, you'll hear them from six <laughs> stories down. They love to celebrate <laughs> the Derek Parham barn and their horses, when they do win, often win at a price, including this filly. You see her last win was at 14 uh, to one. I think she fits turf or dirt in here. She's got some speed, but she can stalk and make a little yeah. bit of a run as well. And uh, she comes from a real sneaky barn that often puts over prices. She uh, ran last on the dirt against uh, a mare that's a little bit better than these, I think, in Eight Oaks. So I love that race. I'm going to use her for sure. And the 10 make it a double. Uh, ran fourth last time out to a four-time winner on the dirt named Larimar, and a race before that, a filly named Princess Corey, who had run one of her better races there and winning there on March the 7th. So she is an interesting horse as well. That opening quarter at April 30th at Pimlico, 23 seconds flat. Anytime you can go 23 or below, six furlongs here at Pimlico, even 23, that's pretty quick um, because the gate, is right at the starting beam. So there's no run run up up, at Pimlico. So 23 seconds is really like going 22. Now, on the other hand, that was a very, very windy day, and it may have been a little bit of a wind-aided pace, but that would put her kind of near the lead in this spot. So she's an interesting filly, too, at 5-1, to make it a double. 
Yeah, she uh, gonna go third off the uh, the bench, drops, cuts back. She had that four wide pressing tip uh, trip, sort of moved uh, all the way up to within a half length, but couldn't get by the the horse you mentioned, Laramar, who's in really nice form. And that race was just sort of a, a merry-go-round kind of a race. Even you, you look back to at the very beginning and the bottom of the page, this is a horse who hooked a, a really sharp Hello Beautiful way back in the debut, and mm-hmm. uh, and hasn't done a whole lot wrong since then, to be yeah. honest. So. Um, yeah, pretty pretty honest. It's a it's a great spot. It looks like for uh, making the double. My confidence level in this race on a scale of one to ten is about a three. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, it, um, it is that kind this, of a race. I mean, this yeah, this is the spread race. If you're yep. going to spread and the pick six or that late uh, pick five as well, I think because I believe we can narrow down some of the dirt races in the middle. Yeah, but one other horse too for those uh, going a little bit longer that uh, that struck my fancy a little bit. Was uh, the eight not my money A horse who took forever you know to break The maiden and then you finally put it all together Last time out we see horses like this With the light bulb angle they come back And they win and they put two or three together sometimes The only turf races That not my money has Are actually in, in pretty good spots Some races at Colonial there's some at uh, Laurel some at Golden Gate So not necessarily the, the softer spots Either um, if you want to go a little deeper And if you're looking for a price right off the bat And also a horse who can sit off and pass uh, maybe one to throw in at a big price. Uh, not my money, but yeah. Um, you know, we, we, there are lots of AEs in here. It's a big field, and they also eligibles. You got the other Cal Lynch horse in here yep. from California. Maybe you're, I'm sure, familiar with her. Commas save lives. Um, again, another. He's a Red Barons uh, horse. I mean, uh, that's the California group, right? Red, Red Barons, yep. correct? Yep. And <clears> both so, thirteen and mm-hmm. fifteen on the AE list look like they would be tough if they were to get in. You know, on a uh, on a, in a turf spot or heck, you know, if for some reason, Calmo Save Lives would, either either surface would probably look pretty solid in this spot too. So I thought both the thirteen and the fifteen, if they were to make it in, were horses that you probably wanted to use. And I think the the way that we're both in agreement is the you know. Make sure you you check out some of the other horses that are in this field But if Cindy's Prayer is in on either surface And some of those other pace horses are in here I don't think she's a, a short price horse that you need Or that you nef- you want to key in on right off the bat No, I totally agree with that I totally agree with that In, in many ways, I like the other Cal Lynch And Cindy's Prayer is number three And then the AEs, you have the, the Red Barons Philly Yeah, um, completely agree Which I think is a little bit better uh, inter- makes the race more interesting if she gets hit Let's move along to race number six So this will start your late pick four here This will be the second leg of that pick five The third leg of that pick six If you're playing all those rolling exotics on Friday at Pimlico We've got maiden 40 claimers in here Six furlongs the distance And uh, the conversation should start with the number five Wicked Hot Who was very impressive in the debut for Grand Motion In Maryland bread you get the, the waiver the waiver there So um Excellent race from her You have to use her The, the one number, to beat, no doubt For a number of reasons First of all, um, she got beat by a really nice filly Who just hang on, drifted a little bit And she almost got there Named Sonetta The race is rubber stamped by the third place finisher Hope has a name Who drew off yesterday in the finale I believe it was Opening day card at Delaware Park And uh, if you're a buyer number believer Buy it up with a 67 uh, And Wicked Hot got a 70 off of that So that kind of rubber stamps that race Assuming you're going by figures Plus, it should be raining by then She's a Mosler I got a saying Mosler's in the mud Because (laughs) they are 8 for 25 8 for 25 in the winter circle On the wet 
main track, 32%. A very young sire here based in Maryland, but uh, you would think maybe a better turf sire being by Warfront, but uh, all of the offspring of Mosler, they love the off track, eight for 25 on the wet. Um, so two to one, the line, grand motion, a lot of things pointing to her in here, but you've got some fillies on the inside in here, like no chance given or Kalenjin that you might want to use too. there. They've got Spitestown there on the top, um, on the sire side, uh, Spitestown's on the off track, one of the better mm-hmm. off track sires we can see. Brittany Russell trains the first time starter number two, Kalenjin. Um, she is, uh, as hot as could be with first-time starters in Maryland and the barn hitting on all cylinders in general. Horse worked out of the gate at Pimlico, same day as the Trombetta horse did on May 7th. And you see 101 and 3 from the gate. Same day, only other gate work, Trombetta horse went 102. So I'm thinking this filly has some speed by Munnings, who's by Spitestown, Russell Barn, the Britain and her her husband Rod Sheldon, and so uh, you've got to use that filly too. Yep. Uh, a filly that's kind of chased um, cost me a little bit of money, honestly. <laughs> no <laughs> chance, gi- no yeah. chance given. Who stumbled at the start and galloped out strongly in her debut was favored off that uh, effort. Second out, um, she's run a few in the money or pick up check kind of finishes but flattened out in the stretch but going to the new barn now a claudio gonzalez claim for 20 in for 40 she's got a good late kick but can she turn it all around against a a tough tough field here uh first off the bat so i'm using the five and the two as the main punches and that's the question with no chance given with the draw right what kind of a trip Will she be able to work out down on the inside Because she has shown in a couple races The ability to have some positional speed But what concerns me with her here Is that she got three first-time starters Drawn to her outside And you never know with horses that are making their debut like that They could be a little quirky in the gate If one of those horses don't break smoothly or alertly No chance given Could be in a little trouble down there and, and that's what sort of makes the complexion of this race uh, interesting. You know, um, you, you talked, we talked all about Wicked Hot, who's no doubt the one to beat. So, M- Wicked Hot as one of the Maryland breds, you have the two inside horses, a couple of the Kentucky breds there. And then, drawn towards the outside, we have, uh, we have a, a Kentucky bred, Matula, who actually raced over at Aqueduct last time out, puts the blinkers on, didn't show a whole lot. Um, I'm just kind of looking for like who are some of the horses we think are going to be close up. Early on, maybe Moriah, someone who who showed a little more speed when um you know making career start number two because on paper there's not that much pace, yeah. right? My guess is that the first time starter uh, Kellingen from the Brittany Russell barn mm-hmm. w- could come out firing. Usually she has her horses ready with early speed. Uh, another thing is don't put a pass, no chance given to try to get aggressive and go to the front. It's first time Claudio and first time in the barn. I've noticed many horses over the year off the claim. He tends to put a little bit more speed into them. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, she may not, that rail might not really matter for her, mm-hmm. you know? So um, sometimes it it's a blessing in disguise race. almost, right? It kind of forces your hand and it give it gives them like a, an easy game plan to go in. Hey, we've got the rail. At least we have to be aggressive early to try to get ourselves some position. And if, if no one else goes, heck, we're going to go on with it. Yeah. It, it, she has some talent. And so can, can he bring it out? It is the question, but, uh, and sometimes the Brittany with the, Russell, the Brittany yeah, with Russell sometimes a horse that doesn't want to pass, it's the, it's the best thing to do is to put them on the lead. Um, mm-hmm. 
like no chance given who's had many chances right such a great name for a horse like when you're alive uh, in, in an exotics with this and you hear no chance given coming around mm-hmm. the turner you, you scratch your head a little bit and go uh-oh i, I hope that's not the truth so <laughs> yeah this uh, it's it's a solid race but it you is. Know, if i had to narrow it down to two i would use uh Kalingen and wicked hot yeah a couple of real logicals there live looking first time starter so you have the the Kentucky bred Furster, and then the the Maryland bred Wicked Hot, who is uh, protected there off of that really nice debut race. Uh, that is leg two of the pick five sequence. We move along to race number three, uh, the third leg, race number seven in the sequence. Um, six furlongs on the dirt. So these are fillies and mares, three year olds and up, which have not won a race since November twenty eighth. Or which have never won four races So always uh, good in these sort of Beaten bilateral claiming races to read the Conditions and see who has uh, been Able to win most recently Or or who falls under these nicely um, I think a horse who does But um, I'm a little Worried about the running style would be Petition Lass who is coming Out of the open races and a lot of time that Move from the open claiming ranks to One of the restricted claiming ranks is a Is a, a pretty sizable move But I'm I'm a little worried with the running style off of the bench for a barn and a horse that's not necessarily proven all that much off the bench. Yeah, what you see is what you get on paper, and she really has no early speed, never yeah. has, and maybe never will. So she's going to need a quick pace, which I really don't see developing here. Oh. She's off the bench as well, um, but Taurus Boyce has been riding the hot hand, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, she, she, when she gets the pace, she can have the kick. Um, I think she may be a little bit up against it and maybe will need a race. Yeah. It sort of feels like that on paper too. Cause you know, you look towards the outside and maybe it's the, you know, there are three or four that we could sort of project that have some like pressing positional speed and towards the outside, blue sky, Venezuela, our true sensation, you know, they've got some even instinctive from the rail. Wouldn't be a complete shock, but there aren't really any speed demons. It doesn't look on paper, like three or four are going to say, we need the lead. I think if any one of them were to go, a couple others would be really fine just sitting off. And I could sort of project more of a, like a good second or third for partition last setting up for a better one down the line. This might be a race to maybe play against one of the shorter prices. Yeah, Blue Sky Venezuela is a must-use on the ticket. First off, the claim from the Gorham Barn. Um, Traditionally, they do a little bit better at Delaware Park, the Gorham Barn, than in Maryland. Um, But the Delaware Park meet just started. They've won a couple of races in the last few weeks here. So that may be a sign that this could be a, a timely claim, adding the blinkers too, which I find interesting. Uh, and there's something to be said about her company lines. You see, oh, four, five, six races back, she ran a couple of times against Swirly Shirley, who's basically kind of unbeatable. I forget how many races she's won, 12 or 13 lifetime. Just a, a solid, solid, solid low-level claimer around here. Uh, her last race was a third, claimed out of that race with um, a uh, – Third place finish behind Silent Fluidity, who's kind of a steady 69, 68 buyer type mare. Um, And really, when you look at the field, none of the Phillies in the race have run that type of number uh, in their last three. So I got a user. Barnes heating up, blinkers on, first off the claim. There's no raise, but it's not necessary, really. She's kind of a, a pressing kind of a horse. I've seen her come from off the pace with a good kick. From well off the pace with a good kick. Actually, it was in the sloppy track July last year at Laurel. But 
she also uh, has good tactical early speed, too. So I, I've got to use her. And the other mare I want to use in here is a turnback. I think she's going to be fit enough as Parched Ghost. Uh, you'll be able to spot her. Uh, she's a really pretty gray mare. Um, she doesn't have a ton of early speed, but maybe a little more tactically placed, but not that much more than patient last would be. She's kind of a closer, but I coming off that mile in the 16th race where she made a little bit of a move, had aim and flattened out against Allah's bumper against similar turning back for a low profile barn. They have very you know limited number of horses in their barn. People are going to overlook this horse because of the connections, but with limited horses, the barn, you know, makes the most of what they've got. Absolutely, parched ghost. Uh, another one uh, for me. Um, uh, I completely need blue sky Venezuela. You mentioned, and if, if, if especially if it's on an off track, we know that this is a horse who's had some success on one. Also, uh, family fortune is really sharp. This mare's done some great work um, for this barn over the last what four or five starts or so. I think you can probably excuse the effort off of the very long layoff. Since then, you've got four pretty good races, the three in a row that are sort of similar type efforts, and not far off what it would take to beat a group like this. Has run well over the track and. What's nice about her, I think, is that the the outside draw should benefit should be kind of beneficial for her because she's got some of that positional speed we were kind of talking about. And if she breaks well, she can kind of look to her inside, see what everybody else is doing, maybe carve out a spot a couple lengths off, or maybe end up getting a little more aggressive if need be. I prefer a horse like Family Fortune to a horse like Petition Last because of some of that positional speed. Well, if you believe in the hot barn angle and you're going to use that in your ticket no matter what, she's a mare you got to use. Mario Saray barn uh, hitting on all cylinders at this meet. Um, and a lot of the wins, too, coming with uh, the particular rider, Grant Whitaker. Uh, she's won two of her last three. My question is, who did she really beat in there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she beat bust out Lady Sevilla Sangria, who really failed here the other day and has really been on the downslide for a little while. Hmm, Shaq's hidden gem, don't baggage check. Hmm, they're okay. Um, you know, they're just no great chicks. This is kind of a real step up, I believe, for her as far as company goes. Um, just in watching these Phillies mares run here uh, over the last few months. But uh, yeah, if you're going to use percentages, that's the barn to go for, for sure. And um, well, I hate to say <laughs> I, I, I loved her in her first start for the Saray barn. I thought she'd run huge. She was dropped double digits. And she came back, and she came back. Brutal start, right? Yeah, yeah jostled, no, but still, really no excuse to run. Yeah. Came back and ran kind of a non, you know, a fourth where she should have closed. And then, boom, here she comes at 20 to 1. And I'm going, wait a second here. I this really is what I was thinking, thinking, right? I mean, yeah, this is what I was thinking first out. <laughs> but, uh, again, she she's taking uh, class-wise, looking at who she's run against. It's a little tougher road today, tomorrow, or, uh, you know, on Saturday. Uh, whenever we Friday, uh, Friday, Friday, I was gonna say, whenever we get to the pick five, as we're uh, yeah. as we're on on Thursday, having fun here with track announcer Dave Rodman, he's helping us out. We are gonna move along now to race number eight on the Friday card, and we are up to the fourth leg now of this pick five sequence. So we've got the optional claimers, sixty-two thousand uh, first level allowance here, six furlongs on the dirt, and there are 
a couple of really talented horses in this field. It's not a big field, but I think he, uh, even in the middle of the of the the field, you've got Airport, who is a multiple winner, and the only poor performances have really come in stakes races. You've got uh, Exculpatory, whose debut was impressive, but then kind of came back with a clunker at Parks, and then a couple really fast horses that are right next to each other in Cry No More and It's Sizzling Time, and that's what I think is very intriguing about this race is. With those two, you know, who gets the lead? Do they battle each other? Is one, you know, much quicker than the other? And how that ends up, you know, shaping this race? Yeah, well, cry no more. It's sizzling time. Assuming they both stay in the race, I think it will set it up for Airport, who's I think as good as a single. Yeah. Um, uh, it really, uh, again, there we go. Mosler in the mud, eight for 25, wet of the dirt. Added the blinkers last out for trainer Dale Bennett on a muddy track, going five and a half excuse me, five ace at Laurel um, and made a quick move, as you see in the short comment on the turn. In a matter of 10 to 12 strides, he gained three, four lengths quickly on the field. Um, It was a very impressive run. Now, that was five ace. This is six furlongs. I'm hoping he doesn't move too soon in the spot into a hot pace. That's the only thing that kind of concerns me. But I think he's a quality time kind of horse because, you see, he was second last year at Monmouth in an allowance race to No Sense, who came back to win the James Lewis, in fact, as a multiple stakes winner uh, last year as a two-year-old, five starts, four wins a second um, off of five runs last year. So you've got the running lines there. Uh, On normal circumstances, I would say perfect trip, toss next time out, but I believe six will be no problem versus the quick move going five-ace with the blinkers for him. And he's won at six too. Yeah. With a similar type move. So uh assuming the speed stays in, I think airport could be single. If if one of the speeds will scratch, it kind of complicates the situation a little bit more. Completely agree. And you know, you look you mentioned no sense. Even the race before that in the sapling, the, the runner up that they pick in time is a grade three winner when the Nashua um airport has faced some real quality runners and just really feels on paper like he's gonna get the trip. If it were um, you know, and at six, I'm a little concerned about a horse like Cry No More. If for some reason Cry No More tries to sit off its sizzling time a little bit, like Cry No More tried to sit off on, on April the 25th. Anyways, Airport was still able to blow right by. I just don't think. Well, some. Yeah, he blew by, and I went back and looked at this race a few minutes before we, uh, you called me, and and he was digging down. I mean, he, he didn't was. give up. No, he, he tries. He tries. Yeah, and, and he's a great notion out of a domestic dispute mare that's really good off-track breeding for Maryland bred. I mean, he's tough, but, you know, you got seven to five morning line at least on Cry No More, eight to five on Airport. Um, yeah, if you're approach, not a believer right? in either one of you, really think that Airport's going to make a move too soon or it was a perfect trip and the pace is going to be fast. Exculpatory's uh, a mineshaft cult that closed like a rocket out of nowhere down inside, like a real pro under Sheldon Russell first time out at Laurel and breaking on the maiden. It was kind of, I don't want to say optical illusion, but was helped by some horses kind of fading off the scene. And here he comes, but he did it with uh, like a horse, like a seasoned horse mm-hmm. came through down on the inside, had to avoid a little bit of traffic there closed between horses. And then the journey to parks 
Well, what happened there? Marvelous Mike's an improving horse. Another horse in that race was a horse named Dalton, who you see in the running line of airport. He's a solid horse and Mm -hmm. just didn't fire that day. But he comes back to Maryland and, you know, I mean, at at double digits, if you can get eight, ten to one on him, um, you know, he, he could be a use for sure. This is the eighth race we're discussing A really intriguing one with the uh, airport I, I agree, if it stays intact This w- might be the, uh, the the place where I look to single here Because um, on paper it really does seem like Cry No More It's Sizzling Time are both going to be Just a real nuisance to one another And airport should be able to, to pounce nicely there Off of that really solid form And just a, a repeat of last And another one who, you know, if it is wet We know that airport can handle that off track You mentioned, uh, you, you discussed with a couple different horses How uh, their pedigree is is, is very well meant for an off track uh, as well So yeah some Especially if you're someone who's playing on a smaller ticket you, You're excited about the sequence But you don't have a, a ton of money to spend This feels like a good spot to to Single in If Cry No More and It's Sizzling Time Are both in If one of those two is out Then you'd probably upgrade the other one quite a bit Yeah no, no doubt in there uh, But I, I'm going to stick to the guns And thinking well if there is a single <laughs> In the yep. sequence, just go go with airport. Yep. We get to the ninth and the final of the sequence. Uh, they're going to go a mile on the turf course for now, and then there are some horses that are uh, main tracks, and some horses that you think will probably be sticking in if it were to come off the turf. But let's say uh, now that it is on the grass, you've got Gearhead from the outside who comes in from New York. Recently, um, two stars back at Aqueduct was not beaten far, uh, not beaten all that much against twenty five thousand dollars open claimers, and so that's a horse who I'm, I'm sure many will look to coming out of that circuit. And then, if you want to go price fishing, there's there's plenty of horses that you can dig back to that have some pretty nice turf form. And, and I do have a price in the finale, turf or dirt, honestly. And I I, I, I like the thirteen in here. It got yeah. grandma quite a bit. Um, the barn is hot right now. Miguel Vera five for eleven here at Pimlico, and arguably could have been six or eleven with a little bit of racing luck um, this past Sunday. Uh, his two to one favorite in a sprint just broke a stutter step slow at the start down inside there, and and um, loomed on the turn and didn't get beat very far. And you know if they had that horse. Had a very alert break. You would have been looking at a trainer who's batting close to fifty percent. Well, he is already, but um, he would have been fifty percent for sure. Um, it got Grandma. Looks like a horse who's tailing off, but he moves into a sharp barn off the claim. Karen McGee had him in good form for a while, using his early speed. He's always had early speed, but if you go to the wayback machine um, on the turf, this horse. And it can close. He can pass. He actually has a turf victory to his credit coming from well off the pace. So a lot of people may overlook mm-hmm. the fact that he's been beaten double digits his last three, thinking he's a speed horse is going to fade or thinking maybe he was he's going to get chewed up in the pace. I like his chances at 20 to one with Charlie Marquez aboard and it got grandma who got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> it's gonna be, what a great name, right? I, was gonna yeah, say, I so. keep I, I keep think looking at the pedigree of this horse, going, "There's got to be something other than name and reindeer." Right. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Some, something yeah. that some story to it for uh, yeah, for I'm sure yeah. one day. Um, yeah, but yeah, there are a couple of prices. I think you can you know uh, a horse like the three um, tapping a hook who uh, tap a uh, tap a hammock. Excuse me, tap a hammock. Who, yeah, who 
has some speed And this is a horse who you look back at the grass races Okay, so if this t- stays on turf He's by far the fastest with, with the horse from the inside Scratching He actually owns a second going a mile and a 16th On the turf at Laurel in a race that At a big price, you know, at least a horse to throw underneath Or if you want to have some bombs to try to close this out um, The other horse, No Knock Raid I think he's good enough to compete with this group I'm just a little worried about the the layoff for a barn who usually does a little bit better with horses that have a race under there too as of late and this particular horse hasn't fired um fresh but you know he's got form that would compete with with these this is a this is a fun race like there are a, some double digit price horses you can make a case for yeah he, he his last win on Ocarade was August of last year on the turf at Colonial and would that meet a uh, looming here in a few weeks Coming off the shelf, I think that's maybe what they're the aiming plan. for. Yep. Yeah. Um, because that that really was his only win in the last couple of years there. So, uh, uh, nice you know, prep that's thing. just a guess, a little prep. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, um, really uh, interesting group. Let's see. Uh, um, and then you know, from horses that are, you know, probably going to take a take a lot of action. Horses that um, look pretty logical for many. We've got um, a horse like my pot, uh, my man, pots and pans, whose only turf race. Was recently and it was it was pretty solid The horse was like sitting third throughout Did get a nice trip but moved into contention uh, There wasn't a whole lot of passing going on uh, In that particular race But wouldn't really have to improve off of that uh, To be competitive in here Yeah I think he's a little bit better at the one turn mile On the dirt at Laurel But yeah he, he's, he ran Actually very good against a horse named King Bubble A horse who had come off of like a two year layoff <laughs> For, for <laughs> Brittany Russell and to be beaten only two lengths and looming at the eighth pole, that was a pretty solid effort uh, for my man Pots and Pans, uh, no doubt about it. And Gearhead's going to get a lot of play, I think. Uh, gosh, I mean, he, he did <clears throat> he did win at Tampa against 16 claimers. I, I've just I've chased this horse so many times, and you know he 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 just doesn't follow through when he makes that move. He I has agree. A tendency I to, he tends to hang a little bit. He he gets played a lot because yeah. he's consistent. Uh, and he also kind of, you know, he's there, he, he, he looms, but he, he doesn't really have that much of a passing gear. I don't, I don't really remember his win at Tampa and who he beat at 16,000 there coming from off the pace and going away, which is kind of like a surprise running line and in, in the form for him, but at a short price, I'm going to look to try to beat him in that spot. Yeah, tomorrow. I think yeah. there are two or three other favorites that I, I'd be much better with singling, moving along with. This one is one that, yeah, especially with that running style, going to take a lot of money in the last. I would not want to just have him as my only horse, you know, trying to close this thing out. I would much prefer, uh, at, at the very least, a few others in uh, what looks like a fun race to try to close it out. Yeah, if you're if you're alive in that pick five or pick six, don't get run over by a reindeer. Use a <laughs> no, yeah. especially yeah. you got it. It got. You don't want. It it to got you right yeah exactly <laughs> right right so, dave this was a a real blast catching up with you and uh and chatting about the sequence so it will the pick five sequence is going to go around uh three o'clock eastern time probably right before that and then um right around a half hour before that you'll have that big pick six sequence that's going to go in race number four you know maybe in the uh you know like Plan on eleven fifteen uh, or or two fifteen Eastern time two two twenty or so right around then. Uh, right, exactly, yeah. And then the the rain forecast has changed a little bit. They've kind of pushed up the percentage 
higher percentage of rain toward mid-afternoon. Um, it, you know, 24 hours ago, I could have said, yeah, we'll be off the grass. It's going to rain starting at noon. But um, who knows? Uh, we, we we have to pay the price sometimes. Our black-eyed Susan Day was perfect. Previous exactly. Day weather was perfect. And we've had a really, really good string here of great weather uh, in Maryland, with the exception of some storms uh, this week, yesterday. Um, so it, the humidity is getting a little higher, but we've had a good California streak going for a while. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Dave Rodman, and you'll get information there. Uh, a lot of times, race day stuff, uh, if there are changes, scratches, all sorts of good stuff there. Um, Dave, we really appreciate this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, before we let you go, anything else you uh, you, you have out there to, to, to promote for the weekend coming up? Yeah, yeah I just wanted to, to, to give a shout-out. I just put it on Twitter a few moments ago that Xavier Perez, the X-Man, who was most famous uh, for his ride on Spicer Cub um, yeah, yeah. Uh, a few years back, is approaching 1,000 career wins, so awesome. 995. So he could Great. do it this weekend. Uh, he could do it this weekend with a little bit of luck. And um, Xavier Perez, John Robb, they've been a hot team. They've got a horse in that picked five sequence as well. I don't even think we mentioned that broke its maiden at Charlestown. So little and that was the one I think he was watch. fish pumping, right? That was was that what the one he was really excited about? At I think he was uh, like celebrating at the wire. One of them that he um, looked. Real pumped oh, well, on. Yeah, he rode. He 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 won on a two-year-old for Je- Jerry Robb earlier this week. That's a half sister to uh, Anna's Bandit, nice. who's a multiple stakes winner, and she broke her maiden like she's going to be a very very nice filly. And he he's pumped up. Uh, he was pumped up with the wire. Um, but yeah, check check uh, the Pimlico feed and the news, and I put it out on Twitter as well. The story about Xavier Perez, which also links to his ride uh, on YouTube on Spicer Cub, uh, a video that got, I th- think, twice as many hits that year as the Preakness did. So, <laughs> <laughs> Cult classic yeah. horse, right? Every, a lot of yeah. people know that name forever. Uh, right. Yeah. Great stuff. So uh, good luck to him with that big milestone coming up. Um, great, great rider, and that's a, that's a big number to hit. So uh, glad you mentioned that, and we'll be rooting him on, hoping that he can hit that this weekend. Um, Dave, this was awesome. Uh, it was so nice catching up with you. You gave us some some great information, and I asked you for like 20 minutes. You gave us double that. So uh, okay. I, really, I, really, I really appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to trying to hit that big pick five this weekend, and we look forward to hearing your voice calling the races over at Pimlico. Okay. Good luck to all playing. Uh, it's it, it's. I know you know we'd like to say it's going to be for sure on or off the turf, but you know check those scratches in the morning, and I think we've got a hittable sequence in that in those middle legs. And a lot of dead money in that pool for us to uh, aim for mm-hmm. already. So uh, Dave Rodman, make sure to give him a follow there on Twitter at Dave Rodman, and you can uh, always get the great information from him uh, leading up. So thank you so Thanks, much, Tina. Dave. Good luck. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back, and uh, we're going to... Big thanks to Dave for helping us out here, and uh, just a little bit of a recap of some of my thoughts on that uh, pick five sequence in the fifth race. The number 10, make it a double, is a must-use for me. In the sixth, I will include the number one, no chance given, thinking that they will show some more speed from the inside. I'll need five and seven uh, in the seventh for sure. Uh, The two, um, airport, in race eight will probably be a single for me as long as both of those speed horses stay intact there. And then a couple long shots that I will be uh, likely using in the ninth and uh, final in the sequence, both the three and the four. The three who I think has some speed there, the four who has some good turf form, but just some question marks about firing 
off the bench. So that is Friday Pimlico, that big pick five carryover, a massive pool already 115,000 there. So um, with the plenty of money coming in, uh, I don't even want a couple hundred thousand at least. I mean, I'm thinking 250 more, like three, 350 ish in that range. Let's see what uh, what the money comes in like And what's the weather like, right? If it stays on the grass, then I think we'll probably get a, a little more than if it were to come off So that's Friday over at Pimlico Let's get through some of our other Friday tracks As uh, we have a lot to uh, to get to we, we cannot mess around here at all Belmont Park Past performance is out May the 28th uh, We're going to look at races 2, 3, 6, and 8 In the second, Auburn Hills the one. So these are 30 non two claimers. They're going to go a mile and 16th on the turf course. Auburn Hills for Mike Maker. I claim this one. And then right off the bat, you get that improvement. You get that good effort. And was bumped to the start. Ended up like ninth or 10th inside, about eight lengths off. Was behind horses. Had to angle out six, wa- uh, six wide. Really got going late. I thought it was a bad ride. You get the more aggressive Saez aboard. And this horse does not have to be nearly as far back as he was. In fact, I think they're going to show a lot more speed from the inside. At least some tactical speed in here. The number one, Auburn Hills in race number two at Belmont Park on Friday. We need around 7-2 to two to make a win wager on that one. No play in race number three, but just worth talking about who is going to be in that race the Happy Saver, four-year-old now, who is undefeated, four for four, and he is a grade one winner, jockey club winner uh, last year. He'll make his first start of 2020, so Happy Saver will just be uh, sort of watching that race, not really a race that I, I had an opinion on as far as playing was concerned. Let's move to race number six, and of course, I had to, had to go with Facioio, the number four, which uh, I believe means I do. This one came in and had some Italian experience, huh? Of course, of course I got to go with the horse that's run over in Italy. And in her U.S. debut for Christophe Clement back in November, she had a good start. She was right on the lead, and then she was taking a hold of on the inside. She was sort of ranked. She didn't really want to settle. She backed up. Duopoly ends up winning that race gate to wire. Duopoly comes back to win the grade one American Oaks next out. Third place finisher in that race, Vigilante's Way, won a Gulfstream $75,000 stakes. And next out, and is a nice one. Uh, recently came back and ran another uh, really solid race, and Joelle Rosario jumps aboard. Great finisher. She's going to be coming for more off the pace while she turns back in this spot. This is a, a spot where in Italy she did really well sprinting. Look at the victories going six and going five and a half. So... Now you won't necessarily have to worry about grabbing a hold. She can just kind of run, and 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 it doesn't have to be running on the front end. She can just they can just kind of like let her run a little bit more. So second start in North America, they'll get things figured out a little bit better with the number four Pachoio. We get to race number eight. I'm looking at the six in here. This one, I, I thought the the line was a little bit off. I had this horse at like five, six to one ish, and so if we get anything over that, very fair price on uh, Island Treasure, who raced in November and then came back in April, so had that time off in between, and she broke pretty well. She broke with the leaders, but she was taken back to fourth, fifth. She got stuck inside. 
She got shuffled to fifth. She started to move, and she had every chance to go outside, but she chose to stay inside. And she just she ended up having no chance that day. She could have been much closer. And I thought it was an awful ride for my Rad Ortiz Jr. Lascano jumps aboard. I'm just expecting better. I think people will see Irad leave, and they don't see that there was trouble there. This was a bad ride. Island Treasure. I like the number six Island Treasure. Anything over five to one will make a win wager on that one. So in the second race, the number one Auburn Hills. In the sixth race, the number four Faccio Io. Uh, we need about seven to two on Auburn Hills. We need about a. Uh, Three to one ish on uh, Facho EO, and then the eighth race Island Treasure. We need at least five to one there. Those are your Belmont Park plays for Friday. Let's head over to Churchill Downs. Let's get a couple plays in for Friday. Friday three plays at Churchill Downs, and they begin in race number four. So uh, let's take a look at the eight thrill ride we've got one of those first level allowance this $102,000 purse they're going a mile on the turf course here and thrill ride is going to be stretching out from races going five furlongs five and a half a couple starts back but you do see a mile race on the main track back in November and it was not bad at all actually finished third that day showed a a little bit of tactical speed kind of early moved up to take the lead and then faltered so I, I think thrill ride will actually be able to show more speed, and I'm kind of sort of excited to see what this one will do going long on the turf, because that's sort of what they wanted, right? They wanted to get this horse going long on the turf uh, a while back. And in his last start, he got squeezed back, and just after the start, he was last of seven, and he was four lengths off. He was chasing lone speed. He ended up running a lot better than it looks on paper. He ended up just missing third that day. He goes third off the bench, stretches back out. Give me Thrill Ride, the number eight. Anything over seven to two will make a win wager on Thrill Ride in the fourth race on Friday at Churchill. Let's get to the sixth race. This is a maiden special, six furlongs, Phillies and three-year-olds and up. I'm looking at the seven, Dame Dame Cinco. I was gonna say Dame. I'm just watching uh um <laughs> oh watching the Portland game a minute ago. Uh so debuts in his third behind uh stakes winning Abrogate. Abrogate who comes back to win a stakes. Um and then in career start number two, behind Little Tootsie and Euphoric. Both of those horses came back and tried stakes races, and and then in fact the both both races have become very with uh, Euphoric second in the Miss Preakness Blinkers on for Dame Cinco And, uh, you know, just needs a, needs a better start Because both starts have been maybe her fault You know, you start to see that with three or four starts But it, it's not like she's slow She can, if she breaks well, she's got some positional speed in here And I think she can be up close I'm expecting a better effort from Dame Cinco The number seven in race six at Churchill Downs over on Friday. Let's move to race number eight. And we're looking at the number three, Another Woman. These are optional 75 first level allowance. Another Woman just got hooked really wide going into the turn on April the 30th at Churchill and was five lengths off. Moved up to within a couple lengths, was fifth and was at like three deep all the way around. Made a four wide bid up to within a length. But then just got a little bit tired and backed up. 
that was going a mile and a 16th. You get the slight turn back. You won't get that kind of a wide trip here with more of the inside draw. The number three, another woman in what is a wide open race. There are going to be a bunch of horses in here that are around five to one. We don't want to take any lower than like four to one on another woman. So three plays on Friday over at Churchill. In the fourth, the number eight, Thrill Ride. Uh, in the sixth, the number seven, Dame Cinco. And in the eighth, the number three, another woman. You just want to make sure all of them are sort of going to be in that same range, like no less than seven to two ish on any one of them, though. Uh, we don't want to take too short of a price, but if they're in that um, three and a half, four to one range, that feels uh, perfect. And uh, anything over it would be gravy. That is Friday over at Churchill Downs. Let's get to Santa Anita. For Friday, kind of unfortunate that Santa Anita doesn't really have the uh, the de- the deepest fields, you know, at the current moment, and even this weekend with three graded stakes races, we'll talk about them on uh, this when we get to the Saturday stuff. But the fields are just uh, they are not the the biggest or the, uh, the the strongest, and so we do our best here, try to get a few of you some plays that are playing at Santa Anita, but same sort of thing, like. There aren't a 10, 15 to 1 shots that I normally like to find. Let's go to the fourth race for Friday, May the 28th. And let's look at the number five, Summer Rose. So she got crossed over on last time out at the start. She got squeezed back. She was seventh of eight, about five lengths off. She moved in between horses, but she ran into some traffic. She kept to the inside. And that was her first start in about four months. That was her first start against Maiden Claimers. She's now going to go second start off a pretty solid layoff. She's got more speed. She's got second start against claimers now. And I don't think she'll have to be nearly as far back because, you know, that was just sort of after the slow start. She stretches out to the mile and she could be on the lead or sitting second in here, depending on what circle of honor does and what tactics they choose. Summer Rose, I mean, anything over three to one worthy of a win wager there. In race number four, let's flip to the seventh race as uh, I'm looking at a possible late exotic single in one night standards, third off the bench, second time for Glatt, getting back to the green. Just, yeah, you could try to beat some favorites here and maybe single uh, in a spot, but you're not necessarily, I mean, if you can find bigger prices throughout the card, um, much power to you. I think one night standards, might be a good spot to single here. And then in race number eight, to close things out, I'm looking at the seven, Crooked Finger Ray, who's going to go for a really good barn off the claim. Ryan Hansen, who kind of feels like he's going to get the trip in here from off the pace. If you just toss the races going along and look at the sprints, he's really consistent. And to the inside, I am all that you are. Quick. Rebel War. Quick. Then uh, down towards the inside, you've got Wind Ducks Fly quick and I just feel like it's going to be a a pretty fast contested early pace in here that should set up well for Crooked Finger Ray so that's Friday over at Santa Anita you've got the fourth race the number five Summer Rose we need around three to one in the seventh race the two one night standards I'll be looking at more of a late exotic single there and in the eighth race we need five to two at least on the seven Crooked Finger Ray so Friday, Santa Anita, as we head over to Penn National for Friday. They do run a couple stakes races at the very beginning of their card, so that's why I decided to take a take a look and talk about them for, uh, for a moment. 
Now, keep in mind, the forecast is supposed to have rain and a lot of it, so it would not be a shock to see some of these come off the grass. And in the opener at Penn on Friday night, so get those past performances out. They, we're looking at the May the 28th, and we're looking at the uh, the Leipard $100,000 stakes race. I like the five Midnight Obsession who has decided they are going to run in this spot. And it is a good spot. Just beat Open Company over at Belmont Park. Now you're back in with Pennsylvania Breads. Shown that tactical running style where you've got positional speed. I think the five is going to be really tough in there. Midnight Obsession would be a horse that I would single in the early exotics if you're uh, playing something there. In race number two, if they were to stay on turf, the four missing the big dog was pretty impressive last time out. Uh, another one who was impressive against Open Company that was at Pimlico against the second uh, second level allowance group. That was the first start in five months, so he has every right to be even sharper and be even a little bit better. And he, you know, should probably be in that six eight to one range. So throw him in your early exotics if they stay on turf there. If they come off the grass, Chili in charge will be really tough. Um, I think it's the cousin of Charles. Chili in charge of our days and our night. Cause I see, I know that I want chili in charge. As we move along to race number three, this is the Penn Oaks. $100,000 for three year old Phillies. Mile on the turf course here. Honey Pants is going to be super tough if they're on the grass. Seven to five on the morning line. I think uh, Muffy Princess, a lot of people will be playing. Uh, she's burned a little bit of money. Recently, Marlboro Road to me is sort of the the wild card on the grass to to throw into some of your um, early exotics. So she's the price that I would include. And if they're off the turf, look at some of the races that Orb's Baby Girl comes out of. So cross out the turf race and then look two back behind Honor Afik, Audios Trippy, Malathat, a few starts back. So has kept some really nice company. Um, I would upgrade the one if they come off if they stay on the turf give a look to Marlboro Road to use along with some of the other logicals in the uh, in the four honey pants and the six Amalfi princess and then in the Penn Mile grade two grade two on Friday night over at Penn Mile on the turf course here Chess's dream uh, out of door is going to scratch out of there so Chess's dream Annex will take a lot of money Annex with the blinkers on will be tough uh, original and Sibelius, we'll see what ends up happening from a, a pace standpoint with those two. And if they come off the grass, I think Gershwin is a player in what we've seen. A good form on sloppy racetracks. So, just an early look at uh, some of those stakes races at Penn National. Again, all these tracks this weekend in particular, and I think... That's why I wanted to do a few extra tracks in, in case there's bad weather all over the place. And so there might be a few tracks that we looked at or races that we looked at that are sort of irrelevant come, come post time. At least we've given you plenty of options. If you wanted some action for Friday, you just got a pick five conversation with Dave. Belmont plays, Churchill plays, Santa Anita plays, and Penn stakes Thoughts and plays. That was just for Friday. Let's get into Saturday in just a second. First, let's talk some old smoke. I know you're a horse racing fan, so I know you are going to love oldsmokeclothing.com. Quality clothing and merchandise that horse racing fans and those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will be able to enjoy. I mean, we're talking hats, 
t-shirts, polos, long sleeves, zip-ups, hoodies, with the names of big races, slogans, catchphrases. They have custom designs so you can... You know, put the the thing that you and your friends yell and scream at the horses when you put a ticket together, or the name of a horse that made you money, or, or just something that you want for your friends, your family, your mom, your dad, brother, sister, anyone that's into horse racing. High quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. And when you use the promo code G I N O, it will get you free shipping on your order. Check out Old Smoke. Clothing.com. Let's get into Saturday. Belmont Park is going to be up first. We're going to go and take a look at races three, five, eight, and nine. So get those past performances out for race number three. We're looking at the 29th, 529 for Belmont Park. Third race is a first level allowance, and the number four first captain is going to be a heavy favorite, and deservedly so. I am going to try to hook up the Big Kahuna with First Captain. The Big Kahuna, who was really impressive in his debut, and then he came back off of a long, long layoff and ran really well. Uh, just came up a bit short. Now we'll stretch out. And along with a couple others in here, he is pretty quick, but I think he might be the fastest and have the opportunity to just run them right off their feet here. The Big Kahuna. Let's see. If uh, if first captain is the real deal And we'll hook up the 5 with the 4 In some exotics And if we can get like 8 to 1 We would play the big kahuna As we move along to race number 5 First level allowance 6 furlongs on the turf The 10 Kyoto will take a lot of money But the 9 too sexy Does look a little bit sexy As a second choice And maybe a, uh, a single against the favorite here Joel Rosario jumps aboard After a ride that I didn't love Where... She was chasing lone speed. She kind of angled out, but she couldn't make up any ground. Um, lost a three-way photo for second. Actually, a little bit better than it looks on paper. The uh, the overall race too sexy. Third start off the form cycle should be set for her absolute best. We would single her in some of the early exotics or any of those rolling exotics that you're playing there at Belmont on Saturday. Let's move to race number eight. We've got an optional 80 second level allowance. Uh, I'm looking at the 7 in here. Doubly blessed, who is going to get Saez jumping aboard, who struggled early on in the meet, but just one of those stretches with a lot of second and thirds that are going to go the other way. And it's pretty simple with doubly blessed. Like a really honest four-year-old who has had a good stretch of five consecutive races since moving from the turf to the dirt. 16 non-twos wins. Comes back in a 50 starter allowance wins. Then a first level allowance wins. And then goes a little long and tries stakes company. And that group was just a bit too tough and perhaps just a bit too far. And doubly blessed comes back with a really nice second. You just know what you're going to get from him. And I think in a field like this, that will work out very well. Gimme doubly blessed sitting just off the pace in here. The number seven doubly blessed at around seven to two will make a win wager. Then ninth race is the grade two Pennine Ridge, and they'll go a mile and an eighth on the turf course. Three year olds on the inner. I'm looking at Sainthood, who was just recently in the Kentucky Derby, and Sainthood was your runner up in the Jeff Ruby Stakes back in March at Turfway. Dam was a winner on the turf. 
and the sire was excellent on the grass, uh, multiple graded stakes winner, grade, grade one winner. I think the versatile running styles that Sainthood has shown will really come in handy in this particular spot. He's been working on the turf recently. The way this pace shapes up, safe conduct's pretty quick. You've got Shaftesbury, who's also got some speed, and you've got Hard Love, who's also got some speed. I don't know if Sainthood will want to try to go with them, but I could see a, a really nice stalking trip. You know, you're in great hands with Joel. So, Saturday at Belmont, in the third race, we'll try to hook up the five big kahuna with the, the four of the first captain in exotics. In the fifth race, the nine to sexy, I'll use as an exotic single. In the eighth, the seven, doubly blessed. And in the ninth, the number five, Saint Hood at seven to two. That is Belmont on Saturday. We will go from Belmont to Churchill, and Churchill has just an incredible Saturday card. Honestly, if you're only going to look at one of the uh, Saturday tracks or, or only play one of them, Churchill's probably the the place to go. It's uh, the preview day for Stephen Foster. They even have a couple new stakes races, and the undercard. Call them undercard races. We're talking about hundred thousand dollar maiden special weight and allowance races. Those things are really good. They're really loaded too. So we're looking at May the 29th, Churchill Downs, race number one. And we are looking at the maiden special weight. We've got two year olds going five and a half furlongs. 24 Mamba to the outside, got some money in the debut, and ended up behind T Olive, who just cleared the field, popped, and won pretty easily. And it just didn't look like 24 Mamba was really loving the sloppy track and loving the ground. I think he deserves another shot on uh, on a fast dirt track. So make sure to throw him in to your, uh, your early pick fives there. Anything around like 3-1-ish to one-ish or so might think about uh, putting a win wager on that one. We move to the third race. I'm looking at a first-time starter in here. They're going six furlongs. I like the 10, Bo Liam. So this firster, four... Steve Asmussen, the dam of this one, uh, first off, he's training pretty well over this racetrack. And the dam was a three-time winner, earned 265000 actually was a grade two winner. Has produced eight foals. Seven of them, eight foals to race. Seven of them have won. One of them, which I believe this guy is a three-quarter sib to, is grade three winner, Strike It Rich. Also a half-sibling to Tomlin, who's a multiple-stakes winner. Also a half-sibling to another multiple-stakes-placed runner. If we get anything over 7-2 to on Bo Liam, I'm making a win wager on that one in race number 3 at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Let's head to race number 4. Uh, no, we're going to race number 5 for our next play over at Churchill on Saturday. So, fifth race, we've got the uh, Audubon. This one's $150,000 stakes. They're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf course. Three-year-olds. You've got uh, like the King in here who was in the Derby. you got a couple horses who were in the American Turf last time out. Royal Prince had legit trouble in that race. He's a deserving favorite in here. I would use him in your exotics. But the horse to bet is probably Chellis, the, the six, uh, who had a slow start after a maiden win. So debut, uh, fifth, a little bit of trouble in that race, comes back and breaks the maiden. And then last time out, expected this horse to be sitting a little bit closer. Instead, he's dead last, and he, but he's only about five or six, maybe five lengths off or so. 
and he didn't seem to want to settle back there. So they make an early move. They angle to the outside, big four, five wide move up, opens up two lengths, gets gets to the lead, opens up two lengths, really digs in and battles, and just loses a head bob. It was a tough beat, and it just shows you that he has some ability. If he steps forward at all, and if he is anything over four to one, if he's in the five to one range, I think that's a great price on the number six there in race five at Churchill Downs. We'll use six eight in our exotics there. As uh, we move along, we're going to look at race number six. The Blame, mile and eighth on the main. The two sprawl is on the improve. I I love what he's done so far at four. So any multi-rolling exotics, uh, I'm throwing him in the mix. But the the six south bend, if he's over seven to two or so, his win at Keeneland on April the 27th in his first start at four years old, it was super impressive. He was taken back about five or six lengths off the pace. He was sitting like sixth or seventh. And he made a six-wide move, angled at the top of the lane. It wasn't a fast pace at all. And he was really the only one who ended up closing multiple lengths. It was impressive. The runner-up came back to win next out against optional 80, non-winners of three. South Bend, second start at four. Second start off a six-month layoff. Should be set for even better. That's South Bend. We'll use six and two in a lot of uh, our exotics there. Oh gosh, I have a lot of respect for Silver Dust. Super, super honest too. Uh, at the very least, an under if you're playing some some stuff there too. I don't I don't really have knocks on on him. As we move to the Shawnee, this one does feel like in Vui Taunt, so um, would be a chalky single in any kind of uh, exotics you're playing. Why did Paris Lights? Run so poorly last time out. Uh, liked her. She just didn't show up. I mean, she was wide. Maybe uh, I mean, she, she's probably going to project to get a wide trip again too. Like if you're giving up a few lengths going wide, staying in the clear on the dirt, that's not an awful trip. She just did not really run well. So I need to see more from her because I couldn't really make that much of an excuse to want to play her back. I thought in Vui Taunt could have won that race. Moved towards the inside instead of trying to go around, and the inside was just not the the place to be at uh, that day. Uh, just you didn't really want to move through the inside. So, in Vuitton, the chalk there in the seventh, in the eighth race, Spanish Love Affair did have um, some physical issues. There was an article in, in DRF about it, and a brutal start got destroyed at the start, and now they've they fixed a couple things. So Mark Cassidy expects her to run a lot better. She. It was chasing alone speed last time out too, and the race has come back live because the runner-up Giftless came back to win the Edgewood. Spanish Love Affair is going to be tough. The horse to bet might be the one Oyster Box who didn't really love her ride last time out either. She was not aggressive early on, and then ended up hurting her because she got beat to a spot. So she's like two or three wide. Behind really slow fractions. She tries to make this early big move up to second. She gets to within a length but flattens out. Because they're just cruising up front. And moved early. Was like a a poorly timed um, decision to go. So I think from the inside saving ground. Just a much better trip will be on the horizon for Oyster Box. Using the 1 and 4 Oyster Box and Spanish Love Affair in all exotics. Let's move to the grade 3 Matt Wynn. So Helium and Obesos are the logicals. Obesos actually ran really well in the Derby, finishing fifth. And Helium, who 
had been off for a while between the Tampa Bay Derby and the the Derby will be a little better here. And, you know, did not run that poor. It was sort of in the mix and just, you know, not quite wanting to go a mile and a quarter. We'll see how good he is, but I think he is better than what his figures would suggest. If you're looking for a price here, for me it would be ready to pounce, who stretched out from 5.5 to a mile. The race got taken off the turf. He sat inside, third, fourth, about three lengths off early, and then he, he got some room on the inside and he made a move right through Got a challenge to the outside of the top of the lane and just put that one away. Opened up one by four plus. I would use one, two, and three in the exotics and then uh, the exactus tries, things like that. You're playing, trying to get the one ready to pounce in the mix at a price. Let's move to the Aristides. $150,000 purse in race number 10. Empire of Gold has, I've become a really big fan of his. He's so, so honest. Look at the stretch of races from last year at Lone Star when he cuts back from the mile in the 16th race. July, second level allowance win. Comes back, tries the grass, finishes third. Back to the dirt, wins. 51 to 1 in the grade 2 Phoenix, runner up that day. Breeders' Cup, 51 to 1, fourth behind Whitmore, CZ Rocket, and Forensi Fire. Just horses that are like a little better than him. Comes back again, hooks CZ Rocket and Whitmore, and then when he's able to get away from those, he easily handles an allowance field. If he's 3-1-ish, to one-ish, that's a great price on him. Coming a real big fan of Empire of Gold. And then to close it out, not really a race that looks like a great betting race to me because I did think the chalks are going to be pretty logical in the 8 and the 7 set piece there for Brad Cox and the 7 logical myth who was doing some really good work over at Fairgrounds and I think, um, you know, just got a little unlucky in the the last couple after a couple really lucky inside type trips. So to me, those two are the ones that they'll all have to worry about beating there at Churchill Downs. So one more quick look at Churchill Saturday, the first, uh, the 724 Mamba. We need around 3-1. to one. In the third, the number 10. We need around 7-2 to two or so. Um, Boleum. In the fifth, the number 6 Celest with uh, the 8. We'd use that one and make a wager around 5-1. to one. South Bend in the sixth, uh, the number 6. We need around 7-2. to two. Use, uh, use the 2 there. And Vuitton will be a chalk. Oyster Box in the eighth would be one that you could maybe play. If you need a price in the ninth, it would be ready to pounce. The 10th, maybe Empire of Gold, a good horse to build some late exotics around because he necessarily won't be one of those overwhelming favorites. And then that gives you a, a shot to not have to single those favorites. You can kind of spread out and use a few others. And the 11th race seemed pretty formful there to me. So that is Churchill Downs for Saturday, May the 29th. Let's get over to Santa Anita for our last bit of Saturday racing. Real bummer at Santa Anita, the graded stakes this weekend. There are three of them, and there are only 14 total horses in those three races on Saturday. So uh, we actually might be able to to play two of them. We'll see. Uh, let's look at the past performances. Get them out for Saturday, May the 29th, Santa Anita, fifth race. It is the grade three Daytona. I did think the five commander who was chasing lone speed and got shuffled inside and ended up you know, farther back than he wants. He does not have to be that far back. He he has a shot in this race at 6.5 furlongs, 
because the way it looks uh, looks like the pace is going to unfold. Bombard is going to go with the blinkers on, and the key is law-abiding citizen. No LASIX for law-abiding citizen, which the connections are concerned about for a seven-year-old who's always run with LASIX. But will he at least be able to make things difficult on Bombard? And then even Jam and Eddie, will he be close enough to make those two have to work a little bit? If that's the case, and Commander is over 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager on Commander in uh, that fifth race. But yeah, not not a, uh, a massive field. And you know, we move to the seventh race. We've got an even shorter field in the grade two Whittingham. You've got Acclimate from the Rail Award winner, Red King, and then United. That's it. United's going to be really tough to beat with the outside draw. Probably just pick pick the spot. You've got Acclimate, who's got speed. You've got Award winner, who's got speed. And Red King will be likely fourth and hoping that the three of them are all kind of playing cat and mouse enough. This is not a bettable race there. A really nice animal in United. Red King is a graded stakes winner and has previously beat United. But it's just so hard in a race like this to try to get excited about betting it. Um, this will just be a one that one that I'm watching. And even the triple bend. Gosh, this used to be one of those big races with a lot of really good horses shipping in. You've got Lambo who's starting to develop now. He's won two of three. You've got Shooter Shoot, who came from way out of it, and he had normally been a really quick horse. Eight Rings, who's a grade one winner for Baffert. He shows back up after a really weird last few races. Disappointing would be an understatement. The only horse who I would be excited to bet in here would be the one Exalted. And the rail does concern me quite a bit. I'm just kind of hoping that he takes back. He's got Lambo, Shooter, Shoot, Eight Rings. They're all a lot quicker than him. So maybe it's 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 not a big field. It's not like a situation where he ends up getting shuffled back because there's so much traffic to his outside. So in the eighth race, the number one exalted in the triple bend. And if we can get around seven to two, three to one or so, we would uh, maybe make a win wager in that small field. But unfortunately, some, uh, some nice horses out there, but not the deepest fields and... Uh, you just kind of wonder why there there wouldn't be more horses in in some of these graded stakes races. They just, I guess, they're just not running out here right now. And all over the place, there are some short fields. But at Churchill, there were a, a bigger fields in a lot of the stakes races we talked about. We are going to get to Sunday racing in just a moment. I have a look at the Canterbury Pick Five for Sunday. We're going to get into that, but first. We're going to talk a little bit about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. She can help you out with buying, selling, leasing. Um, Maybe you just want to find out how much your home is worth. She can do a free market analysis of your home's value. She can get you in contact with vendors, handymen, painters, landscapers. Uh, Maybe you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan. She can set that up for you nicely. Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Anywhere you're located, she specializes in Southern California, but even if you're in a different state and you need some help, cindycarava.com, check her out, send her an email. She will put you in contact with somebody that she knows and trusts that is in your area. One of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met, Cindy Carava, cindycarava.com. Let's get over to Sunday. So, Canterbury. 
has some Sunday and some Monday racing. Hey, we can put in a pick five, one of these low takeout pick fives, any opportunity that there is to do so, we are going to do that. So we're looking at May the 30th now. We are looking at race number four for Sunday. That's the start of that low takeout pick five. A couple horses who I'm probably going to throw on my ticket. Uh, Gabo's Makado, Makondo can sit off. And fits the conditions really well. This is a four-time, a fourteen-time winner who has won this year, but he won at sixty-five hundred. So that race was too low to actually qualify for the conditions. So he's in nice form. The four purely political feels like he will get the trip in a race that has a couple other speeds. So if Gabo's Moncada, uh Macondo doesn't win, it's probably because approved showed some speed from the inside, and maybe even a horse like. Uh, like a Candy Wampus or one or two others got brave, and then that sets up for the four purely political. 4-7 in race number four. We get to the fifth race. You got a maiden special weight here. They're going a mile on the turf course. These are three-year-olds and up. The eight excursion. Now going to go into the Dio Duro Barn, and uh, they will step up from Maiden 30 to Maiden Special and protect. But that Maiden 30 over at Keeneland, probably like a lateral move. And when you look at the breeding here for him, Excursions Dam was a four, uh, won twice on the turf and was multiple stated pl- uh, stakes placed. The lone sibling tried the turf four times, had a win, a second, and two-thirds, and it was graded stakes placed. Feels like Excursion could sit a really nice trip. He was a little wide. With four wide, he moved up. It was three wide within a half of a length, and he just couldn't get to the top two. It was really not a bad effort. He's faced some good ones. Uh, likeable, proxy, you see in the running lines. Excursion, number eight, top selection there. We use along with the three, Drama Chorus, who's going to be really quick, stretching out from six furlongs to the mile. The number four, Smarty Alex, lures Quinones, and just... Coming off of that pretty solid third-place effort at Fairgrounds last time out, uh, runner-up was a next-out winner. He will come running if Drama, if Epic, and uh, if Samiza all end up pushing each other. The six and the seven both look like they have a little bit of pace. The one, Coastal Waters, will try to save some ground from the inside. Could, could end up stalking pretty nicely. First-time gelding. Look who he faced in a couple of his races. His career debut... He hooks uh, Bodenheimer, who's multiple stakes winner and was actually in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint September the 19th. Um, there were a couple next out winners in that race. And you see Hush of a Storm, who ended up winning the Bataglia and won three in a row. So Coastal Waters comes out of some good races. Adam stacked 8-3-4-1 with the uh, 8 as a top selection there. So... Um, those are the four we'll use in leg two of the pick five sequence. As we get to race number six in here, the nine is the one I'll start with. Kilberry Lady who drops, kind of searching for where she fits. They're hoping for a fast track. Um, I'll, I'll kind of treat her as a wild card. The five Pearl Devine makes a lot of sense off of some of the races last year, and this is just not the strongest group. Probably going to be right in the mix throughout. I thought the six and the seven both fit, and I'm not really giving you anything outside of the box in this race because they're sort of logical horses, and I, I don't like using all the logicals, but um, five, six, seven, nine is who we will uh, include to try to get through this sixth race in the pick five there. 
We move along to race number seven, and this is probably the uh, the logical place for the chalky single with Caramel Angel. Um, Caramel Angel, most recently on March the 28th, was over at Fairgrounds going a mile on the turf course. There were three next out winners out of that race. Uh, the winner has actually won four in a row beachcombing. The fifth place finisher won a first level allowance at Churchill next out. And the seventh place finisher won an allowance race at Churchill next out. So that race has come back really strong. Caramel Angel should be very tough, proven at Canterbury, proven at the trip, and is getting some class relief. So I will probably single the five on most tickets. Maybe I'll play one with the one go for gold who's going to try to save all the ground and uh, put together three really solid turf races going, uh, you know, about this trip, going a mile last year at Canterbury. So. Maybe she needs, or maybe he needs a race for his best. Item stacked 5 1 with the 5 as a, a chalky pick 5 single. The 8th and final in the uh, the pick 5 sequence there. Well, uh, I'll, I'll use 2 5. Uh, binding time, second start off the bench, is in pretty nice form. You have Pretty Tequila, who's actually only lost to Star of the North, who wouldn't shock. I do think she might get over bet because of that. The 2 Temjin Lady will sit off really nicely. She's got the race under her belt, and you can probably toss that sloppy effort last time out. 2-5 there. So, a little look at the pick 5. 4-7 uh, with one three four eight with 5-6-7-9 with 5 with 2-5. Won't cost you a whole lot, and you get some Sunday action over at Canterbury. Let's get some Monday action. We're going to take a look at Lone Star and Canterbury for Monday. First, let's head to Lone Star. We're going to look at races 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. There are five stakes races in a really cool pick five to end the card. So for Memorial Day Monday at Lone Star, there are a bunch of stakes races, five of them. 100,000, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, and 400,000. One of them is a grade three. And they kick off in the seventh with the Memorial Day Sprint. Six furlongs the distance. Monday call is really quick, and she is the one that they'll have to catch and beat. But others that I would be using in uh, some of the rolling exotics, Paleo Flag's going to get back to the dirt. She's got to prove it at six. Maybe a little shorter than where she's best, but she she should sit off very nicely from the outside. Raven's Cry we're going to see a little later on uh, as one back-to-back and there were three next out winners from that race. All horses that came back to win allowance races. Paleo flag from the outside. Our Iris Rose would be the other. Who's really sharp. I got to know this one uh, during some of those Sam Houston races too. So Monday call, super logical. Paleo flag would be the one who I have as the top selection. Our Irish Rose or, I, or Iris Rose would be another horse to maybe throw into some of your pick fives. In the Chamberlain Bridge, five furlongs on the turf, share the upside, likes it at Lone Star, likes it sprinting on the turf, and is coming out of a race behind Empire of Gold. Talked earlier about how much I uh, respect Empire of Gold, but I do think Chaos Theory is also one that you probably want to include. Uh, Does need a little bit of pace, but logical graded stakes winner, so not one that I even have to really sell you a whole lot on. Yeah, nothing too outside the box there for me with uh, Share the Upside and with Chaos Theory. Let's get to the Texas Derby. You've got the outside runner who was in the Kentucky Derby. Superstock 
And I actually thought Superstock was alive. I, I use Superstock in a lot of exotics, so he's no doubt the one to beat in the class of this field. I look at Scarred, who got, you know, I didn't love the trip. He sort of got beat to a spot. He got shuffled on the inside. He was last in that field. He was like five or six off. He's further back than they wanted to be. And then he, you know, in some traffic and... He was a little tight, a little bit sneaky there. Scarred. We'll be using uh, Warrants at a perfect trip last time out. Wouldn't shock there. But I would prefer Scarred and Superstock. Those are, you know, probably going to be horses that take a good amount of money too. I'm not giving you too much outside the box. Mr. Wireless will be logical one there. Uh, Peter Miller is going to be super live in the Ouija board with Laura's Light down inside. And then you got Raven's Cry, who I would include in the exotics, looking for a, a third consecutive. He's She's been super good in those two starts. So, Laura's Light and Raven's Cry. In the 11th, the, se- uh, the Sexton Mile, by my standards, is multiple graded stakes winner. You've got multiple graded stakes winner Silver Prospector, who's coming up on a million. By my standards, has already earned over two million. Warrior's Charge and Hunk of Burning Love. They're likely going to be showing some pace in this race. Then you got CZ Rocket, who was second in the Breeders' Cup, who just won the Count Fleet. He's earned $1.3 million. This is a good race that is probably probably going to go, go to, by my standards, in my opinion, like as the most likely winner of the race. But what about Sheriff Brown, who's really sharp? The mile is a lot better for Silver Prospector. Mile and eighth is a, a little much for him. He could save ground and move nicely into it. The Sexton Mile in a good Monday card over at Lone Star. Uh, continue on, you know, as we're far away, because this is Thursday when I'm recording this right now. So as these races get closer, I'll probably post a video or some stuff on uh, on social media, maybe finalizing a wager or two or uh, just kind of seeing what some of the, the prices were when we get closer to, uh, to the races. So really good stakes on Monday over at Lone Star. There's also some Monday Canterbury. They've already got the races out. They've already got the morning lines and stuff up. So I figured, you know what? Let's take a look at this pick five. Maybe we can uh, we can find a couple horses to to give you for Monday Canterbury. In that fourth race, that's where the pick five starts. We will look at the the one Tantima, who should be able to save ground nicely and secure a good spot. Hasn't raced since last year, so that's the concern. You do have a horse like Madisonian, who is pretty quick, probably going to be a pace factor in this spot. What do you do with the three imminent threat? I don't need her, and she'll likely be a short price. I would include the five, though, Mr. Bro- Mrs. Brookside, who hey, finally gets away from all fact. And I don't know if she has to be... I mean, she does not seem to have much speed, I wouldn't be shocked in a spot like this if she didn't have to be as far back. One, two, five, and then what do you want to do with the three as you move to the second leg of the pick five sequence? I thought the six was a possible single in Cinco Catalina. Lightly raced with some upside. There is no speed in here whatsoever. He may be close to or on the lead by default. So I'll use the six all over, and I'm also going to include the eight, Winter's Run, who 
he's at least got a little bit of route tactical speed, and he's shown some positional speed at, at Fawner. Um, he wasn't that far out of it going a mile. So those two, six and eight for me, as we move to the sixth race at Canterbury, chalky single of Barry Good, damn one on the turf, stretches out, really does look like a horse who is going to be tough, competed with Maiden Specials at Oaklawn and now is over here with Maiden Specials at Canterbury and has a pace advantage. I'll single the three. If you wanted to go deeper or use horses underneath, I would have one, four, and five. In the seventh at Canterbury, I like the three DC hero quite a bit. Just go back to the the turf sprints. I I mean, what's wrong with the two-back race at Sam Houston? It was the first start in a few months. Runner-up came back to win. And then you go back to last year in October and November, a really nice stretch of four consecutive good turf races from five to seven and a half furlongs. DC Hero, the top selection for me. Dare Felix, going to be really quick. One that they'll have to run down. The four, Soviet, will be hoping for uh, for some pace and uh, we'll try to kind of sit middle, mid-pack here or maybe a little farther back on the turd back and, uh, and come closing. Three, six, four. In the seventh there at Canterbury. And to close it out, we'll use the three, five, and eight. Casey's daddy raced pretty well over at Turf Paradise. Settled just off, uh, made a, a wide move, four wide, opened up a, a half length, and then just got a little bit tired and hung. That was the career debut with a slightly different time to ride. He would have won that race. He was favored, took a lot of money, and he he should be like a four or five to one shot in this field because it's not the strongest field in the world. I'm trying to play against Josie Boy, who has not raced since January of 2020. We're talking about uh, a pretty sizable layoff now. Huge drop, no doubt the one to beat, but I don't want to take a short price on that long of a layoff. Is he in a tizzy? First time gelding, I would include. The 8, you'll wonder why I drink. Great name. I'd also include that one. So, at Canterbury, the pick 5 in the 4th race would look something like this. 1-2-5 with 6-8. Single the three with three four six with three five eight in the fourth race the one throw that one in uh, Tantima in the fifth the six Cinco Can- uh, Catalina in the seventh the three DC Hero and in the eighth the three Casey's Daddy those are the uh, horses who I think uh, are probably ones that you you want to include in your pick fives there on Monday at Canterbury there's going to be holiday racing from a bunch of different tracks too so follow on social media that's what G said we will be posting some plays throughout the day and other tracks that we uh, have probably looked at and handicapped at that point. It's just too early. They haven't th- Those past performances aren't out or the morning lines aren't out. Not even enough time for me to handicap all the races and get all the information that we want to you. But you are always going to hear about Sarah Candles on That's What G Said. C-E-R-A Candles.com. That's the website. Their goal was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, high quality that everyone can enjoy. And it's the all natural soy wax. That's the key. No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants that are found in all that other paraffin wax that a lot of the leading brands use. When you use the promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase any kind of flavor, sense that you need, they've got them there. 25 plus different, three different sizes, lead-free cotton wicks. And because of that soy wax, it will actually burn better 
and longer. It's healthier for you, for your family, your friends, your loved ones, your pets. You don't want them burning and breathing those toxins in candles.com, sarahcandles.com, promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase. We're closing things out with the old, I was going to say the old wrestling rewatch. It's the old uh, This Week in Wrestling segment with Chad Cooper. We're going to bounce all around. We'll talk about the Ultimate Warrior documentary that was on Annie. We didn't talk about the Dark Side of the Ring one quite yet because we, uh, we hadn't watched this. I recorded it earlier in the day with Chad. Then we preview the AEW pay-per-view coming up for the weekend. News about some of the WWE releases. We get to SmackDown, Raw, NXT, and uh, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so. We hit all the stuff in wrestling just like we do each and every week with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Installment of uh, this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said. And if it's funny because we're recording this on Thursday morning afternoon. And just about a month ago, Coop, we have two Wednesday night shows. We've got the Wednesday night wars where it's like impossible to try to watch both of these shows. They're usually pretty good on Wednesday nights. And now uh, NXT moved to Tuesday. And with the basketball playoffs, we're no, we have no Wednesday night wrestling for a while and, and for the foreseeable future for like the next month. The week sort of feels weird. It feels a little different after the schedule sort of was, uh, was different for about a year, year and a half. Yeah, I thought Wednesday was Thursday, to be honest. Right? With you. Yeah. You know, hey, I guess, you know, I'm kind of bored tonight. I guess I'll watch Impact. And I'm like, well, I guess not. It's Wednesday, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been kind of a, a weird adjustment here. Um, and, you know, going into a big pay-per-view like they are, it's, uh, you know, and, and running late, later than, than normal. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see uh, how they pull it off. But, yeah, it was it was definitely weird. So uh, before we start getting into all the shows, um, let's talk about the last week's documentary. And it's sort of a, a tease for another one coming up this week, because as Chad and I are recording this on Thursday, later on today, there will be a dark side of the ring documentary on the Ultimate Warrior. We saw the A&E biography on Ultimate Warrior over the weekend. This was one that I think a lot of people were very interested in seeing how it was approached, because... There have been, you know, all of these t- uh, subjects, all the, the subjects, the, all the different wrestlers that they've had bios about so far. Um, I I think about it, like none of them have been perfect, really. I think the one coming up next week will probably be the best guy fully, you know, that like that's been on there so so far. Um, but this was a little different with Warrior because of a lot of the the stuff that he said that was like racist, homophobic, sexist stuff. Um, really, really um, controversial comments. The the, and I'm actually surprised that they showed the scene with him at the college, and that they even did get into it as much as they could. They could have skipped right over that, and that might have been something that people who remember the Ultimate Warrior as a kid from wrestling don't even know about. You know, sort of like what we were saying with the Bubba the Love Sponge stuff with Savage. 
Um, uh, although I will say this was a bigger deal of Warrior and who he was later on, so I think this needed to be addressed, and I'm I'm glad they did that, and I think they did probably as good of a job as you could expect with something that's got WWE production behind it. Yeah, they. I, I was just as surprised as you that they got real in depth uh, on that particular situation because man, I I'd actually forgotten about it forgotten all about it and uh i was going to say what you said there's probably a lot of people who did not know that Mm -hmm. you know uh and don't you know don't uh, remember hearing or or seeing anything about it you know after watching it now i I guess it kind of the story of redemption somewhat um you know, I didn't know that Ultimate Warrior was uh, invited over to the McMahon's house for dinner. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was fascinating. You know, I go back to, you know, I'm glad they showed the early footage again, Mid-South UWF. You know, I remember the Blade Runners. That was great yeah. stuff with Sting. What's, yeah, and what's interesting is they didn't say what his name was because Sting was Sting in the Blade Runners. And Ultimate Warrior was Rock. It was Rock and Sting. They were the yeah. Blade Runners, and I remember them. Um, you know, it was kind of a kind of a Road Warrior ish knockoff. I don't remember what who came first or whatever. I do not recall uh, why and how him and Sting split. I do remember him going up to WCCW in Dallas and being called a Dingo Warrior, and I thought mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was interesting. So. Again, you know, just another another documentary that's so well done. And it's just they they paint the picture of, you know, this baddie. And I really felt bad. I I thought that that DVD that the WWE did. Yeah. WWF back. Look, those Ric Flair, Hogan, all these guys, there's no way. And and I don't know it for a fact, but you just kind of felt like that. That that was that was a work. I, I just didn't feel like everyone, even if he was different, I don't think he had that many enemies. Well, even friends. like Mean Gene, you know, he was like, "Oh, this is what we're," you know, like they saw that you saw that like piece of of him like kind of telling people what they're supposed to do, you know. Right. And right. um, it does sort of like I, I felt like you feel bad for him, and I sort of like I'm a little upset with a lot of those people that they did that. Me too. Right? Yeah. And then those interviews, those promos they were doing, and they kept showing the retakes after retakes. Heck, man. I mean, I'm sure Hogan and all these guys had to do retakes and stuff after these promos. You know, I I just thought, man, you know, then then they show the redemption part where he comes back for the Hall of Fame. And it's just he comes back on Monday Night Raw. And it's just so sad that days later. The guy falls over dead, and it's just uh, that speech he gave. Yeah. It was like he knew. It's yeah. so, it's so when you look back on it, and it's like he talks about how every warrior will one day breathe their last breath, and it's like just a few days later, he had, and he, um, it was, yeah. Again, you know, the guy was not perfect at all. He had, sure. a, he did no. a lot of a lot of things through that period where he was sort of upset, and he had a lot of demons. You talk about with. Uh, and and that's the thing with the um, most of these, um, and not all, but most that we've seen have had kind of family problems early on in their life, 
Right, the ones that sort of have some of their own problems later on. Yes. It's, it's some stuff with their family early, and you know, Booker's the, the kind of situation that he was in. You think about Warrior, where he was, um, Roddy, you know, where he was early on in his life, and then then you kind of compare it. Shawn Michaels had a great one, and he's still, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's just uh, these. I, I don't even know if two hours could have done some of these. Oh, they're great, right? They they're, they're just compelling. Um, they, they, they want, uh, you know, they know how to poke and prod at our emotions, right? Cause you, you feel bad. You feel sorry. He's got these kids, you know, then they show the, all the college, the rent and the Raven, him wanting to be, you know, this far right winged, uh, idealist guy. Um, and who knows, you know, what all he was going through. And then, you know, you, you go to the title runs where he takes the title from Hogan and then. They don't believe in him, so they take the title back off of him. You know, it's just, uh, it, man, it's just a, a, a roller coaster of emotion. Just as a fan, really, who yeah. watched as a guy, just this larger than life guy. I remember seeing, you know, this guy from the beginning of his career. I saw him at house shows, saw him at pay per views, and uh, man, he was so way out there on his promos which made it even more fascinating to it watch sort of fit the time too it right did. like it really late 80s did. early 90s it was like perfect it, it really did and, and you know for him to come back around and be accepted back uh you know to see him and hogan uh you know there um at, at wrestlemania that the- match people you know what that match will always go down as a match that had no business being as good as it was. No, and and they both just hit it out of the like knocked it out of the park. A home run. The commentary and everything too with Jesse during that match yeah. was great. But you know what? And for for as much crap as he kind of gets or got throughout his career for not being the greatest worker in the world, um, when you think about Ultimate Warrior and his big moments and the big matches he were in, they were all pretty damn good. The Hogan yeah, match were. was yeah. really good. The two Savage matches were awesome. He had great chemistry with Savage, and the Rude matches were really good. Um, it was just sort of like when he didn't have a big program or a build, or and then obviously later on, you know, with the uh, the WCW incarnation of uh, <laughs> right. of a Warrior, that was not uh, the best. But this guy was a big game player, you know. Like he on the big stage, he showed up, and that Mania Six match. Was one of the biggest matches in the history of the company, and yes. you look you look back at it, and because you know his runs afterwards when he got the ball, it wasn't maybe the most successful. But at that time, right then, that was a big deal. Hulk Hogan did not do that. He did not lose clean like that in the middle of the ring. Still tried to kick out like right at the end to kind of give you a little sure, bit, you know. Sure. But but yeah. uh, that was just um, just such a huge deal, and I'm. I, again, every week I'm really, really glad that with these these couple hours that I've gotten to kind of relive some of our childhood through these, and you know that Thursday night, the dark side of the ring is going to have a completely different approach because I believe they have as like one of their main um, interviews and sort of one of their main guests that they have on was his first wife, who he was basically with throughout all the time. I think leading up to. Right when he made it big And then right when he hit it big and and won the title Some of the clips that I've seen of her She sort of says he just changed And he became the ultimate warrior And he like like They say you you like live in the gimmick He believed in the gimmick 
Yeah, and I think a lot of them, yeah, you know, it, when you look back into the 80s and just this documentary series that, uh, that A&E has produced, you know, you see these guys living their gimmick. That's all they know. And then, you know, back then, you're doing five or six nights a week in different towns, you know? It, it's not, uh, you know, even before COVID, you know, WWE, you know, started doing just a, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday run or Thursday through Saturday or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if you were raw, you know, back then, I mean, you're driving from town to town and there's no, you know, there's not internet, there's not social media and, and these guys are larger than lives. And, you know, when everyone looks up to you, it's, uh, I can't say that I don't blame these guys for turning into uh, what they were doing uh, for majority of their adult lives. And uh, man, when you're that famous and everybody's wanting your autograph and there's women throwing themselves at you, uh, it's just, uh, yeah. And, and you know, they're going to touch more into the steroid scandal. than oh, yeah. Uh, what, yeah. You know, that, and and, and I'm sure even more players. about the stuff that he said. You oh, know, even- absolutely. The, sure. the the comments and the controversy and the racial stuff and the stuff at the college and like the blogs online. I think he, I think a couple of things that he said too. And it's like, you know, we're, there's a lot of people that you can go back and find things that they've said through the years, right? It, it's yeah. Hulk Hogan, the guy who's talking on a lot of these, <laughs> right? Is like, first off, yeah. it's pretty funny that, that he's on a lot of, you know, but, um, <laughs> but, I think one of the things too is that that um, where where it hit a lot of people the wrong way with him was he said a lot of stuff about Bobby Heenan. Um, oh, I yeah. think when Bobby was yeah. sick, that was like really bad. I, I'm I'm kind of yeah. curious if they touch on that and um, and yeah, we'll we'll see um, what uh, you know what other things that we don't quite know about about Warrior. But man, this guy was a uh, he was a big big megastar, and he is still one of those. Few there there aren't that many when you when you go ask somebody or when you talk about wrestling with someone that's that's you know thirty to forty ish in that range and you you discuss it with them he's he's in that like oh Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior Jake oh, the yeah. Snake Andre the Giant you know that's some of the names that they they mention he's one and um you know he's definitely troubled but I I do feel in a weird way like wow it was almost like you watch a TV show. And and you can tell it's like oh they're about to that was the series finale right sure because sure. they came in and then the characters sort of feel like they had their story wrapped up and it's like wow that speech that he gave and like being back home seeing him hug Vince and kind of get get his have his peace with Hogan did feel good because through all of his troubles he, I think he was pretty genuine like that's sure. one yeah. thing I don't think you can say he wasn't he genuinely cared about. WWE, WWF, that business, the people in there, and the fans and stuff. Uh, I, I think a lot of, but he was just, he was just really troubled. Yeah, you know, and you know, him losing the title and just running out of the ring. Um, and, and, you know, and just a, a, another thing that we, you know, not just this one, um, but uh, several others. I mean, how often do we see Vince McMahon get emotional on camera? None. This I, is I some of the best stuff Vince has ever said. Dude, I mean, just the ultimate warrior, just this episode. I mean, you could tell how much this guy really, really meant to Vince. And we even Shane, too. You could tell Shane. Yeah, and and we think it's Vince is this guy who just changes everything, who don't don't want the good angles, who don't like this. And then to see him actually be human for once and have feelings. And, you know, look, I I don't care what you think. 
or, or who you've portrayed or painted Vince McMahon to be still a human being and to be in this business, you know, with his father and then continue it and to make it one of the biggest global uh, organizations year in and year out. This guy has to have some sort of ties to people. And it's just, uh, you know, not not to say it, you're happy for it, but it's good to see Vince McMahon. Uh, so passionate about some some of these larger than life characters uh, that had trouble and then come back and uh, it, just a part of the family. Like said, like Shane said, you no one ever got invited over to mm-hmm. dinner at the yep. McMahon house. And when they said that Ultimate Warrior did, I thought, okay, th- this guy really, really meant a lot to Vince McMahon. Yep, and uh, we'll see. Uh, there's going to be a Vince McMahon documentary coming oh, out yeah. soon. The one that's yeah. been in the works that should be. Incredible uh, Coming up next on A&E this week The Foley one, that's going to be great Like Foley just became such a lovable character And I think the one uh, clip that I've seen in the previews That I, lo- uh, I love, he said Yeah, you know, uh, here's the magic trick I'm actually getting hurt <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, this guy, you know, from the ECW uh, You know, National Guard Armory days To being thrown off the top of the hell in the cell by the you know the undertaker and all these crazy bumps and then you know some of his best work was you know dude love and and yes. corporate you know and cactus jack and so it, it's, yeah that, i mean that's just you know uh, compelling to to see uh, the stories behind all this but one last thing with the ultimate war heck i remember him his run as the intercontinental champion and so being good. more rele- relevant than the world heavyweight champion at yep. that time. That's how, that's how big this guy was. But again, week in and week out, uh, there hasn't been one on A&E. Now I, I've tried to get in a couple of these dark side of the rings. I didn't get into the Nick cage. I'm not, I'm not such a, you know, no, that's not me back. either. I, you know, yeah. I, I did watch the, the WCW North Korea one. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because me too. I, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. And I agree. Especially about two cold Scorpio, but trying to kill hawk or animal hawk yeah i mean you know that's just uh and here's scott norton and and all these stories but uh you know there has i mean it's been an a plus on on sunday nights for uh for the any stuff so looking forward to this next one uh coming up on sunday as we said the week was a was a little different this week and it's going to be a little different for i think the next five weeks or so because there is no AEW Dynamite on Wednesday Because of TNT And all of the NBA playoffs right now So uh, they are going to be Moving their show for the For the time being to Friday nights um, And it's going to be late on Friday night And that'll be fun And I'm sure the show will still be good But I, I will say I, I think it really hurt in, in particular In a week like this week with a, a Big pay-per-view coming up I don't feel right now on Thursday afternoon any buzz no, for this no. at all, and maybe Friday night show is good, and and it'll lead into some buzz for the weekend. But just comparing to what it would have been like if there was a Wednesday night show, and it was set us up for a few days, and that everybody kind of talks about everything, how the go home show went, last thing we saw. So this is this is not going to be great for them, and uh, nothing you can do about it. You're on the network. This is, reminds me of the uh, the old. Uh, Westminster dog show on USA, sure. right? They used to, uh, I used to get so mad when that was, I would, oh no, not the dogs again. But uh, 
No, it's not, nothing that they can really do about it at AEW. But this is, yeah, this is going to hurt for the next uh, five, six weeks. Yeah, and you know, it's a, it's a, you know, you you don't feel anything big. The the I, heck, I think the main event of the pay per views probably should be Moxley and Kingston versus the Young Bucks because that's probably one of the better feuds uh, storylines. Though you know, we know Britt uh, is uh, the. Could they do that? Book. I mean that. That is the hottest match, and really, or her the 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 her winning, but she's not really a baby face. I don't know if they would put that. I'm like I'm glad you you brought up that as a topic. I was so sure. curious going through the card what they're going to put as the main event because well I, it's not going to be the tag because I you know Khan has already said that that's probably going to steal the show. And he, he just, he hates that there's going to have to be a match that follows that. Okay. That's why I thought, okay, maybe that could be a, a, the main event, but I am not interested in this world title picture. I mean, look, no. look, how many times has Karrion Cross worked on NXT as the NXT champion or even defended the title on television compared to uh, Omega. Kenny Omega? It's just night and day. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I, I like Orange Cassidy. I, I think Pac is good. He, he's, he's a phenomenal talent, but this has just done nothing. And I think this pay-per-view and then it's, it's on a, the Memorial Day weekend. It hurt. Yeah. It, it just really, really hurts. So I'm curious to see, you know, uh, what they do Friday night to try to, you know, maybe since it's later, they get a little more edgier. On this mm-hmm. go home show, uh, so we'll see what they do. But there is zero buzz. So here we are, a couple of days out, and there is zero buzz. None, none. Zero. And I, I'm with you in that. I when you have someone that's either you know, the, the Rock or you know, I'm just using as an example, who's who's great promos and great on the mic, and you have him doing entertaining segments all the time and not wrestling as much. Not, not, not that the Rock was ever bad in the ring, but but it makes sense with Kenny. He's so good in the ring. Like that's what always yeah. made him the the star that he is. That's why people watch Kenny Omega and and know who he is because of heck this is like the best wrestler in the, of our generation in ring. What he did in New Japan, like doing things that nobody else would even attempt to do and I don't know, it's one of those weird things where it's like if we found out in a month or two that he was a little bit banged up, it wouldn't surprise me. Right, because no, no, he hasn't wrestled as much. You know, this is what you do well. You're a wrestling company. I, I know you want him to be the main event guy, and you don't want to give it away on free TV all the time. But you have to, like, you have to with him. Uh, they they've had three cha- world champions: Jericho, Moxley, and uh, Omega. And uh, of course, you know the first champion is going to get tons of pop, but. I mean, of the three, he's definitely the third, and it just mm-hmm. hasn't meant a whole lot to me uh, being the world title holder, and it should. I mean, that should be your guy, and he is the guy, but, you know, if he's hurt and banged up and they've been, you know, keeping him to the side a little bit, you know, getting ready for a late summer run with Hangman Page, hopefully, or someone else, but why put the Impact world title on you? you yeah, I, I just, again, here we are a couple of days out, and and we're supposed to be hyped up for a pay per view, um, and we're circling back around how bad that uh, each of uh, you know some of these storylines have been, and that is 
one, when you think of Kenny Omega, you think, okay, this is, it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. And it's been really, really flat. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I, I get frustrated with the, with the impact stuff and the new Japan stuff, you know, and, and here we are heading to a pay-per-view and he's working in a triple threat with, with Cassidy and Pac. And uh, maybe, maybe he is hurt. I don't know. Maybe he got injured in the impact match and, but it's just, there's nothing and, there for me right now that says, "Hey, I need to watch this paper." And, and even that, they just announced the the, or I think by accident, they sort of announced one of the uh, commentators posted that Serena Deeb will defend uh, NWA yep. against Riho as the buy-in. But again, it's like you don't <sighs> think there are fifty other people on that roster that would love a shot on Dude. the buy-in, which is a cool thing. Like the buy-in I, and I those pre-shows are great because they're free for everybody. You can all watch them on the YouTube channel. Sometimes they even will have them on, or like will stream stuff of them on TNT or even like one of their channels. And so they're they're kind of cool. They and you get a little rundown of everything. They they're like the free for all used to be in WWE. You know, they try to get you pumped up to buy the pay per view. So that would be a great spot for a million young people on their roster. And I don't. I mean, again, it's. Yeah. You know, and they pull a, a WWE type deal. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, we're adding a thirty-woman casino battle royale too. And, okay, well, huh? Um, it just look the concept so much money. It can't be. You can't just use the old. Oh, well, uh, you know, NWA is paying for all of this. I, 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 I don't. Do they need the money for them to pay? It just makes zero zero cent. It may be a great match. Just really has nothing to do with AEW, you know. No, no. Um, so we talked to Omega, and we would imagine that the Brit Sheeta match is is got to at this point now go the way that we had yes. hoped it was going to go. I mean, yeah. Brit is just one of my favorite. I think your favorite parts of this show each and every week. She has really found her footing, and I mean. She's she feels like man or woman or you know any anyone in this company she's one of the bigger stars this has to be her moment. Uh yeah, I, I mean <laughs> if it's not then uh, there there there's probably little hope for that division. Um yes. You know, I I, I don't care who wins the 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 women's casino battle royale or whatever they call it because I I, I guess they receive a future title shot I guess that's why the, one of the reasons why you're doing it and plus give some people some time uh, on the pay per view or pre show um it, it's an injustice because she's 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 right she has carried this company yeah there, there just hasn't been a lot of buzz uh, for AEW the ratings have been somewhat okay not over the last three or four weeks they haven't but up until that, they've beat NXT week in and week out. And, you know, she was... A lot of the reason. Yeah, man. And, that you know, I'd love to see that main event. It won't. But that needs to be... I'd like to see that the opening match then. And maybe set the tone uh, somehow. And uh, But she needs her moment. And if it doesn't happen now, then it's not going to. I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't really have any issues with, the, with what we've seen from a go-go. I'm just not really that locked into this Cody a go go thing, um, and it, it'll it'll be fine. I just I think I got a little uh, turned off by it with the promo, and and yeah. a lot of people love the promo, and I didn't I didn't hate it. I just thought it was just weird timing, you know. Yeah, I, I, I just 
not not I'm not into that that American dream gimmick type deal now. If you're going to do it, it needs to be done differently. Um, how I don't know, but this was definitely the emotional part. Again, I'm okay with. Um, I, I just thought it was. I just it doesn't work with with this guy being a foreigner uh, from the UK. I, if you're going to do it, you need to do you know somebody else that. Well, that, and that's been really disrespectful or that's had like a real long sure. track standing record of like running down the country, you yes. know, and to where yeah, it every, worked then to where everyone feels like we hate this guy. But it's like, you know, it's it was hard. Cody was having to, a hard time trying to stick up. You know, he was even having to mention politics and we're so divided. But and, and yeah. I like that he's he's being honest, but it just doesn't feel like I don't know. We should have heard that from a go-go then, you know, right? We, yeah. We should, instead of just laying the flag over someone, that that yeah. didn't, that gimmick didn't do anything for me. No. So, um, Cody's a little cold right now. Currently, um, I'm curious with the baby coming soon. Do we get some sort of a, you know, uh, an angle to write him off TV right for a little off. while? You know, like do they, do, they, do they beat down even an Arn? Turn or something um, You know and then Cody comes back In four months after uh, uh, You know and, and he can be Babyface but I do think that They That stipulation of him Not being able to go for the world title It does really hurt him Yeah I was just about to mention that I mean what do you do with that guy I mean it, You gotta he have a match won and ran with the other TNT title for a while Right and which I was okay with yeah. I mean at least it puts him in the ring uh, A lot of times Instead of just doing promos um, I, I just Didn't like that storyline So soon in this Company's history um, not saying That Cody needs the belt anytime soon It just it kind of makes option. him look. Yeah it kind of just makes him Look middle of the road yeah. again You know really WWE ish I'm not saying the stardust type stuff But it just kind of makes him feel Like I, I mean we go from QT Marshall to a go-go. I mean, what, who's next? I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. He does not feel as important as he did a year no. ago. No, no doubt absolutely. about that. Um, the, they got the, the battle Royal gimmick. So I guess I don't really know for the women who's in there for the men. Those, yeah. those have been announced. Um, Christian cage, Matt Seidel, powerhouse Hobbs, Penta, uh, jungle boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Ken, uh, Cassidy, Blade, Evil Uno, Cole Cabana, Preston Vance, Griff Garrison, Pillman Jr., Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, uh, Dustin Rhodes, and Lee Johnson have all been announced so far. Um, I mean, so I so mean you just went through a list of names. Uh, <laughs> who wins that? If, if, if it's not Christian... It has to be. It doesn't make any sense. It does not make zero the, sense. The match has to be for Christian. Like, yeah, this I, match has got to be to get him the title shot and eventually, you know, for, for next for Omega. I just, because there's nobody else in this match that you go through that would make <laughs> any sense whatsoever or I would be remotely excited for unless there are only two. And they don't even make sense from a storyline and getting a world title shot. But I wouldn't be mad if it was Jungle Boy or Pillman Jr. Because I like them in sure. general. But they don't feel like a contender for the world title right now. And Christian doesn't either. But 
he at least feels like someone that we think they want to put in that position. I can't in, unless they do one of those. They have a surprise. Someone, I think there is one. Yeah, yeah, uh, showing up and then the surprise guest wins. Then that could be a possibility. But if it's of this group, I, Christian has to be what one to five odds on running <laughs> Delta down for Broberg this weekend. <laughs> yeah, and, and what are the odds that? I, I don't recall. It, this is not a, like a Royal Rumble, right? They all start in the ring at the same time. Is that right? Uh, right. I, I mean, this is the one where they do with the, the cards. You okay. know? Is so it because it, it, the casino? If yeah, the what, casino gimmick is the jacks, and, you know, so like they've got everybody that's a jack, everybody yeah. that's a queen okay. or whatever, and then they come out in like groups of fours or fives, yeah. which it's too convoluted, even. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm just going down the road. What's what's the odds that he, you know, he's the first to enter, you know, does an edge type deal. Um, I, they can't be that, you know, blatant about it. But it, it, the, like I said, the names you just read through. I mean, if this is not for Christian to win, to elevate him, because his, you know, his storyline with Team Taz right now, you talk about flat. I mean, this is the guy that, remember, he debuted on a pay-per-view but didn't speak. He just came to the ring, and we had to wait three or four days for him to actually cut a promo. Um, so I thought it started off on the wrong foot, but this is definitely a match he ha- he probably needs to win. Yeah, has to win this thing. Um, probably the same for, uh, for Hangman Page versus Cage. Yeah. Yeah. We'd imagine that this is where he probably gets back on track with a win, and then... Maybe you get him, you know, if he beats Cage here, you could have a, a rubber match, um, a, you know, in, in, in a month. And then maybe that gives you Christian versus Omega as a good TV match somewhere. And then you could start because their big show is, what, September? Yes. Yeah. So then that would put us in maybe the end of June, early July, which would give you two months to start going for that page Versus Omega I mean that seems to make sense It seems to be the direction they're heading Because Paige should be the guy I just you know I hope He needs to win here he needs to look good And then then he needs to be a little bit more prominent on TV Because I think they've tried to Cool him off a little bit And that could get dangerous sometimes Yeah And if he goes over Cage which you probably should Then you go okay why did he lose to Cage You know if they were building it up To just a rematch, I just, you know, and then after he's built, you know, the 2B part going back to Omega, Omega has to defend the Impact World title sooner or later I, I, to Moots. He became the number one uh, contender. And so, then their Slammiversary is not yeah, long, like, after that too, you know. I think that's where he's, you know, going to defend the title and how bad does that look? I mean, Omega can't keep the Impact title forever. Is he just going to give it up? If he, I mean, if he loses to someone that's... We, I think we talked about this too. Like, Swan and some of the current uh, Impact talent are fine. There there are some... Actual, like, the show's actually really good. Like, a lot of the time when you watch it, there's a, it's the women's division's excellent. Yeah, but yeah. Um, they don't feel like as big a star as Kenny Omega. And no. so him losing to one of them... You know, like if he lost to a Samoa Joe, someone like that, I don't know, it wouldn't feel like that big of a deal. No. But it, it it's uh that's why I, I'm just not a big fan of interpromotional 
uh, promotion uh, storylines where there's a champion on your roster who becomes the champion on the other roster because sooner or later he's going to lose that title. And if he's just got to hand the title back over, it was all for nothing. What the hell did it do for Impact and it, it, for abs- for the next yeah. champion? Like the you only know? thing this is going to do is for the guy who beats Omega. And yeah. the problem is there's not a great option. Like there's no, no like. You, you look around, and I think that's kind of one of the problems that WWE is having uh, with Roman right now. I don't think it's a problem for them because Roman hasn't had the title long enough to where you, you're even wanting to do it. But who would be the guy from Impact that you're like, I'm the company guy? Is it Eddie Edwards? You know, he got hurt just recently, sure. too, I think right. the other day. Um, I, like, that's the problem. There's no young up-and-comer that you could say, okay— they're building to like in two months that guy's going to beat Kenny Omega and then it's going to do a really good like for him for this guy's career it'll help you know sell a bunch of pay-per-views for impact i don't you know it's like they're they did this without a long-term plan and now you're whoever you kind of shoehorn into that spot eventually it's not going to be the right person no and look i i, I i'm not a big fan of moose i mean he's good I, he's been there for a while um you know, if you wanted to create buzz, though, you know, why not let like someone like Matt Cardona, you know, win that spot? At least he's got a legitimate following. Now, yes. you don't in reality, he, you know, oh, he's going to beat. But, you know, maybe you build this guy up like, hey, he was a laughing stock at one time. Uh, he got it together. But, you know, circling it back around to AEW. That's why I just I, I think it's it's really hurt them by putting mm-hmm. their hands in all these other different promotions because when you can't get your own stuff right and you bring in another company, then it starts making your your, your players on your rosters just not good enough. And uh, finishing the Hangman Page stuff, Hangman Page Omega has to be uh, look. It does no good Omega going over there. And- Losing to anyone on Impact and giving that Impact title back, but you're gonna have to get it off of him somehow, some way. I don't. And care. maybe it's Paige. Yeah. Maybe Paige gets involved in that match. It could and, be. And and at, but the, but again, like that's great for your storyline for for <laughs> AEW. But like, what does that do for the guy who beats Kenny? Not clean for Impact. Yeah, and I, I just. If you're going to bring those guys over there, why wouldn't you want Moose or somebody coming over, over to AEW? I, and it making makes an no sense. They two. don't they even mention the title. Two. They no, never mention never that he's have. the champ. I know it's very it's very strange. Yeah, um, it one man who is the new champ is the TV, uh, the TNT now going to be TBS champ uh, <laughs> Mir- Miro. I mean, we, you can just say TV champ, right? You know, yeah, but oh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think Miro has a match on Friday night against Dante Martin, um, and then uh, Miro will uh, the winner of that will face Lance Archer. I can't imagine they want to take this off of Miro, but Miro Archer should be a, a, a good big man match. It's just. They've been so all over the place with Archer. I mean, yeah. damn, over the last couple months, it was like, it looked like he was feuding in a tag team main event match against Moxley. It looked like, he, or against Omega. It looked like he was going to be like a guy that they were going babyface and putting in with Omega. Then he's doing the Sting stuff. Now he's here. He's just been really all over the place. Yeah. You know, and then I think one time he helped Sting out in one of those run-ins. I, I get lost with all of those run-ins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just thought this would have been something 
better built. You know, Miro wins a, a great match. He, he's done two really good promos. Uh, I, I thought this could probably be built better than Omega's world title defense. Uh, you know, it's something new. It's two big guys. Uh, you've got the Jake card, even though it really doesn't matter all as much anymore. But I guess Archer kind of needs somebody to help him get over uh, I, I just thought this one probably could have used a little bit more time. I don't know how good the match is going to be, but Miro, uh, we waited, what, eight, seven, eight months to see this. So I, I'm sure we're going to get uh, an A-plus Miro uh, um, showing. Yeah. You know, at least, at least. The final couple matches coming up uh, this weekend for Double or Nothing, uh, we've got the big stadium stampede match, um, which, you know, this we'll see how they go with it. Um, the... Pinnacle has been taking the approach that this is not going to be some funny, goofy like match like last <laughs> year's was. They've been saying it's going to be more serious. So, um, I mean, this will be entertaining. This this stuff has been one of my favorite parts of the show. I didn't love the blood and guts match and the ending. Uh, I thought didn't hit really home. And but but for the most part, like I like what they're doing with MJF. Um, I just don't. It just does really feel like it's kind of MJF versus Jericho, yes. you know, and everybody else kind of feels like they've been taking a back seat. Maybe we get a little Sammy here and there cutting some promos and stuff, but this, yeah, I mean, it does just feel like Jericho and his guys versus MJF and his guys, which is fine and it's entertaining. Um, so this will, I'm, I'm, I have really no idea what they're going to do with this or, or how this is going to go. No, uh, yeah, and I don't know which way I want it to go. You would think, no. uh, if I was betting, I would bet that the inner circle probably breaks up. Um, you know, Swagger has just been a, a bore. You know, Sammy Guevara is so talented. Um, you know, it looks like they needed to put him with someone. Um, Santana Ortiz, you know, they, they've always been really good together as a tag team. And then you look over at the pinnacle, you know, FTR is who I feel bad. Sean Spears. I mean, we've heard so much about how good Sean Spears was and he finally got released and he comes over here and it's just been flopping around and here's FTR. They come over hot. They get the titles. They lose the titles and they've really haven't been much of anything after that. And we're, we're probably going to get a lot of blood. You know, we're going to get this or we're going to get a couple of spots uh, jumping off the of stage. They're, they're going to go into, you know, the football stadium. They're, they're, they're going to do something. Heck, somebody's probably going to have a Tebow jersey on or, uh, right. sooner or later. It's going to be a oh, crazy yeah. spot. I just, you know, if Pinnacle wins, I, I, I mean, do you still Jericho MJF? I know Jericho's got uh, a Fozzie tour Touring. coming up. But, yeah. you know, AEW only works one night a week, even though they're going on the road. You know, you would think probably Pinnacle wins this match. The final two, uh, we got Sting and Darby versus Scorpio and Ethan. Um, as far know. as continuing this feud and what would be the right thing, Scorpio and Ethan, if you want to make these guys feel important, they, need to they, win. they have to win, and then you can tell a story and a comeback story. But if they don't win, if this is just a clean victory for Darby and Sting, these guys are done, and they're back on dark and, and AEW dark elevation. 100%. Uh, I think we touched on this last week or, yep. or the last couple of weeks with, with Paige and Sky. You know, <laughs> Sky leaves uh, uh, a tag SCU. team. you, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then, 
you know, I don't mind the hill turn. And then they pair him up with Paige, who had a debut in the in the ladder match uh, gimmick. Um, they have to win. I mean, if you want to, if, if you're trying to save Sting and he doesn't want to take the pin, or you know, or vice versa with Darby. I think Paige Sky goes over, and then you can start a Sting Darby program. Um, you can which, start the cracks in, in them, you know. Yeah, which yeah. is it's more compelling to me than than what Sting has been brought over here with. What I, I mean, how it just again we've mentioned it week in and week out with Sting on these segments every week. What has he done? Nothing. The ratings have not been great. They've been okay. They haven't been great. Make Sting that guy. That I want to buy the pay per view to see Sting. Sting. I'm not buying the pay per view to see this match at no. all. Not Sting, interested. Sting Darby is the money match to get there. Now you've said enough of the the scene, and yeah. and yeah. Darby's been very good. He's been one of the highlights. He's been one of the the best rating Fantastic. demos, and people love uh, love tuning in for him. So yeah, let let's make this about him and Sting moving forward. They should lose here. That way you keep Scorpio and Ethan strong, and then make this. Go to a Sting, Darby, Scorpio, and Ethan can be another tag in your division. A strong tag moving forward. Get a big win over them. Um, And then we get Young Bucks versus Mox and Kingston. I I can't imagine the Young Bucks lose this match. It it should be good. It should be fun. There'll be some good spots. There'll be some hardcore stuff. But uh, there'll probably be some shoes, uh, some Jordans, (laughs) you know, in the the mix. But, um, yeah, I'm curious. With this, the Omega... The Britt Baker and then I guess The Stadium Stampede match Any one of them Theoretically could be the main event You've said that Khan had already said that he Thinks that something else may have to go after this So if this is at the beginning Or in the middle I'm curious where they uh, Where they finish off but I'm not like against this match I don't have any Problems with it I just don't really feel Like they're um, a, a threat to Take the tag titles no, and as big as the star Moxley is, you would think, uh, you know, again, I just don't, they, I, they did this build up it just in an odd way where they're, they're trashing locker rooms. Uh, I thought the, you know, the stealing of the shoes w- was okay. It's better than, you know, than going to their limousine or bus or their trailer and tearing it up. No, they just don't feel like a good tag team champion. And again, if if you give the titles to Moxley and Kingston, I mean, how many, no offense, how many other than the Bucks and maybe FTR, how many other tag teams are going to work well with that style? I, I, I think the Young Bucks retain. I think they probably maybe get some help with the Good Brothers. Uh, I, I I think that those titles need to stay with the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks are are, are uh, as a tag team, uh, more interesting to me than Moxley and Kingston. So we will head on over and start talking a little uh, WWE. Uh, tough week again, Coop. It's been uh, a few of these over the last month, month and a half, where there have been a lot of releases. I think I've seen in like the 35 to 40 range of WWE employees let go. Sure. Um, the one that we know was Adnan Verk, who actually came the the Current Monday Night Raw announcer who actually came out And said it was more mutual for him And with the schedule and now they're going to be touring And stuff coming up but um, He yeah he didn't seem Like he was like connecting Now again any job you do Like you're gonna, it's going to take a little time And, and sure. he, didn't, he didn't really go down to NXT like some of the other announcers do And and and, and figure it out He was immediately thrust right into Monday Night Raw uh, right with Vince I'm sure chirping in your ear over and over And over again but 
Uh, always bummer to see weeks like this where a lot of people, like a lot of people on the digital side who had been working on WWE.com and sort of like created that and they do some really fun, good things there. Um, they all lost their jobs too. So yeah, um, some of the even even for a company like WWE that makes a lot of money and that signs a lot of these big deals, still some of the impact of a, a year of of no travel, of no shows, of um, of not making as much money as you could have. Yeah, um, you know, I I, I like uh, you know when you talk about guys who come in and you know I thought it was an interesting hire anyway. Uh, look, you can be a wrestling fan all your all your life. Like I have, I, I mean, I couldn't get on there. I, I could probably talk my way through some of this stuff, but I mean, this is your life, pal. I mean, there's millions mm-hmm. watching. Um, it, it's just a, it, it's a tough gig. Um, and then we hear uh, earlier today, Tom Phillips, Tom Phillips has been, has been let go. Uh, this is a guy that's, uh, whether you like him or not, um, some thought he was good at, at his job. He was like the their create an announcer. Sure, sure. Like like you know you create a wrestler in the video game. He was like the <laughs> one that they they brought up. They brought into NXT. He had all the verbiage that they want from the very beginning. He had that tone, that excitement, even the look. That kind of like a look that a lot of announcers have had through the years. And now he's out. So. um yeah, yeah, I think is it, it look, Nick Nick Khan's the guy who is now been yeah. kind of making a lot of the decisions over the last year or so. Yeah, and and again, here we go. You know, Jimmy Smith. Uh, there's a lot of people who are not going to know who Jimmy Smith is. I was a big, big Bellator MMA fan for years and years and years. I was close to taking a job with them probably, uh, you know, several years ago when they got they got going. Then they. You know, Bjorn Rebney, who was the CEO and the matchmaker behind all that, sold 49% of it to Viacom. And then eventually they bought him out. So I would have been out of a job. So long story short, Jimmy Smith was uh, the color guy for Bellator. And he's really, really good. Jimmy Smith's had shows on uh, where he travels the world and uh, works and uh, does different workouts and and different uh, mixed martial arts type uh, stuff. You know he's he's been in some promo videos. He he had some good lines uh, in the Carrion Cross uh, Finn Balor uh, promo that we yeah. raved about. But then again, you know you're sticking the guy on Monday night. You know fan or not, you know it's uh, it's it's difficult. And uh, you know he gets thrown into the fire uh, coming up on Monday night. Let's get over to SmackDown. Some things to take from uh, from the show. So um, Boogs. Rick Boogs, <laughs> Eric Boogenhagen, who this guy is really entertaining. If you've ever just seen him, he popped up on NXT a few times here or there, and he's been great. He's great in social media. He is, he's got a funny, just like a, a good comedic sense to him. Um, anything he says or does, you sort of laugh. And he accompanies Nakamura to the ring. He plays him out. Oh. And um, Nakamura gets the uh, the win over Corbin, and Nakamura had been hilarious all week long on social media with the crown, posting different pictures of him. He got, he posted his vaccination shot with, with, the, <laughs> yeah. with the crown, and uh, so you know what I I'm enjoying this sort of mid card feud, and I do think that they're 
probably teasing and setting us up for an eventual King of the Ring tournament coming soon. I hope. Um, you know, we talked about it last week. You brought it up. I, it's one of my. You know, I'm a tournament guy. I, I uh, like to see brackets, and I, I thought that's that's you know, and you get guys who win that thing who you really don't think should win it. You know, of course, Baron Corbin. I'm a Baron Corbin guy, and I think this has been a great feud. It's been somewhat fresh. You know, he came over to Raw a couple of times and did some things. I like Shinsuke. It's something where it's okay to use good guys in different storylines other than, you know, a a title storyline, a title gimmick. And this is a perfect example doing it. You don't see that happening on Raw. You see it happening on SmackDown, and uh, so far it's been a uh, it's been a huge hit. Yeah, we uh, got, out of it. They, I, I'm I've enjoyed it so far. It's given both of these guys something to do, and then one of them that can get the upper hand in the feud can move on and be a contender for a title. You know, either the main title or one of the upper card or you know IC or whatever, however you want to do it. Um, I, I've enjoyed it, and I, I want to see more boogs on my uh, <laughs> on my TV. Uh, we had the the funny kind of like parade of champions thing they did at the beginning of the show, and then uh, then uh, we got Roman um, who was interrupted by Cesaro, and then Rollins just yeah. beat down Cesaro. Um, he gets laid out on the stretcher, and then he goes after him again. So, I, based on what we saw here, I think we're probably getting a Seth Cesaro Hell in a Cell. Do you think we're going that way, or do you think we're getting because that like he he asked Roman, but I don't know if that's going to end up end up actually working out that, like they've said it like Seth's involvement in this is is like him and Cesaro seem like they've got more of the blood feud than right. than Roman and Cesaro do. I wouldn't be shocked if we end up seeing Roman maybe in the cell with the one of the Usos, or maybe not even in a cell or something with. With Uso, but yeah, it, after, like I just got the feeling after this that if there was any match that felt like it was best suited for a cell, it felt like it would be Cesaro Rollins. Yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, you know, so Reigns beats Cesaro in a really good match. We have a really good build up, and and he wins the match. I think they they've done really well here and not forcing the Cesaro I mean how can you give Cesaro an immediate rematch he lost clean he lost clean Uh, regardless of how good it was he cannot get an immediate rematch so you bring you bring in Seth Rollins got the blood feud this still keeps Cesaro important right Mm -hmm. it it still keeps him uh you know in in the picture um he's interrupting Roman still hey you know I haven't you know, I gave you one of your best matches ever. You, yeah, you did beat me. Um, I, I look, I, I, I want to see Roman and one of the Usos. Yes. Um, you know, um, they they're wanting a, a, a title shot now. Roman gets upset. Uh, he didn't you, ask me. You're, you're yeah, you go Jimmy. Stuff. You go Jimmy, right? Because J- right. Jay had the one against. Him before when they've teased the yes. he, he he was gonna quit and he and he you know so you have something to build it there you go Jimmy you put Jay in the position where Jimmy was before where he has to you know um, throw in the white flag for or the white towel for his brother you know something like that and that should be cool I think yeah are we gonna get an USO tag match coming up this week is that something that's gonna be being led to they teased it last week and then Sonya sort of said. 
Who knows they're going to keep building it But I like The moving pieces and I like how Sonya and Roman And Heyman uh, And the Usos And Seth and Cesaro are all kind of Intertwined Yeah and it makes you want to watch What's mm-hmm. happening next right yep. It's kind of like binge watching Shit's Creek Or yeah. whatever you've done what, Whatever you know Series you're watching and it's it's not long You know it's it's a 30 minute show And on Netflix or Hulu or what have you It's like what 18 22 minutes Something like that and you're like okay I want to see the next one and they've just done Such a good job with it uh, You feel like I, I, I don't know if they need that tag Match this week or not Um you know, Roman stopping it is it makes it even more compelling. Like, of hey, you, yeah, you know, and, and I just this has elevated all of them. And, you know, like, you know, you talked about it last week. They all could work each other and have excellent matches and we would all be invested in it because you've had so many moving parts and all of them are so good in and out of the ring. And it's got to be leading to eventually the Roman Seth. You know, oh, like sure. that—that's yeah. the big one. Whether that's SummerSlam, you know, or whenever they want to do that, it does. Like, set somebody's gonna have to turn, right? They're both yes. pretty healy right now, so there's gonna have to be a big moment for, like, a come to Jesus moment for uh, the former uh, uh, savior of Monday Night Raw, uh, Seth Rollins, or you know, what, whatever they're going to do. But that—that that feels like you know they've been teasing it too much already, and uh, and I like it. Like it, he does feel like one of the guys that. Is a big WWE star That's on Roman's level And if you yeah. told me you put Seth in a match with Roman At a big pay-per-view I would actually feel like Seth could have a shot to win that Especially if he was like Playing the, the role of the company guy Then you know Yeah and, and look you have the backstory Already built up minus you know John Moxley you know You, mm-hmm. you have the shield stuff The NXT they all live trained Eight together um, you know, and you have that build. I don't know if they wait until WrestleMania next year for that, uh, if they push it up, uh, but it's sure going to be on one of the big pay per views. I, I don't think you're going to get uh, that match in one of these in between type deals because that's a that's a ma- that's a headlining match there uh, for a big pay per view for uh, Rollins and Reigns. SmackDown ended with a a really good fatal four way for the uh, the IC title. And we got the um, reintroduction of Alistair Black, who um, attacks Big E, and Apollo Cruz is able to take care uh, of the victory there. So that should set up a Big E Alistair Black feud moving forward. So I mean, you know, we come out of a show like this where uh, we we have a lot of things that we like. We we feel the same way about NXT. And and then you know we look at a lot of the feuds going on in, in AEW and even on Raw that we're not nearly as hot about, but four or five things on the show. I didn't even mention Bianca at all and and Bailey. Um, you know that stuff has been is really fun. Um, we've got what's going to happen moving forward with Big E. You've got the tag stuff there, the Usos with Reigns, with uh, with Rollins, with Cesaro in the mix there. Um, who knows when Edge is going to show back up? I think he is. Been promoted um, As being there for when the fans Are back so and I think Sasha too So if we don't see them in the next month They will be back probably around that time Things feel good on the Smackdown side Oh it's it's look it's it. I I know Raw is the flagship Three hours but I I have uh, I'm more compelled if I had to Skip a show I you know if I can Only watch Smackdown or Raw this is a No brainer for me Um, 
because as we get into Raw again, it just felt rematchy. Yep. You know, it, it's same uh, thing. I, Retread, yeah, Re- it, rerun it just, of last week. Why? Why? It felt like you know uh, the the post Raw after a pay per view. It, it seemed like we were getting the same matches, and though there some some of the matches are good, it's just well, you know I, I don't know. Again, you know I'm compelled. Uh, with the uh, the RK Bro stuff, um, I like you know, that. I like this week was different too. Seeing it was really different, and in, in, in to see Riddle, you know, get that look in his eye, the that heelish look, yeah, yeah man. And, and with that RKO and kind of you know turn heelish a little bit on Xavier, that was that was a good spot for me for Raw. That was that's that's it, it, I'm. Remembering what all Raw had on Monday night, that is the one thing that comes to mind is that storyline right there. Nothing else has been, you know, that compelling to me. It's just been meh. No, and, and, and it's like, okay, I, I'm fine with Kofi being inserted into the, the main event stuff here, but it's like, sure. if you're going to do this, why not just give me three weeks or a month of Kofi stacking some wins? Yeah. Like, just the guy's been losing to Jackson Riker, you know what I mean? And like, in. <laughs> In these like like tag roll ups, and now we're supposed to treat him again like a main eventer, even though and when he was in Kofi Mania, that was a great run. We loved it. It was you know it was good stuff. But just it's not that hard. Give him a few weeks of a couple wins, and then when he wins here, it doesn't feel as just where, where the hell did this come from? Because um, I I feel bad for Drew because he's another one of those guys. It's like Drew and Lashley feel like this has just been going on forever. Oh man, I, I think I think Raw has whoever is deciding everything. I, it just feels like they think we have short term memory, right? It, it just feels they think like we're stupid. They really do. That that's that's what I get watching Monday Night Raw. They think that like, oh, okay, Charlotte, Oscar, yeah, it was a good match, or hey, it's uh, it's it's Lashley and Drew again. Um, I guess they just think we don't care. We're gonna watch it anyway. And uh, I, I just I've I mean Shelton Benjamin and, and Cedric again too. It's yeah. like again, that's fine. Yeah. I like it. Build it. Let him have a good match at a pay per view where yeah. you can give him fifteen to twenty. But where it's meaningful. Yes, we've had it a few times. The same thing over and over. Um, Charlotte Oscar, you know, over and over and over. Then, like, how stupid? Like, who, who is Rhea Ripley? I, like, dude, now she's a face and then a heel. And she doesn't remember she's in a beat the clock match. She forgets. And then she's, and then Nikki Cross, who is really good too. I'm glad to see her back. She looks like she's in great shape right now, too. Like, right. But then she's celebrating like she just won the match when all she was able to do was like hold on for two minutes and get beat, beat up for those two minutes. Like she's celebrating like she won the world title. Like none of this. Was good or hit home with no. the women there, and I, you know Charlotte Rhea is going to be a damn good match again. But I don't want to get to the point where we're doing the same thing, and two months from now, you and I are talking about the seventh Charlotte Rhea match recently, and it loses all of its luster. Yeah, because doing this match, uh, I just unless. I don't even know. It's just it's just really, really frustrating. Unless you're going to yeah. work on uh, Charlotte losing in a way that I, I think it it 
if Charlotte goes over and wins this title, Rhea is done on the main roster. I agree. She's it's in some over. Big trouble. She is. You're, we're not going to get behind her. She's not a badass anymore. She was a badass in NXT. And then she got that push. You know, she wins the title. It wasn't the best match of his, her career. And it's kind of just kind of flopped in the wind. Unless you're going to turn Sonya this quick and have her cause some kind of issue with Charlotte. I don't see that happening now because I think Sonya's doing a really good job. It's kind of, yeah. still, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I really, really feel bad for Rhea. She is, though she has the title, it has done absolutely nothing for her. You know, AJ Styles loses uh, to Jack. It's like, God. this is one of the guys that you really protect and you do a great job of not having him lose these meaningless matches and now the last couple months he's lost a few and it's like people still like AJ a lot and think of him as a big deal and as a legitimate threat when you put him in singles matches because you protected him. He doesn't like he's not stupid. I don't like this. It makes o- Omos look stupid. Yeah. Like this was yeah. this was bad. Yeah, I don't think the you know, for a minute I was intrigued with AJ and Omos. I, I didn't think if you're going to have a a bodyguard type enforcer with you. Don't give them the tag team title, especially a guy who's not going to work very often. Right. I just, you know, let AJ wear both titles and say, you know, I, I'm the tag team champion. You know, I, I just, it, it again, these roll-ups make me sick. I, I know I it it's it lazy. Happens. It's just lazy. Stop doing it. It, it just, I, I don't care outside interference or nothing. It just, it seems like Raw can't get out of the race. I, I, I guess the only saving grace is they're, they're, they're hitting the road here uh, over the next month. And maybe that kind of changes some things. Which scares me about the next month. Because yes. now I'm worried, like, are they going to just not want to give anything away and just save any good stuff for the crowd a month from right. now? And are we going to get retread, retread, retread for the next three or four Monday Night Raws? Yeah, because you think next, probably Randy Orton's probably going to work uh, Xavier in yep. a match. Yep. You know, so that's probably coming, but we're kind of in no man's land right now. Kind of in a territory where it's like, it's not good. Um, the the ratings dropped a little too uh, from last week, I think down before 11%. Too long, before too long, uh, look, that NFL Hall of Fame game is here before you know it. I know. Live. And is. once that starts, it's Monday nights are are going to be locked in, especially now with everybody back in stadiums. People want to watch the games more. And just summer too, right? Like the weather gets warmer. People are out doing stuff more than they are just sitting at home watching TV every night. Um, Yeah, yeah, they're in some trouble. Uh, Evolution. We'll see what happens with her. (laughs) She continues to uh, have her. uh, I'm just curious which way they go because you know what? She's, She's a heat magnet one way or the other. You know, you stick her as like a a manager or a valet with someone. I think she could do a really good job. Um, I don't know, and and we'll see if she's improved her in ring work. But she will definitely get a reaction when she comes out there. Yeah, or uh, you know, somebody made a good point. Have you know, have her put somebody over right. put her in a story. Eva doesn't have to win. I think no. people want her to lose. And she's the type of character that can lose, but put her in a storyline with somebody you're trying to put over. Somebody and, new, and, yeah. and let that. Yeah, that that's. But you know, she's caused a lot of buzz. You know, I, I don't know when we're getting her. It's been the same promo the last two weeks. I, you know, there's been some different ones the first couple of weeks, but the last two weeks have kind of been the same thing. So, uh, 
you know, we, we didn't get uh, Alexa Bliss Monday night because poor thing, uh, she had one of her beloved animals die. Um, her pig, if you follow Alexa Bliss on uh, social media, she's, you know, had this pig, Larry Steve, for several years. And uh, he passed over the weekend and she had the night off. So we didn't get that, even though we had the lights go out, you know, on NXT type deal. Yeah. I thought maybe we would see that on Raw, but uh, with her off, you know, it, it look, it seems like Alexa Bliss is probably going to win those women tag team titles right. for too long. I know it's going to happen. Alexa and Nadal. We'll, we'll see <laughs> what happens there. Um, I thought uh, another good episode of the NXT, though, as we uh, we finish up here with NXT, they, um, you know, they show off their women's division at the very beginning, right off the bat. Shotzi and Ember get the win. And I think, you know, we'll start to to see uh, a feud, you know, being led to with uh, with Dakota and Raquel. Yeah, um, I was glad I was glad that Raquel didn't take the pin because they're notorious for letting champions take the pin. And I went, oh, my gosh, they did something right. That was good. Um, again, NXT, man, uh, solid as you get. Um, that that uh, Raquel being the champion, I'm okay with, with her being that tag match because her and Dakota go hand in hand. Yeah, you, it, it's coming, and I think it'll be a good build. I, I don't think she wins the title from Raquel. Um, and it's a compelling storyline. I use the word compelling a lot because I, I, inv- I want to invest in a storyline because it makes the match that much better for me. And I think that would be a very good match because she's a former champion too. And, uh, I was okay with her Dakota getting the roll up. Uh, she gets, yeah, pinned, uh, totally and agree. And then they beat them down, man. It, you know, what's interesting Shotzi of all people when the WWE signed you know, these indie wrestlers a couple of years ago, she was the one that does not look like a WWE superstar, right? She has just came over to NXT and it's just been literally nonstop. And Bravo Great. to show they, they could get, like, she's a type that could get real goofy or corny with the, with the, with the WWE presentation sometimes. She's been excellent. She's yeah. been really, really good. And, um, we got a uh, Pete Dunn versus Bobby Fish. Um, Fish back. Fish solid, solid in the ring. And Pete Dunn gets the win. And Lorcan's out there with him afterwards. And this will set up, uh, I believe, next week what William Regal announced that we are going to get a triple threat match. Um, and the winner is going to be the NXT title, uh, NXT championship content- number one contender. It's going to be uh, Pete Dunn. Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano. So, um, you you look at any three of them would make sense. Dunn's had his, uh, you know, his recent comments. Um, we think that O'Reilly could be put right in there, or even Gargano with some of the recent stuff with uh, Austin Theory. If they just want to get like a a win for Cross and not have to worry about like you know hurting one of these two who who probably are more legitimate contenders as far as taking a title. So you know, I, I could see either one. I actually wouldn't even be shocked if it was Gargano. Yeah, you, you know, do you see Cross and Pete Dunn? Eh, Pete Dunn doesn't talk a whole lot, even though he did a good an interview a couple of weeks ago. Um, it, it's interesting that they put Gargano in that match because he just lost the title. So 
I, I go with the way sometimes WWE thinkings. I, I think it could be Gargano. Yep. Um, or, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, you know, because they've he's had a, a little run in or two with Karrion Cross. So any one of them would be good. I, you know, I, I just don't want to see Pete Dunn and Karrion Cross right now. I think Pete Dunn is good as a heel he is right now. And I know Gargano's kind of a he's a heel, but he's more of a comedic heel and, and can work in the ring. Um, that would play off all three little guys, you know, even though Pete Dunn's a bruiser weight, uh, what he calls himself, they're, they're kind of little guys. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Whoever wins the match is going to be fantastic. It'll, it'll tear the house down, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, cross, you know, going up against a, another littler guy, so to speak for the championship. I, um, Oh, the DiBiase Grimes, um, feud yeah. has been, Great and and actually a lot like a lot of it I liked their interactions. I was just a little confused the way they they sort of left it because um so DiBiase comes out and and him and Grimes are interacting in the ring and D- Grimes says something along the lines you know I looked up to you you know you told me that because you have money you could treat people like garbage you know and uh, <laughs> and and then DiBiase. Actually tries to tell him a lesson that you know it's it's actually more about what you do in the ring and this and that and so it felt like they were about to have this come together moment. La Knight interrupts them, who I actually like. We both like La Knight quite a bit, but um, then it looked like he wants to associate himself with DiBiase, and then he ends up attacking Grimes. So DiBiase kind of leaves with La Knight, and was he playing a trick on Grimes all along? Um, I think that this this makes Grimes a baby face, but yeah. I'm I was it, it felt like it was a little convoluted at the end. I'm kind of curious if we're gonna go to a do Grimes and DiBiase eventually go together? Does he get does Grimes just get some comeuppance on L.A. Knight? Um, I'm, I'm just now I'm curious where it's going to go. I liked a lot of the, their interactions in the ring and thought they were really funny back and forth. Um, but I'm yeah I just kind of scratching my head a little bit because I was sort of weirded out. Yeah, we, we, we've been talking about how's this, you know, not to jump the shark, but it, hopefully this wasn't a jump the shark moment for this storyline because it's been really, really fun. Um, what it, how, how does it end, right? We're always wanting to know how things end before it even gets to the halfway point. I, I hope they don't turn Grimes into the lonesome loser type character. Um, it felt like uh, he, he was the little kid who looked up to his idol uh, you know, DiBiase there laughing at him at the end. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I, I just, I, I don't know. I was hoping maybe we'd see the return of the million dollar belt and let Grimes have that and defend it each week and beat jobbers and do this and do that. But, you know, again, if you put, you know, we're, we're going to get an LA Knight and Grimes match and somebody's got to lose probably. And, and those LA two guys loses, shouldn't be losing right now. They shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Neither yeah. one of them should be losing. And I feel like that Grimes is going to be the loser of this. I um, I will say I've never been the biggest Bronson Reed guy, but I, I thought he looked like a, a, a star. I thought he sounded oh. pretty good. He looked yeah. really good. And uh, and then you got Escobar coming out there. I'm I'm very intrigued by this feud immediately. And um, these are two guys that you would have told me a year ago. That I was interested in, I would have said, eh, but I am. I think they've done a great job. Bronson looked and sounded like a star. He sounded genuine. And uh, I thought Fantasmo Del Legato 
they'll they'll do a good job of being a good heel foil for Bronson. This is like this is good, and I think anytime Escobar's out there, I actually or in a feud, I kind of believe that he can win, even though he yeah. won't. You know, yeah. like I don't think he's gonna take this title immediately, but there's always a part of me that goes, hmm, maybe, you know, because <laughs> he presents himself so well, like such a star. It just goes to show you how well and how different a world is NXT is from the main roster. It may those champion those title holders on Tuesday nights in NXT, all those belts mean something. Bronson Reed, that title means that, that you know the match with Gargano and then him coming out this week and, and giving the uh, a promo uh, and being interrupted. It it make it it's more important than than the AWE world title with Omega. It just yeah. does. It just these title these title holders on NXT they feel more important. They're on TV more. They work more meaningful matches. They're they're in better promos and. and that's why NXT is just better to me. And uh, like you said, you haven't been the big biggest Bronson Reed fan. He's won you over. That was a good match for Gangano, and uh, he felt personable last uh, on Tuesday night. Couple more things to discuss before we let Chad go. Um, Frankie Monet looked it. great. They are they're setting her up as a badass, right? Yeah, they showed how it. tough she is. I think her presentation from the beginning has been really, really good. And they've teased like three or four different feuds with her. Um, yeah, they could kind of inject her in, in a couple different spots. Yeah, they just hit a home run. Look, she's a, she's always been a star and one of the nicest human beings on the planet. Um, it, it's just, it fits perfect in NXT. Um, that's the way you debut someone that has that big of uh, uh, an entrance and a name. You know, we, we were teased with the dog, and now, you know, we, we got several promos from her over the last couple of weeks, and just a memorable entrance. Uh, she was just so extra, and uh, they did it right. You know, she's not in a silly gimmick where she comes out and, and loses or gets caught up in a situation where it's like, well, that was a – how many times have we seen, a, a, a you know, someone debut and it just be kind of screwy? It was just wet, really well done, and she is so good in so many ways. Uh, she makes she makes her opponent look good too. She's just a, a great human being in and out of the ring. The hit row segment, man, they just keep coming off like stars. A uh, good little vignette good. with all of them. I mean, uh, home again, like home run with the presentation. Just example: Frankie Monet and Hit Row, two new yes. acts that they haven't done anything wrong with so far. No. Again, it just seems night and day And, you know, maybe you don't have to get Approval from this person or that person And it's, you know, it's a different platform, I guess On Mondays and Fridays Which it shouldn't be But, uh, you know, and then you think Okay, Vince says, well, why aren't your ratings better? You know, Hunter I just, <laughs> look, I know ratings mean a lot But uh, NXT is hitting home runs uh, Week in and week out And, uh Th those two debuts, putting Swerve in a group, probably saved his character from just being a guy who is in good matches and putting putting other people over. Uh, I, I think it probably saved him and, and now has elevated him somewhat uh, where he can start calling some people out and one day uh, uh, be the NXT champion. And we got a, speaking of NXT champion, a really good NXT title match oh, a, yeah. few a few months ago the gripe with Cross Was 
you know, yeah, we hadn't seen him have these kind of banger NXT takeover main event title matches. So in, until you see it, you don't know if somebody can really do it. But he showed. I think that that isn't that can't be a gripe for him anymore. He's had some unbelievable matches. The presentation with him has been very good, and this 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 was great. It was a big win for him. He beat one of the biggest stars in the history of NXT, and now they just got to be be careful and don't do what WWE does. Like this is this is it. This is over. We know there's going to be a new champion or a new and uh, number one contender next week. So right. perfect time, and we even heard it. Um, in the news, Finn Balor talking to Ryan Satin, he wants back in the WWE. Yeah. He said they basically asked him, Hey, Finn, you know, when you come back from your injury, can you go down to NXT? It'll give you an opportunity to kind of, you know, ramp yourself back up from injury, um, work on your character, and we'll have you there for a few months and then we'll bring you up. Well, that was a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, it's time. It, it's time. And, you know, as selfish as I want to be, I, I would think Raw probably needs him more than SmackDown. Right? Uh, Just put him in there with Lashley. Isn't that yeah. feel so much more fresh right now? Yeah, it, it does. You know, he, he's probably going to get lost in the mix a little bit if he goes to Friday night. I, I just, uh, I think Raw needs the shot in the arm. And I think he would be perfect. Uh you know, just don't stick him with somebody like Bray Wyatt, and we do that again because we no. know he's coming back. You know, yeah. you know he he's been dropping hints, um, and again, like you just said uh, a couple of minutes ago, we're we're in a an interesting territory for the WWE as they prepare to go on the road here in about six weeks. You got to get to that six weeks. Uh, does Finn get some time off now? Fantasy, you know, before- fantasy booking here. This is just come to me right now. Right okay. now, Coop. Okay, here we go. We got the crowds coming back soon. One of those first nights with the crowd, U.S. Open Challenge, Sheamus, Finn Balor shows up, wins the U.S. title. Then give me the Finn U.S. Open Challenge every week. Yes. That's, like, yes. he's the guy with the cra- when you're back touring every week, you get the Finn Who's going to come out and we get that's a way that you could debut people. You could, he could be the John Cena getting these guys over, doing what Finn does. And that way, you let Finn get over for a couple months without having to do those like crazy promos that he may not be as good at. You know, he's like an Omega in that he's got a good character, like, and, and he can do character stuff, but. Finn is great in the ring, especially if you're not having him do the demon stuff. Give me some good Finn matches. I'd love to see him bring back the U.S. Open Challenge, beat Sheamus, have him be one of the the things that people tune into Raw for each and every week. Yeah, and his debut does not have to be this big storyline coming back, right? No. He, he could jump right into the mix, and those are the type of guys who needs to be wrestling every week on television. That guy... He just needs to be. I understand why he didn't do it as the NXT champion. Hell, he got his jaw broke. He was beat up. But, I, I mean, how many bad Finn Balor matches have you seen? None. I mean, like, none. none. Not, even with, not even really with Karrion Cross. So you think, okay, this guy's just got a, you know, a, a good gimmick in a, in a hot side piece. No, you, you, you can't say that. I mean, that's big men, how smalls, good Finn is. You name you know? it. I mean, with. Yeah. All different sizes, all different styles. He Monday Night Raw needs him right now. Yes. They need him yeah. in that middle middle card to main event picture. They need somebody new, somebody fresh, and uh, 
Finn would be great with the crowds coming back. I hope that's where they're going to go. And uh, that's you know that's the thing we've seen on a lot of WWE programming now for the last week. And um, we can all disagree on Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT. Do we love? Do we hate this angle, that angle? But I think we will all agree that it's going to be great when. Crowds are back every week Wrestling is just one of those things that it needs it Man it needs it Like, And and I'm, I'm thinking that when the crowds Come back after a couple weeks The crowds will be able to tell WWE and AEW uh, And NXT They'll be able to tell them some things that aren't working That maybe WWE thinks are Yeah it, look uh, The Thunderdome was a brilliant Idea I mean, yep. you got to give it to WWE for, for figuring something out, keeping people involved, whether it's virtual or not. It, it was a phenomenal idea, and it worked. It just it's it's not the same. Look at the NFL. Look at some of these. Uh, look at some of these events with no fans. It's just How about the award shows, right? Of uh, Oscars and and I mean, people didn't care about brutal. movie stuff. Oh, anything. We, we want to see people, man. We want to hear human. We that that human interaction, and, and that's mm-hmm. why it's been so difficult during a pandemic, where you you can't see, you know, at a bar, at a game, at, at a tailgate, uh, at a get together. I mean, that's that's what we were put on this earth for is is human interaction, and wrestling will definitely benefit here uh, soon from uh, the arenas uh, getting uh, getting somewhat full again. Chad Cooper helping us out each and every week on That's What G Said. We covered a ton of ground this week with the Warrior, with setting you up for the AEW pay-per-view that they've got. SmackDown, Raw, NXT, all the news about the releases in uh, on just an action-packed week. And uh, next week we'll have uh, the you know AEW pay-per-view to discuss. We'll uh, we'll see um, what's been going on with the Usos and Roman Reigns over there on SmackDown, and uh, hopefully NXT will continue on with their positive uh, their positive energy. And I'm I'm just kind of curious what the Friday night is going to be and feel like for Dynamite because this is something that. Uh, is going to be a future staple for them You know when they they end up adding that extra hour um, Later on this year It will be on Friday night Yeah the later shows are The the harder they're, they're It's harder to get into And mm-hmm. excuse me And being <clears throat> so late On a, on on the a Friday first one, On a Friday on a holiday weekend uh, The ratings are not going to reflect it That's why I'm curious to see You know what envelopes they push a little bit here Of course it's the go home show um, and I think they're going to be allowing a lot more fans in So uh, maybe we'll get some uh, some good heat out of this Chad Cooper, the man, Scoops Coops uh, One of our good buddies always helping us out Thank you so much, Coop I hope you have a great weekend, man uh, It's probably going to be warm as heck You got a, you got a yes. barbecue or barbecues or anything That you're going to be heading up to this weekend? No barbecues I'm back to taking photos at the casino this weekend Nice, awesome are back, So a little normalcy But a little three day weekend uh, The humidity's up So uh, the unofficial kickoff summer Memorial Day weekend uh, And may, may even tune in to some baseball Some NBA playoffs Yeah, you're. Uh, we, we split with the Dodgers Astros They had a fun series That felt yeah. sort of like a, a lot of energy In both of those games too Which is great when those, yeah. when those teams lock up, man So uh that that was a lot of fun. Um, thanks so much, buddy. I look you forward it, to uh, catching up with you next week and have a great weekend. You too, bud. That's Chad Cooper there, folks. Uh, don't go anywhere. Still plenty more on That's What She Said. Thank you to Chad for helping us out there. Thanks to Eric for helping us with NBA. Thanks to Dave for helping us with Pimlico. 
I do not think we've ever had a day where we've talked this many different tracks this many different days. Friday, Pimlico, Belmont, Churchill, Santa Anita, Penn. Five Friday tracks. Saturday, Churchill, Santa Anita, Belmont. Three Saturday tracks. Sunday, Canterbury. Monday, Lone Star and Canterbury. We got NBA and wrestling. Whew, tired just thinking about it. Glad to be done for the week. You all have a great Memorial Day weekend, uh, that extra long weekend. Hope you make some money. Hope you have fun with your families out there. Enjoy whatever uh, you're watching sports shows that you have. Don't forget, we've got some Loki coming up soon. Tim Kelly's going to be back. We're with the weekly recaps of Loki with that show. We're going to get into the Star Wars saga also very soon. Lots on tap in the upcoming weeks on That's What G Said. Right now, we close it out with Joey Cleveland. Thank you, buddy. Say goodbye.